Hi, I'm Alex Anders. I'm the author of this steamy male-male-female menage romance you're about to listen to. The description of it is below, but allow me to tell you something about it. It is about Joanna, this curvy, take-no-crap-from-no-one girl who, after something crazy happens in America, decides she's moving to the Bahamas. She gets there, she's taking a yoga class, and that's where she meets Paulo this gorgeous island boy who's a brilliant artist. And he falls for her. And she falls for him. Then what's the problem? The problem is that Paulo has a best friend, Devlin. And he's a billionaire and he lives on a yacht. And he decides that he likes Joanna too. Well, what are the three of them to do? Hop on his yacht and sail the Bahamas like they're pirates. And then something really spicy happens between the three and all hell breaks loose. And that's when the story gets good. And before you listen to it, let me tell you that there's a version of this audiobook that exists on Audible exclusively and it's narrated by me. And I'm from the Bahamas, so you know that narration is going to be good. So if you'd like to get that version of the book, you can click on the link in the description and get a free trial and get the book for free. So... Before you listen, consider that. Maybe listen to a sample of it. And uh, otherwise, enjoy the story. Island Candy by A. Anders Chapter 1 Joanna Joanna reached forward, grabbing her foot as she was told. With it in hand, she pulled it towards her body. Martina, the instructor, had put her foot behind her head. Joanna didn't see that happening. She didn't see that ever happening. Joanna had a lot more body than Martina did between her thigh and her stubbornly resistant leg. Yoga is not a sport for the chubby, Joanna thought to herself. As Joanna held her foot stretching it slowly towards her face, she took a second to look around. Everyone else was thin and almost malnourished. They moved with a flexibility that Joanna both envied and hated. It was clear that no one around her had the proper respect for a double-glazed, exceptionally prepared cronut. And that was more than just a shame, in her book that was criminal. Now let's stand for a few sun salutations, Martina informed everyone. Joanna let go her foot, and then rolled over onto her well-padded derriere. Pulling herself to a standing position, she debated how much of a mistake she had made by coming here. When something bad happened, most people talked about moving to Canada. Joanna was way too smart for that. Canada was really cold. She instead moved to the Bahamas. Since she didn't know anyone or anything about the country, after quitting her job and giving up her lease, she booked a two-week stay at the yoga retreat on Paradise Island. She didn't know anything about yoga or Paradise Island either, but how bad could either of them be? Turns out pretty bad. It wasn't that the island wasn't beautiful. My God, it was the most beautiful place that Joanna had ever seen. What she didn't take into consideration, though, was how little everyone would appreciate her need to satisfy her sweet tooth. Not only did this place not serve meat, but everything was raw and natural. And since Joanna had never seen a cronut growing in the wild, she imagined that her vacation would be spent eating nothing but salads. I have got to get out of here, she thought again. As everyone bent over laying their palms on the floor like crazy people, Joanna looked around, gathered her mat and eased herself towards the door. She was just about there when her eyes skipped across someone she hadn't seen from her position in the center of the class. It was a guy who didn't look like all of the other vacationing yogis. He was clearly a native. 
Slowing down and reconsidering her impulse to leave, she got a better look at him. Stretching in front of her shirtless, Joanna couldn't help but reflect on the rippling motion of his pecs and six-pack. He was built like some sort of island god. His rich dark tan and sun-bleached hair were only a part of it. His blue-gray eyes and the soulful look on his face was really what completed the package. Although she had only been on the island for a few days, it had been a long time since she had felt the strong touch of someone so drool-worthy. She could have licked him dry like a lollipop. It was almost enough to make her spread out her mat and rejoin the class. Almost. Moving closer to the door, she decided she was right the first time. Yoga was not a sport for the chubby. She needed to get out of there. Leaving the small wood slatted room, she stepped onto the wooden walkway that snaked through the sand. As she did, the sound of the ocean overtook her. If nothing else, this place was definitely a dream. The entire campus was covered in soft white sand and canopied by swaying coconut palms. It truly was an island paradise. And if it wasn't for all of the yoga, this would have made for an incredible vacation spot. Joanna continued along the wooden walkway until eventually she approached the door of her small room. The one thing she had been happy about was her choice for a single. She couldn't imagine spending her two weeks there with one of those overly enthusiastic yoga people. They were nice enough and all, but come on, take it down a notch. Entering, she had a plan for what the rest of her day was going to entail. Slipping out of her loose-fitting yoga pants and top, she reached for her all-too-tiny bikini and put it on. Sure, some might say that a girl her size shouldn't wear something so revealing. But screw them. She was on vacation at a place called Paradise Island. If she couldn't let it all hang out here, where in the world could she? Getting everything on and taking a second and third look in the mirror, Joanna was set. Wrapping a sarong around her midsection, she grabbed a towel and book and headed out. She really wasn't planning on reading the book. It was more like a garnish. Really, her plan was to lay in the sun and take a dip in the crystal clear water. But in case there were any hot guys walking by, she wanted to make the right impression. Her choice of fine literature? How Stella got her groove back. Joanna figured that it would communicate correct impression. Did Joanna need to get her groove back? The real question was, did Joanna have her groove in the first place? Did anyone have their groove at 23 years old? Joanna couldn't be sure. But Joanna knew what she liked, and she didn't mind getting a little more of that. Ascending past the mound that protected the campus from the constant sea breeze, Joanna exited the canopy of trees and stepped out onto the beach. Though it was winter, it was 80 degrees outside and perfectly sunny. This truly was a magical place touched by the gods. Finding a spot only a few feet from the splashing shoreline, she laid out her towel, set her book on the side and stretched out beside it. Allowing the warmth to seduce her, she gave a thought to what she should really be doing. This wasn't supposed to be a vacation, no matter how much she needed one. She really should have been looking for a job and a place to live. She only had a couple hundred dollars, and that was supposed to last her a few weeks. After she paid first and last month's rent, she would barely have enough for food. But that was all stuff that future Joanna had to worry about. This was present Joanna, and present Joanna needed her time in the sun. When five minutes passed, she turned over. Ten minutes after that, she got up, unwrapped her sarong, and then headed to the water. As calm and placid as the beach usually was, it wasn't quite that today. Certainly, it wasn't anything that Joanna would have to worry about. It was still quite pleasant. 
but she would have to stand on guard that nothing surprised her from behind. Bobbing up and down, she could stay in rhythm with the waves. And as long as she stayed away from where the waves crested, there was no risk of embarrassment. Wading into the waist-deep water, she looked down at her feet. They were both visible. In fact, the water was so clear that she could spot small fish swimming past her leg. She wondered if she should be nervous about that, but she decided that she could take them in a fight if she had to. She was a lot tougher than many people would have guessed. And certainly, a palm-sized fish would rue the day it messed with her. As Joanna considered all of the fish that she could fight if she had to, her attention was drawn to the yoga center as the gong indicated the end of class. This was her chance to see if the gorgeous guy was staying at the yoga center, or if he was from the mainland. The only way into the yoga center with luggage was by boat. But if you wanted to get there on foot, you had to enter via the beach. That path was steps away from where Joanna laid her towel. Keeping her eyes locked on the path, Joanna bounced in the water. Not noticing the waves getting higher on her body, she suddenly spotted him. Still without his shirt on, he stepped onto the beach about to turn right towards Paradise Island's main resort. Joanna wondered if she should try to get his attention. It wasn't just that he was gorgeous, though he definitely was incredibly hot. He could be a good contact for her. Who better to ask about the local real estate and job market than someone from the island? Finding her courage, Joanna raised her hand and waved. He was passing her quickly and didn't see. Should I try to call to him? She asked herself. Why the hell not? Excuse me. Joanna beckoned, hoping that she hadn't yelled too loudly. It worked. The gorgeous man stopped and looked at her. Even at this distance, Joanna was mesmerized by his gaze. He had to be the most beautiful man she had ever seen. A smile crept across her face, and she took a step forward out of the water just as out of nowhere a wave crested over her head and whipped her off of her feet. In one moment she had been successfully flirting with a gorgeous guy, in the next she was breathing in water and tumbling unaware of which way was up. This had to be what it felt like to be in a washing machine, she decided. And not sure if she would ever find the surface again, one of her hands touched the sand. Moments later, she was deposited six feet up the beach near the spot that her towel once laid. Coughing up water, Joanna opened her eyes. Are you all right? The man asked, kneeling over her. Still coughing, it took a moment for her to get her bearings. When she did, she recognized who it was. It was the gorgeous man. He had just watched her nose dive into a wave and get deposited onto the beach like a whale. That could have been the most embarrassing thing that had ever happened to Joanna. That could have been, but it wasn't. Miss, are you all right? The man asked again. Catching her breath, Joanna looked up into his face. His eyes really were mesmerizing. She laid staring at him, wondering whether he might give her mouth-to-mouth -mouth resuscitation. When he didn't make a move towards her lips, she instead decided to answer his question. Was she all right, she wondered. Checking in with her feet and then her legs, she felt fine. Moving up, she felt as though her tummy had been scratched, but it hadn't been enough to break the skin. Realizing that she hadn't lost a finger or hand, she was about to declare herself fit for duty when she noticed something missing. Where the hell was her bikini top, because it sure as hell wasn't covering her breasts? With a gasp, Joanna whipped her hands onto her breasts. Humiliation washed across her face. She squeaked in terror looking into the gorgeous man's eyes. When the man blushed, she realized that he had probably already gotten an eyeful. 
Oh my god, where's my top? Joanna shrieked. Apparently, whatever concern the gorgeous man had was gone, because instead of concern, he was now holding back laughter. It isn't funny, Joanna demanded. You're right. It's not funny, he said before giving in to the hilarity of the moment. She could see that he wasn't being mean, but still, this was humiliating for her. He shouldn't be laughing. You're still laughing, she pointed out. You're right. I'll stop. I just need to get that picture out of my mind. As he closed his eyes and then chuckled again, Joanna decided she couldn't take any more. With her hand still tightly pressed against her breasts, she got up and looked around for her missing everything. She spotted her bikini top 30 feet down the shore tumbling in the waves, and her towel and book 30 feet in the other direction. This was the most embarrassing thing that had ever happened to her. There was no doubt. Trying to decide which she should go after first, the gorgeous man spoke up. Let me get that for you, he said, trying to make amends. Still too humiliated to move, Joanna stood there as she watched the man's rippling body chase her two tiny bikini top down the coastline. It was such like a man to go after that one first. The towel would have been able to cover her completely. The bikini top would do less than what her hands were already doing. I got it, he said, lifting the cloth above his head in victory. Jogging back, he handed it to her, and then gallantly chased her towel and book in the opposite direction. Wrestling the waves for possession of both, he collected them and her sarong, and then brought them back to her. Here they are, the man said cheerfully. I don't know how much use you're going to get out of any of them. Joanna snatched all of it from the man holding it like a wet ball in front of her. She opened her mouth to say something, and then again noticed the broad smile on his face. She probably should have thanked him. She even opened her mouth to do it. But when nothing came out, she blamed it on his way to telling grin. Without a word, Joanna turned away from him and marched back towards her room. Look, I'm sorry, he insisted. I shouldn't have laughed. No, you shouldn't have, she said, finding her voice. You're right. Let me make it up to you. Joanna slowed her march. Whipping back around, she faced him, weighing her humiliation against everything else she wanted. Not sure whether she could accept his offer after what he had seen and done, she spoke apprehensively. And how are you going to do that? Have you gotten a chance to see the island yet? He offered temptingly. Not yet, she admitted suddenly holding her breath. Then let me make it up to you by showing you around, he said with a puckish smile. Joanna stared at him hesitantly. This was what she had wanted. In every other case this would have made it up to her, but he was hot, and he had witnessed the most embarrassing thing that had ever happened to her. How was she supposed to get over that? When he reached out his hand and touched her forearm saying please, she began to understand how. You'll show me the mainland. If that's what you want, then sure. Joanna didn't want to seem too excited about this. After all, she still had to show him that he had made a mistake by laughing at her. She wanted him to know that it was going to take more than just a tour around the island for her to forget that. But with his hand still on her arm, she admitted to herself that it wasn't going to take much more. Fine. I'll let you make it up to me. Perfect. But I don't want you showing me around just because you feel sorry for me, or anything," Joanna said suddenly feeling self-conscious about their arrangement. No, don't worry about that. You just gave me an excuse. You were in the last yoga class, right? You're the one who left. 
Joanna felt her cheeks warm. Yeah, that was me. I don't think I'm much of a yogi, she admitted. I thought that was you. As soon as I saw you, I was trying to come up with an excuse to offer to show you around. You just made it easy for me, he said with another smile. Joanna couldn't kid herself, she liked his answer. As unfortunately as their relationship had started, she sensed it taking a wonderful new turn. With a smile, she continued towards the wooden path feeling him enter her wake. Was he planning on following her to her room? That was a little presumptuous of him, but feeling a bit of a thrill by the idea, Joanna didn't stop him. What's your name? The man asked from behind her. Joanna again felt a little embarrassed realizing that she had just agreed to be shown around the island by someone whose name she didn't even know. Joanna. Nice to meet you, Joanna. I'm Paolo. Is this your first time in the Bahamas? Joanna wanted to keep up her show of resistance, but she couldn't. He was too hot and way too nice. This is my first time. How long are you here for? That was a good question. Joanna wanted to be there for the rest of her life, but she did have a ticket for a return flight in 10 days. Purchasing a round-trip ticket was mandatory. Two weeks, maybe longer. Cool. Where are you from? Paolo asked. North Carolina, Joanna stated. That's so cool, Paolo exclaimed. It's okay. I think I might like it better here. It's nice here. You should definitively stick around. As Joanna approached her door, she wondered whether or not she should invite him in. Would it be rude to have him stand outside while she changed? Maybe. But he had already seen her topless. What was the worst that could happen? Joanna opened the door and allowed him to follow her inside. The room wasn't large, but there was somewhere for him to sit. He immediately moved to the plastic seat and got comfortable. I'm going to need to change into something else, so I'll need you to look away, Joanna said, trying to hide how titillating the whole thing began to feel. Without resistance, Paolo turned his head. How have you liked it here so far? Do you mean at the yoga retreat? Yeah. It's okay. It wasn't quite what I expected. I don't think I'm a yoga girl. Joanna hung her dripping towel across the dowel in the closet and then looked back at Paolo as she loosened the bikini from around her body. You seem like the perfect yoga girl to me, Paolo replied. Yoga is about being open and genuine. Most of these people here are just pretending to be that way. You seem like a real person. You're more of a yogi than any of them. That made Joanna feel good. She was feeling very self-conscious about being there after the past few days. Paolo's words landed in exactly the right spot. She was really liking him, and instead of collecting a bra from the dresser, she dropped her bikini bottom and stood in front of him naked. Like a gentleman, he still had his head turned. But she decided that she wouldn't mind it if he took a peek. When a second passed and he didn't, Joanna found a fresh towel and dabbed herself dry. Joanna couldn't help but be turned on. There was a gorgeous man in her room and she wasn't dressed. It took everything in her not to walk over to him and throw him onto the bed. She was at a yoga retreat though. There was a reason why she had chosen this place. If karmic debt was real, she had a lot of it to pay off. And perhaps jumping into the arms of the first hot guy she found wasn't the best way of doing that. Joanna got dressed and then turned to Paolo. 
You can turn around, Joanna said, adjusting her shirt. Paolo turned around and looked at her. He smiled. Joanna couldn't be sure, but it seemed like he was liking what he saw. What type of shoes should I wear? She asked him, trying to decide between her flip-flops and sneakers. We'll be walking a lot, he informed her. I'm kind of excited, Joanna admitted as she slipped on her sneakers. Where are you planning on taking me? I'm going to give you the full tour, he said with a smile. Joanna blushed joyfully. This was not how she imagined her day going when she woke up. She was beginning to wonder if she was going to get off the campus at all. Now here she was getting a tour around the island by the hottest native she could ever have imagined. When Joanna left her room and crossed towards the beach, she looked around at the woman walking towards them. It was Martina, their yoga instructor. She had an unusual look on her face as her eyes darted between Paolo and her. Joanna could tell that she didn't approve of her being with Paolo. When she passed, Joanna leaned over and whispered to the much taller man. What was that about? Joanna asked. They're just haters here, Paolo explained a little saddened. Like I said, you're more of a yogi than any of these people will ever be. Joanna didn't know what he was basing that on, but she knew it felt good to hear. Maybe it was the anonymity of being on vacation, but Joanna latched her arm within Paolo's hoping that Martina turned around and saw it. Paolo looked down at her and smiled. Leading Joanna onto the beach, the two walked towards the skyscraping hotels. It had to be the most perfect beach that she had ever walked on in her life. The sand was soft, the water sparkled in the sunlight, and the company was perfect. It was almost disappointing when Paolo led her onto the immaculate grounds of the busy resort. This is really nice, Joanna admitted looking around at the architecture. It's very open feeling, Paolo said, struggling to put it into words. Have you ever been on a motorcycle? No. Is that what we're doing? It's more like a scooter. Is that okay with you? A bicycle was the only thing Joanna had ever been on, with two wheels. She didn't like to admit this, but she'd always been kind of afraid of motorcycles. Always having thought of herself as bold, she was happy to confront that fear. Yeah, that sounds good to me, she said, hoping that he didn't see her shake. Paolo smiled. Leading Joanna out of the resort and into the adjacent parking lot, she got a look at what they would be riding. They looked like small death machines, and they were parked in a row next to a guy behind a desk. Can you wait here for a second? Paolo asked Joanna. Sure. Paolo left her and approached the young guy like they knew each other. After saying a few things to him, Paolo pointed towards Joanna, causing the young guy to look. Unsure of how to respond, Joanna waved at the two. The young man smiled back graciously and then turned to Paolo. After again saying something to the young man, Paolo looked back at Joanna and called her over. We have it for a few hours. That should be long enough to show you all the best spots. As the two approached their small vehicle, Joanna wondered if she had made a mistake. Had he not realized that she wasn't one of those cronut-starved yoga girls? How were they both supposed to sit on such a small seat? You don't mind getting in close, do you? Paolo asked with a smile. Something about the question made Joanna tingle. No, she didn't mind getting in close with him at all. In fact, Joanna wouldn't mind if that was just the beginning. Wait, you're not some type of murderer, are you? Joanna said, delaying the process. Do you know many murderers who do yoga? Paolo said with a smile.
Joanna had to admit that he had a point. She was still a little apprehensive, though. She was known to be impulsive. Hell, after quitting her job and giving up her lease, on a whim she decided to go to the Bahamas. But impulsive decisions like this was exactly how she had gotten into trouble in the past. This time, though, things seemed to be a little different. There was something about Paolo that drew her to him. Sure, it could have been his broad shoulders and the fact that he still hadn't put on a shirt. But it felt like more than that. She felt comfortable around him. You don't know. Murderers could do yoga too, Joanna joked. Paolo chuckled. I guess you're right. But no, I am not a murderer. Isn't that what a murderer would say? Joanna said with a smile. Still nervous about getting on, she decided to give herself another moment. So what is it that you do? Will you feel more comfortable about allowing me to show you around the island if I told you? He asked. I guess. Okay. But I can do one better than that. I'll show you what I do. We won't even have to drive there. We can walk. Joanna agreed. Leaving the motor scooter behind, Joanna followed Paolo out of the parking lot and towards what looked like a canal. Stepping onto a sidewalk, Paolo surprised Joanna by taking her hand. Together they walked towards a boardwalk full of expensive shops. None of the shops were big, but they all had names that she recognized. Next to Cartier was Gucci. Beyond that was Louis Vuitton and a very expensive restaurant named Nobu. It reminded Joanna of the time she visited Rodeo Drive in Beverly Hills. And across the boardwalk from the shops were the largest yachts that Joanna had ever seen. Wondering which of the fancy shops Paolo would take her into, she was quite surprised when he placed his hand on the door of an art gallery. As Joanna entered, she looked around. The artwork was incredible. Considering that they were all different, Joanna knew that they couldn't all be his. But considering that any of them could be, Joanna was impressed. Are you an artist? Joanna asked surprised. Yeah. Oh my God. That's amazing. Which ones are yours? Guess, Paolo said with a smile. Guess. Joanna wondered if this was the artist equivalent of a woman asking a guy how much he thinks she weighs. No, just tell me. No, no. I want you to guess. Joanna looked at Paolo apprehensively. Seeing that he wasn't about to back off from his request, she resigned herself to her fate. Letting go of his hand, she began to get a closer look at the artwork. She thought that she would be able to recognize the signature, but they all ended up being abstract brushstrokes. Taking a different route, Joanna tried to match the style of art to what she knew about Paolo. Three of the paintings were figure drawings of dark-skinned men wearing colorful costumes. They seemed to be in some sort of parade. The portraits were all strikingly beautiful, but Joanna wondered if Paolo was such a realistic guy. The next set of paintings were what the label on the wall referred to as mixed media. The canvas was split into sections and in each section there was a different pattern. Stripes in one, checkerboards in another while others were textured and smooth. These barely seemed like the work of a man who did yoga. This artist was clearly the one who was the murderer. In fact, judging from the chaos, he had probably already collected his fourth head. The last set of paintings that Joanna looked at were far more incredible than the first. On the canvas was layers of colors. Some of them were muted and some were bold. At once they were sensual and calming. Just looking at them made Joanna's heart thump.
They gave her an unexplainable rush that started at her sex, traveled down to her toes, and then sprung back to her groin with a ferocity that took her breath away. Joanna turned to Paolo with a questioning look in her eyes. Is this yours? Paolo walked over and pointed to the signature at the bottom of the frame. Pages Lun, he said. Paolo Lun. That's my name. They're incredible, she said, fighting through her racing heartbeats. Thank you. If you want one, they are only $5,000 each. It's a bargain, Paolo said with a smile. They are a bargain, Joanna admitted, though she knew nothing about art. Paolo blushed. I wish more people agreed with you. People buy art when they come here on vacation. Not enough, Paolo said again, taking Joanna's hand. So what do you think? Can you trust me? I think I might be able to trust you for a day, Joanna told him flirtatiously. Then I guess we better make this day count, Paolo said with a smile. The two headed back towards the scooters and Paolo started one up and got on. When you get on, I want you to hold on tight. Oh, you don't have to worry about that, Joanna said. You just have to worry about me hanging on too hard. With Joanna swinging her leg over the seat and wrapping her arms around Paolo's strong body, she got the first of many surprises. With the scooter running, she felt as if her legs were around a king-sized vibrator. The sensation electrified her sex, sending a rush of ecstasy washing through her. She would never have expected that. For the first time ever, she realized why women were so enamored with riding on the back of motorcycles. Are you holding on tight? Paolo asked a final time. I'm not going anywhere, Joanna replied. Then let's do this, he said, getting underway. Slowly pulling into the street, Joanna felt the warm breeze on her face and underneath the small helmet that Paolo had given her. It was an incredible sensation. Winding through the roads and then up over the 50-foot-high bridge, they descended onto the main island leaving the resort town behind. Everything was different here. This place was vibrant and exciting. There were people everywhere, and everyone seemed like a different complexion. Zipping through the heavy traffic, Paolo turned left driving them along the sea. Cutting through what Paolo described as downtown, Joanna couldn't stop looking at the myriad of colorful buildings. Each of them could have been hundreds of years old, and they were all distinct from one another as if laid out by a landscape painter. The image was like out of a dream. Entering a long stretch further along the coastline, Joanna began to feel the cumulative effect of all of the vibration. She was sure that she had become fully aroused. She pulled Paolo tighter. Are you still okay back there? Paolo asked, thinking about her safety. I'm good, she admitted, wanting to tell him just how good she felt. By the time the two got to a place Paolo referred to as the caves, Joanna was beside herself. Her hands had slowly lowered down his body and were on the verge of crossing his waistband. She couldn't help it. The intoxicating effects of all of it, the gorgeous guy, the incredible scenery, the giant vibrator between her legs, she could barely contain herself. Did you want to stop and take a look around, he asked. Though her thoughts were really focused on getting her hands on whatever he had between his legs, she relented. Sure. Let's take a look. Joanna got off the scooter and her legs quivered. She wanted so desperately for him to reach between her legs and quiet her rumbling. She had never felt more like a woman than she did at that moment. She was free and wanting, but more than anything else, she was as horny as hell. Taking Paolo's hand after he parked the bike, the two walked towards the large cave entrance. 
Apparently, these caves go on for thousands of feet. Back in pirate days, this was where a lot of them hid their stolen treasure. Can we go in? Joanna asked, looking for any opportunity to get him alone. We can, depending on how you feel about bats. Bats? Are there bats in there? There are a few. Are you scared of bats? Joanna wasn't scared of many things. In fact, everything she was afraid of could be counted on one hand. The first thing was motorcycles, the second on the list was bats. If it were any other time, she would have run away in terror. But with Paolo's hand in her own, and the flesh between her legs burning like it was on fire, the thought of bats sent a thrill down her spine that made her feel like she was about to explode. I won't be scared if you promise one thing, Joanna admitted. And what's that? That you'll kiss me. Paolo didn't say a word. Instead, he gripped Joanna's hand tighter and then led her into the darkness. It was once they turned into a corner where no one driving by could see them that he pushed her against the wall, grabbed her behind her neck and planted his lips on hers. Joanna felt her back press against the cold stone wall. Her lips parted. Paolo's strong tongue entered her mouth in search of hers. She offered it to him, and the two touched. Twirling and dancing upon one another, Joanna's mind was awash in pleasure. Paolo wasted no time in showing his intentions. He pressed his groin against Joanna's stomach. He was hard. The size of it made Joanna gasp. She wanted all of him, and she wanted him now. When he grabbed her breasts, Joanna realized how large Paolo's hands were. He practically consumed her overflowing chest. She wanted to feel his flesh on hers, though. So reaching down and slipping her hand into his loose-fitting pants, she took hold of his c*** and squeezed it in her palm. That was all it took to drive Paolo wild. With his hot breaths panting against her face, he reached down and pulled her shirt above her breasts. Before she knew it, her bra was unlatched. And before she could stop him, her nipples were exposed and his lips were headed towards them. Feeling the light tug of his teeth around her raised flesh, she whimpered. Her chest heaved. Her body felt alive with delight, and as he leaned over sucking on her nipple, she prayed for his to claim its prize. She didn't have to wait long. Moaning from increased pleasure, Joanna lost her breath as she felt Paolo's hand slowly slide down her body reaching for the button on her jeans. Hi, this is the author. Steamy things are going on in the story right now, but because of the platform you're listening to it on, I can't play it. But if you'd like to listen to those steamy things, you can get a version of this audiobook narrated by me, the author, on Audible, and you can get it for free by clicking on the link in the description below. So please, check it out. Otherwise, continue listening. He cried as his mind swirled in electric pleasure. The two held their exhausted positions for as long as they could. Joanna wished that they had a bed they could fall into, but they didn't. They were in a cave on an island miles from anything she knew. What the hell was she doing? She didn't even know who the man holding her was. With all of her senses slowly returning to her, she had one thought. What the hell was she doing? Was this what she wanted her new life to be like? How could she have allowed herself to get so carried away so quickly? Chapter 2 Paolo Paolo slumped forward, pressing his body against the soft, curvy form underneath him. He wasn't sure what had just happened, but he liked it. One moment he was giving her a pleasant tour of the island, and the next, she was giving him every sign that she wanted him. This had never happened to him before. 
Knowing just how frequently people visited the caves, Paolo lowered Joanna and pulled himself together. We should go, he said slowly pulling up his pants. Yeah, Joanna replied with a look of regret in her eyes. Paolo, knowing that he couldn't allow the mood to change so quickly, helped Joanna collect her clothing. Once she had slipped her panties on and was pulling up her pants, he gave her a kiss on the cheek. You are incredible, he told her returning a smile to her face. Things seemed to return to the way they were quickly after that. He didn't want this to be awkward. He could see himself having a life with her. She was sexy, and like him, she was into yoga. It wasn't much, but it had the beginnings of a life together. He could see himself living in North Carolina. Truthfully, he considered anywhere to be better than here. Sure, the island was beautiful. But once you scratched the surface, there was a lot underneath that wasn't quite as nice. Continuing their trip around the western end of the island, Paolo was sure to show her all of the expensive homes. He knew that would impress her. It impressed everybody. And circling back through downtown over the bridge and onto Paradise Island, Paolo parked their scooter at a restaurant in front of another harbor. As Paolo got off, he had second thoughts about taking her here. This was one of his usual hangouts, and he was sure that she would love it, but he wasn't sure that things would go exactly as planned if they ate here. Paolo's internal debate didn't last long. There were certain economic benefits to eating there that tipped the scales in the end. They knew him there. If he decided to pick up the tab, he didn't have to pay right away. Paolo didn't sell his paintings very often, but he did have a commission coming in soon. The guys behind the bar accommodated that. Hurricane Hole was one of the few places he knew he could take Joanna without having to check exactly how much cash was in his wallet. This is really nice, Joanna said intertwining her fingers within Paolo's. Yeah. It's a nice hangout. I figured we could grab a drink and get something to eat while we watch the sunset. That sounds nice, Joanna agreed. Crossing the stone walkway to the outdoor restaurant bar, the two stepped under the restaurant-sized cabana and weaved between the tables. What you say, man? Paolo asked Jimmy the bartender, allowing his island accent to come out. Nothing much, man. How you been? Jimmy retorted. You know how it is. This is my friend Joanna, Paolo said introducing the two. Nice to meet you. What can I get the two of you? The two ordered drinks as Paolo retrieved a menu from the bar top. Looking out at the slip full of yachts he looked back at the tables, carefully choosing where to sit. How about here? It should give us a good view of the sunset he told her leaving out the real reason he chose the table. No, this would be amazing, she said looking around and taking in the awesome view. So is this where you come every day? Joanna asked with a twinkle in her eye. No, no. I couldn't do that. I like to hang out here on a Friday or Saturday night though. It just depends. It must be amazing living here. If I could, I would live here in a second. Paolo tightened his lips and gave her an obligatory chuckle. In fact, do you know of any job openings? She asked in a tone that made her sound like she was being serious. They're all over the place, he said, wanting to give Joanna a good impression of his home. I'm serious, though. You know of anywhere that might be hiring. I quit my job before I left. And if there's something here to stay for, why would I leave, right? She asked with a smile. Paolo liked how this was going. He liked her. 
she had a spirit about her that captivated him. Paolo believed that she would actually move here if she could. She seemed like such a free spirit. He really could see himself with her for a long time. What do you recommend? Joanna asked staring at the menu. Paolo didn't have to look to make his recommendation. Do you like squid? Squid. Yeah. Have you ever had it? Paolo asked. I don't know. Anyway, I would say get the crack conch with fries. It's as Bahamian as it gets. And if you are going to stay here, you need to start acting like a Bahamian, Paolo said with a smile. Joanna looked at him delighted. Okay. I'll get it. Why did you ask about squid? That's what it tastes like. But if you've never had it, it doesn't matter, Paolo chuckled. The two ordered the same thing when Jimmy brought over their drinks. Sipping on their rum punches, Paolo looked into her eyes. So what are you passionate about? Joanna looked at him like she was caught off guard. What am I passionate about? Yeah. You know, what do you dream about so much that it keeps you up at night? Joanna looked down and away as she thought. It was like she had never considered the question before. Paolo couldn't believe that, though. For him, life was an unending expression of passion. The idea that someone else could have no passion at all was inconceivable to him. I don't know, Joanna admitted to Paolo's surprise. You probably think I'm lame, right? Paolo looked at the beautiful woman, wondering if there was a reason why she didn't want to share her passion with him. Maybe it was too personal. They had just had sex, though. Paolo thought that should have given him some permission to ask a personal question. No, it's cool. No. I suppose that a guy like you can't imagine someone who doesn't have a passion. Paolo was beginning to understand. She was one of those types who didn't consciously know what their passion was. You have a passion. I can see it all over you. But sometimes it's hard to see the forest through all of the trees that are blocking your view, he said with a smile. Joanna, who had looked distressed for a moment, relaxed her face into a warm smile. Maybe you're right. I guess that your passion is your art. My art is my life. Painting is the only way I can breathe sometimes. My passion is going to new places. I like to travel. Oh, have you traveled a lot? She asked. I've been to Japan. And I've traveled around America. I don't get to travel much, though. I'm not good with planes. Joanna smiled. Your passion is traveling, but you aren't good with planes. Paolo smiled at the ridiculousness of it. Yeah. That's weird, right? I wouldn't say that it's weird. I'd call it quirky. Quirky, huh? Paolo turned to Jimmy, who was busying himself behind the bar. Hey, Jimmy. Did you hear that? I am quirky. More like weird, Jimmy replied, not looking up from the bar. No quirky. Just ask Joanna. It's true, Joanna volunteered. He's not weird, he's quirky. What did I tell ya? Paolo said playfully. I stand corrected, the bartender said playing along. Paolo and Joanna chuckled. It was then that Paolo reached out and put his hand on hers. She seemed to like it. Paolo liked the way things were going. He could feel himself falling for this girl. He didn't want his time with her to end. How long are you here for? Joanna swallowed. 
I don't know. I love it here. I would love to stay here forever. Paolo considered this. If she moved here, could they have a life together? And if they stayed together, could she eventually change her mind about living here and take him back with her? So you don't have a return ticket? No, I do. I don't want to go back, though. Like I said, I quit my job just before I left. Why did you quit your job? Because. Joanna thought for a second before replying, I just had to get away. Paolo smiled. Are you a bank robber? Is that why you had to get away? I wish. It would have been a hell of a lot more interesting. No, I worked as a sales attendant at a home and garden store. Paolo tried to imagine that. I know exciting, right? Hey, whatever it is that you love. I did not love that job, Joanna said insistently. But I bet the money was good, Paolo suggested. At that job? Not even close, he explained. Paolo looked at Joanna confused. He understood that sometimes you had to do jobs that you didn't want to do. But surely you don't do them very long. And when you do them, it was just so that you can fulfill whatever passion you have. Paolo didn't quite understand Joanna, and that drew him to her more. He loved the mystery of her. He squeezed her hand wondering if he could get her naked again. The two were interrupted when the food arrived. Paolo watched Joanna react to her food. She looked at it with a childlike innocence. Looking up at him for confirmation, he gestured for her to try it. Cutting off a slice of the chewy meat, she stuck a piece in her mouth. Her eyes widened as the mixture of flavors washed across her tongue. This is amazing, Joanna said taken aback. Yeah, they make it good here, he said with a smile. There wasn't much talking going on after that. The two ate their meals and watched as the sun slowly sets past the horizon. The sky turned a multitude of yellows, oranges, and pinks. As it did, the sea air that sometimes sprayed up from the dock a few feet away tickled their noses. It was the perfect island evening. Paolo decided to walk Joanna back to her room, hoping she would invite him in for the night. Paolo looked up to get their check. As he looked around for Jimmy, he spotted the one thing that he hoped he wouldn't. Devlin was walking down the dock towards the restaurant. Paolo wasn't in the mood to deal with Devlin tonight. So capturing Jimmy's attention, he made a gesture for the check. Second-guessing his ability to pay, he decided to go to the bar. I'll be right back, Paolo said before leaving her to go to the bar. As Paolo rushed to the bar, he kept one eye on Devlin as he approached. He wanted to rush Jimmy, but his friend had turned his back working the cash register. Knowing that their meeting was inevitable, Paolo decided to lower his head and delay it as long as he could. Are you back here? Devlin said smiling broadly as he saw Paolo. Paolo refused to look at him. Hey, where's say man? Not much. What have you been up to? I haven't seen you around much recently. After looking away as long as he could, Paolo gave in and looked at Devlin. It wasn't that Devlin was a bad guy, Paolo considered. It wasn't even like Paolo didn't sometimes like to hang out with him. It was just the timing of it. Devlin had a habit of taking whatever it was that he wanted, and oftentimes it would be the women that Paolo brought to the bar. They were never girlfriends or even women he was seriously interested in, but the consistency of it rubbed Paolo the wrong way. What bothered Paolo even more was that he knew there was no way he could compete with Devlin. 
On top of being the richest man that Paolo had ever met, he was good-looking and lived on a yacht. How could any normal guy compete with someone whose closing line was, how would you like to go check out my yacht? Most of the time, Paolo could put up with this. But he genuinely thought that he could have a future with Joanna. So the last thing he wanted to do was introduce Joanna to his good-looking billionaire friend with a yacht. Is that your check? Devlin asked as Jimmy put it in front of them. Paolo looked down at the slip of paper. The number on it was a little bigger than he thought. He wouldn't be able to cover it with the money in his wallet. He was either going to have to ask Joanna to chip in, or he was going to have to negotiate with Jimmy to put it on his tab. There was one other option, though. Paolo considered it as he continued to stare at his check. Yeah, a friend of mine and I just ate, Paolo admitted immediately feeling like he had sold his soul. Hey, Jimmy, Devlin said, getting the bartender's attention. Put it on my tab. As Devlin said it, Paolo knew he couldn't let that happen. No, Devlin. I got it. No, Paolo. Seriously, I have it, Devlin said with a billion-dollar smile. Paolo's stomach turned at Devlin's words. He hated everything about what was going on, including how relieved he felt hearing Devlin offer to pay. He knew this would come with a price, and it was only a matter of time before the real tab came due. Is that your friend? Devlin asked, looking back at Joanna. Yeah. But you wouldn't be interested in her, Paolo proclaimed. Don't be silly. I like all of your friends. Are you going to introduce me? Devlin said with an unnerving smile. Having allowed Devlin to pick up the check, Paolo couldn't imagine how he could now refuse a simple introduction between the two. He wouldn't allow what usually happened to happen this time, though. Unlike the others, he really liked Joanna. He was willing to fight for her if he had to. And no matter what the good-looking billionaire said, Paolo was planning on playing every card he had to win this hand. Yeah, of course, he said without a smile. Paolo looked back at the table as they walked over. Devlin had already captured Joanna's attention. She looked at Devlin like all women did. Although Paolo wished it didn't happen, he did understand why. By all measures, Devlin was a handsome guy. His wavy black hair, his tan complexion, the man was way too young to be as successful as he was. And as much as it pained Paolo to admit it, Devlin could be incredibly cool. Joanna, this is Devlin. Hi, nice to meet you. Any friend of Paolo's is a friend of mine, Devlin said taking the seat across the table from Joanna. Nice to meet you, Joanna said practically blushing. Are you here visiting? Devlin asked, eyeing Joanna. Actually, I was just telling Paolo how much I love it here and want to stay. I had the same feeling. I came down here once for a vacation then bought a yacht and decided to stay, Devlin replied with a devilish smile. Devlin's words turned Paolo's stomach. There it was. It never took Devlin more than a few sentences before he brought up his yacht. Paolo had to admit that he would do the same thing if he could. But where did that leave guys like him who didn't have yachts to talk about? As he watched the way Joanna responded to Devlin, Paolo could sense him losing her. He had to do something quickly or he would never see Joanna again. Yeah, I was hoping that Devlin would stop by because I really wanted to show you his yacht, Paolo said reaching across the table and putting his hand on hers. Have you ever been on a yacht before? No, I never have, Joanna admitted looking at Paolo with a new look of respect. 
Then you have to check it out. You wouldn't mind, would you, Devlin? Devlin looked at him confused until a broad smile stretched across his face. Of course not. I would love to show her around. Paolo could see that Devlin was mistaken about what was happening. Devlin clearly thought that he was setting Joanna up for him. That wasn't what was going on. Since Paolo knew that Devlin was going to get her on his yacht one way or another, Paolo had suggested it so that Joanna associated the gesture with him instead of Devlin. She was going to have him to thank for the experience and not the owner of the yacht. It was a dangerous game that Paolo was playing, but it was the only option he had. Okay, let's go, Paolo said with a smile, tightening his grip on Joanna's hand. Wow, I have never been on a yacht before, Joanna said to the two men mostly directing it to Paolo. Yes, it's a nice one, Paolo added. Thank you, Devlin said, pulling the conversation his way. I've been living on it for two years. It was always my dream to sail the seven seas. Then one day I decided that there was more to life than work. Now here I am. Devlin gestured towards the beautiful sailing yacht at the end of the dock. Not letting go of Joanna's hand, Paolo watched her reaction as she realized which it was. She was turning red. There was something about it that was turning her on. She was rhythmically squeezing his hand as if it were their bodies having sex. For the first time, Paolo understood why Devlin led with talk about his yacht. It had an effect on women that was unmistakable. Wow. Joanna gasped. It's a 52-foot gullet, Devlin said proudly. What's a gullet? Joanna asked. It's a Turkish sailing yacht with either two or three masts, Devlin explained. What's a mast? Joanna continued. It's the large sails, Devlin said. Gullets are traditionally made of wood and are left the natural wood color. It's beautiful, Joanna said. It's my baby, Devlin admitted proudly. Paolo couldn't fault Devlin for talking about his sailboat. It truly was a gorgeous boat. It was two-toned with black on the lower half and shiny mahogany on the top half. The windows on the side had fake shutters that were painted green and red. It could have sailed out of the 1800s, yet it shined like it was made yesterday. It kind of looks like a pirate sailboat, doesn't it? Joanna suddenly added. Paolo looked at Joanna. He had always thought that but had never said it aloud, worried that it would insult Devlin. Looking over at his billionaire friend, Paolo saw that it didn't. In fact, it put a smile on Devlin's face that Paolo couldn't classify. It was like Devlin had a secret that Joanna had just tapped into. Paolo wasn't sure what was going on. Would you like to go on? Devlin said, changing the topic. The three walked up the wooden retractable stairway and exited onto the deck of the sailboat. Every time Paolo stepped on board, it reminded him of all the things that he did not have. There was a hot tub on the deck of the yacht, for Christ's sake. It was the most luxurious thing that Paolo had ever seen in his life. As impressed as Paolo continued to be, Joanna was even more so. She gripped Paolo's hand trying to contain herself. Paolo imagined that he could take her right then if he wanted to. Would you like me to make you a drink? Devlin said, crossing the beige wood deck to the fully stocked mahogany bar. Sure, Joanna replied, looking like she was about to explode. You? He asked Paolo. Whatever you're having. Devlin made three drinks and then led his guests to the front of the sailboat. He gave them a tour, pointing out all the luxurious details. 
The front section was a cushioned area where people could lay out. Just behind that was the jacuzzi and beyond that was the rounded beige couch which faced a television set. The back of the yacht was where the wheel was. You sailed this by yourself? Joanna asked surprised. Usually, Devlin admitted. Every so often I do hire a crew. I purchased it in Turkey and had a crew of five as we crossed the Atlantic. You crossed the Atlantic in this? Paolo asked surprised. Yeah, Devlin said with a smile. Didn't I ever mention that to you? No, he said impressed. Yeah, it took us three weeks. We could have done it faster, but I was using the opportunity to learn how to sail in open waters. It was incredible. Maybe if I ever did it again, I'll take you two with me. Paolo imagined what it would be like to travel with Devlin. The offer was appealing. Paolo wanted so badly to have the things that Devlin had, but his life seemed to be going nowhere. Each time he thought his art would take him to somewhere new or fascinating, the opportunity would always disappear. It was like he was destined to never go anywhere or do anything interesting. So this casual offer of adventure was like an ice pick to Paolo's heart. I think you two would make great first mates, Devlin continued. To those words, Paolo tossed back his drink. He wasn't ready for how strong Devlin had made it. Although he didn't cough, his brow furrowed. Looking up at Devlin, he found the billionaire looking back at him. Paolo knew that the strength of his drink was no accident when Devlin offered him a devilish smile. It looks like you need another one. Yeah, fill it up, Paolo said, starting to resign himself to Devlin's victory. Instead of returning to the decktop bar, Devlin led them to the entertainment galley. The interior of the sailboat was phenomenal. Both the ground and walls were shiny mahogany. The hallway was designed to look like windows and within the wooden frames was beige-patterned wallpaper. The couches and all of the accents were cream-colored leather. And everything about this place screamed wealth. Paolo's confidence shrunk with every step he took. With a second drink in hand, Paolo followed the two into the main living room. Getting relaxed, he was glad to see Joanna lay against his chest. In spite of everything around them, she was still giving him her attention. It made him like her even more. Have you two ever sailed to Exuma? Devlin asked the group. What's Exuma? Joanna questioned. It's a group of islands, Paolo explained. It's quite beautiful, Devlin added. I sail there often. You should come with me the next time, he said to Paolo. Paolo wasn't ready for the sudden change of focus. Up until that moment, all of Devlin's energy had seemed to be focused on trying to get Joanna into bed. Suddenly, he was inviting Paolo on a trip and not the duel. It seemed kind of rude, but Paolo had to admit that it made him feel very special. Yeah, maybe, Paolo said. Why maybe? Devlin asked as he sat in a chair directly in front of the two. I don't know. I guess I've never gone sailing before, at least not on a sailboat this size. Oh, you should do it, Joanna insisted. I know I would. Then you both should, Devlin insisted. What are you two doing tomorrow? Tomorrow? Paolo questioned. Yeah, why not? Devlin continued. Oh, that would be amazing. Joanna said. How long would that take? Paolo said hesitatingly. Well, we could go there and be back in the day. But why rush it? How long are you here for, Joanna? 
I have another week and a half before my ticket expires, but I could always extend it, Joanna said, turning to Paolo with a smile. And what about you, Paolo? Do you have any commission deadlines that you have to meet? The question hit Paolo in the gut. He had nothing going on. The last thing he had done was a painting he had submitted for an artist residency in Paris. He had applied for many of them in the past, but like everything else good in his life, they got tantalizingly close before mysteriously disappearing. No, I don't have anything going on right now. Perfect. Then we'll do this. We'll spend a week or two sailing around the islands of the Bahamas. It will be the most incredible experience of your life. I promise. We'll cast off tomorrow morning. Let's say around 10.30. Oh my God, yeah. I'm so excited, Joanna exclaimed. Yeah, Paolo said unenthusiastically. Although Joanna and Devlin continued talking, Paolo fell silent. What exactly had he gotten himself into, and why was Devlin being so nice to him? Sure, Devlin was always nice to him, but most of the time it was to get the women he was with into bed. This time, Devlin seemed to be more focused on him. In fact, even as Devlin seduced Joanna, he kept looking back at Paolo with a glint in his eyes. Why was he looking at him like that? Did Devlin think that he was doing Paolo some sort of favor? Did he think that they were seducing Joanna together? What Devlin didn't know was that Paolo had already slept with her. Paolo didn't need Devlin's yacht to land a beautiful woman. He didn't need any of this. In fact, if it wasn't for Joanna wanting to do it so badly, Paolo might have refused the sailing trip. But here they were, though. He had committed to spending a week sailing the islands on Devlin's yacht with the girl with whom he once thought he could have something serious. But what were the chances of her still being interested in him once the trip was done? Devlin was an incredibly good-looking man, Paolo admitted as he sipped his third drink. Devlin was practically perfect with his chiseled chin and rugged good looks. Paolo had to admit that if he was a woman, he would want to sleep with Devlin. Hell, even as a man, the idea was enticing. It was then when Paolo realized he was drunk. Joanna peeled herself off of Paolo. Where is the ladies' room? she asked Devlin. You can use the one in the main bedroom. It's on the opposite end of the hall, Devlin offered. Paolo watched as Joanna crossed to the hallway. He loved to watch her move. Her hips swayed seductively. Under the effects of the alcohol, he felt his grow hard. When she was out of sight, Paolo turned his attention to Devlin. Knowing they were alone, he could no longer hold his tongue. What are you doing? Paolo asked. What do you mean? I mean all of this. Inviting Joanna to go sailing with you for a week. Are you really interested in her, or are you just trying to add another beautiful woman to your collection? Devlin looked at Paolo and chuckled. What's so funny? You. Why am I funny? Paolo asked, becoming upset. You don't get it, do you? I guess I don't. I guess I must be stupid. Why don't you explain it to me? Devlin stared at Paolo for a moment, peering into Paolo's soul. When he was through, Devlin got up and sat next to Paolo on the couch. Paolo was a little taken aback by the move. He considered whether or not he should pull away. When he didn't, Devlin took the opportunity to place his hand on Paolo's thigh. Paolo froze. Now he really didn't know what was going on. Was this some sort of friendly gesture? 
Shouldn't he have instinctually pulled away? Why was he letting this happen? And why was his heart suddenly beating at a thousand miles per hour? I'm not trying to sleep with Joanna, Devlin explained. Paolo swallowed terrified of what Devlin would say next. He should have remained quiet. Instead he asked, then what are you trying to do? This time Devlin swallowed. With his hand still on Paolo's thigh, Devlin replied by slowly leaning in and kissing Paolo on the lips. It was a gentle kiss that took Paolo by surprise. Before he could even react, it was over. Shocked, he stared into Devlin's eyes. Wow, your bathroom is incredible. It's like a hotel bathroom, Joanna said exiting the hallway. Paolo looked up at Joanna, unable to hide the shocked expression on his face. What? Joanna asked. In a panic, Paolo got up and headed to Joanna. We should go, he insisted. Are you sure? She asked. There was something about the way she said it that made Paolo freeze. Did she want to stay? Had Devlin succeeded in seducing her? He could have left her there, but he was beginning to wonder if she was who Devlin wanted. Devlin was not the man Paolo had thought he was. You can stay if you want, but I'm leaving. No. I'll come with you. I just thought we were all having fun. You can both stay if you want. The night is still young, Devlin said, standing and turning to the two. If you're coming, then let's go, Paolo insisted. Okay, Joanna replied before joining Paolo as he walked away. Devlin followed the two as they ascended onto the deck. So, I'll see you two tomorrow at 10.30. Definitely, Joanna volunteered for the both of them. Paolo didn't bother to reply or even turn around. Crossing the deck towards the stairs, he left the sailboat, thinking this would be the last time he would ever step on board. What Devlin had done was wrong. Why had he thought it would be okay? Had Paolo done something to make him think he was gay? He was wrong if he had gotten that impression. And Paolo was wrong for thinking he and Devlin were ever friends. Crossing through the now busy restaurant, Joanna tried to slow Paolo. You want to stay and have another drink? I should get you back, Paolo said abruptly. Okay, Joanna said disappointedly. Neither of them said a word as they got onto the scooter. It was a short trip from the restaurant to where the scooters were parked. The friend who had lent Paolo the scooter was still there and he was upset. You were supposed to have this back an hour ago, he said angrily. Yeah, sorry about that. I'll make it up to you, I promise. I just have to walk her back right now. That didn't seem to satisfy his friends, but it did get him to stop following the two of them. Crossing into the hotel and then cutting out towards the beach, the two stepped onto the moonlit sand. Paolo knew that the polite thing would be for him to say something, but he couldn't. What had happened with Devlin had freaked him out. He needed this night to end as quickly as possible, and when they both stood on the beach just outside of the yoga center, Joanna was about to walk onto the campus by herself when she stopped and turned back towards Paolo. Did I do something wrong? Joanna asked with pain in her voice. No, Paolo explained. Then what? I just really need to get home. That's all, Paolo lied. So we're good. Of course. It was then that Paolo realized that if he wanted to see her again, he was going to have to act like it. He stepped to her, put both of his hands around her neck and cradled her chin. Giving her a soft kiss on the lips, he looked into her beautiful eyes. I had a really great time today. 
All of the distress immediately vanished from her face as she smiled. I did too. Thank you. It was my pleasure. So, are we going to meet up with Devlin tomorrow? Joanna asked apprehensively. Paolo considered her question. He never wanted to see Devlin again. What good could come of a week-long sailing trip with him? Yeah, he said, telling her what she wanted to hear. Joanna smiled broadly. That's so cool. I'm really excited, she said, clearly suppressing her enthusiasm. Paolo didn't know what else to say, so he said good night. He didn't know whether or not Joanna would forgive him for not showing up tomorrow, but that wasn't something he was going to worry about today. After a longer and more intimate kiss, Paolo walked away. In those final moments, Joanna had made it clear that he could have joined her in her bed, but he didn't think he was up for it anymore. All he could think about was Devlin kissing him. Why had Devlin done it? What little things had Paolo done that had given him any indication that it would be okay? Paolo scoured his mind trying to come up with an answer. He couldn't. By the time Paolo made it back to his van, his friend at the scooter booth was gone. Getting in, he headed home. Crossing the bridge, he took a left turn into traffic. The delay gave him a lot of time to think. By the time he parked in front of his house, Devlin was all he could think about. Were you with those faggots at the yoga center again? Paolo's father asked him as he stepped into the door. His father was the last person he wanted to speak to. Don't say that, Dad, Paolo said, unable to mount his usual resistance. Say what? Faggot. Faggot, faggot, faggot. What are you gonna do about it? This is my house. You think you could tell me what to do in my house? You think you mad enough, F.A. Dad? Paolo didn't have to ask to know what was going on. His father had been drinking. This had been a regular occurrence since his mother left three years earlier. The only thing Paolo would be able to do now would be to go to his room and ignore everything his father said. I'm not gonna have some faggot as a son, you understand me. I told you before about spending time there. You bring one of those faggots home and I will kick your ass out. Don't think I won't. I'll do it real quick. Okay, Dad. I hear you. Now just let me go to my room and get some sleep. I'll tell you when you can go. Don't tell me nothing. This is my house. If you don't like the rules, then you can get the fuck out. You hear me? I said that you can take your faggot art crap and get the fuck out. Okay, Dad. I heard you. Now just let me go to sleep. Paolo crossed their small two-bedroom house to the back bedroom. Closing and locking the door behind him, Paolo fell into bed. Too much had happened in one day. His mind scrambled to explain any of it. He couldn't. Paolo laid in bed considering what he was going to do tomorrow. There was no way he could go with Devlin for a week after what happened between them, could he? On the other hand, how could he stay an extra day in this house? Paolo felt like barely a man under his father's roof, but he couldn't afford his own place. He could barely afford to take a girl out. All he had was his art, and time and again life had taught him that it wasn't good enough. Paolo couldn't stay, and he couldn't leave. He had no idea what he was supposed to do. Tossing and turning, he couldn't fall asleep. All he could think about was the feeling of Joanna's body in his arms, and the feeling of Devlin's lips on his own. What was he going to do when the sun rose? He didn't know. 
Chapter 3 Joanna Joanna scurried around her room, gathering her clothes. She had barely slept a wink, and it wasn't just because of the number of times she had to touch herself thinking about the two gorgeous men she'd be traveling with. She was excited. This had to be the greatest adventure of her life. Never in a million years would she have thought that she would come to the Bahamas and meet a brilliant artist and a billionaire, both more gorgeous than all get out. The way Paolo left things the night before did give her reason for concern, though. The night had been going well, until she had gone to the bathroom. When she got back, something between the two guys had changed. It was clear that Paolo didn't want to be there anymore. And Joanna got the feeling that it had to do with her. Was it because she was clearly attracted to the both of them? Could that be why? Certainly she had met Paolo first, but it was just a matter of hours. He couldn't expect some sort of girlfriend loyalty so quickly, could he? If he did, he was mistaken for it. It wasn't like Joanna didn't like Paolo, though. She thought he was incredible. There was a depth to him that she hadn't come across in any of the guys back home. On top of that, he was one of the most gorgeous men Joanna had ever seen. Devlin, on the other hand, was incredible. Successful men had always turned Joanna on. She had been known to develop a crush or two on her bosses. There was something about that strength and power that made her knees weak. On top of that, the man looked like a Greek god. Perhaps he would be Neptune without the beard. He struck Joanna as a sort of king of the sea. And now invited to spend time in his domain, the opportunity was something that Joanna couldn't pass up. As Joanna stuffed clothing into her bag, she wondered what would happen next. She had to admit that it wasn't certain that Paolo would come to retrieve her. He was definitely disturbed by something, no matter how he tried to play it off. And if he didn't come, what was she supposed to do? Could she go to the dock by herself? Would that be appropriate? Would Devlin want her there if Paolo wasn't? There was definitely something going on between Paolo and Devlin. Joanna felt the tension between the two. But at the same time, the way that Devlin looked at Paolo was unmistakable. Could there be some type of bromance going on there? Whatever it was, they seemed to be of two minds about it. Devlin was gung-ho, and Paolo was very hesitant. Zipping up the last of her bags, Joanna started to imagine how things could have gone wrong. What if she was right, and there was something going on between the two? What if Devlin was into Paolo, but Paolo didn't feel the same way about Devlin? Could something along those lines have happened when she had gone to the bathroom? Could Devlin have freaked Paolo out in some way? This was all beginning to make sense. When she had returned to the living room, they had been sitting next to each other whereas before they hadn't been. Joanna stopped fidgeting with her bags and fell back onto the bed. Oh my God, there is something going on between Devlin and Paolo, she said surprised. Joanna had never considered anything like this before. Two men into each other. Or perhaps in this case, one guy interested in another. She wasn't naive, she knew there were gay people around. But as far as she knew, she had never met one. It was easy for her to forget that they existed. How did she feel about this? She sat thinking about the two men. They were both astoundingly beautiful. She would be with either of them in a heartbeat. So what would it be like to see those two gorgeous men together? Joanna let her mind roam freely. She imagined Devlin approaching Paolo at the bar, but this time without her there. She imagined Devlin inviting Paolo back to his yacht for drinks, 
Paolo being nervous, but being persuaded by Devlin's gorgeous smile. How would Devlin seduce Paolo? Joanna guessed it would be with drinks. After a few, Devlin would tell Paolo how good-looking and talented he was. And then when Paolo was past his inhibitions, Devlin would step in front of him, gently hold Paolo by the back of his neck and pull Paolo's lips to his. Their lips would undulate on each other's. And as Paolo's jaw loosened and his body began to sway with Devlin's, Devlin would tease open his mouth and slip his tongue inside. Joanna's eyes popped open. Breathing hard, she could barely unbutton her pants fast enough. Pressing her fingers against her, she rubbed vigorously. Slowly losing her breath, she closed her eyes and continued to imagine. Devlin, taking control, would push him back through the hallway into the bedroom. Tripping him onto the bed, he wouldn't bother to take Paolo's shirt off, he would rip it down the center. Paolo, now losing himself in the moment, would do the same. Still kissing each other hard, they would now grab the other's pants. Devlin would slide his hand over Paolo's growing manhood, and Paolo, touching another man for the first time, would push Devlin's jeans aside and take hold of Devlin's brick hard. Paolo would barely be able to control himself. He would pull his lips away from Devlin's, use his strength to roll him over and then slide down Devlin's strong body to his throbbing. Never having been so close to another naked man before, Paolo would stare at Devlin's lightly throbbing flesh. He would be scared but excited. Touch it, Devlin would order. And with Paolo's fingertips gliding along the shaft of the first other dick he had ever felt, he would lower his head to press it against his lips. As Joanna's chest heaved in response to her impending orgasm, she was ripped out of her fantasy by a knock on the door. Her eyes flung open and looked around. She swallowed. Who is it? Joanna asked praying to God that it was Paolo. It's Martina, the woman on the other side of the door said. Joanna wanted desperately to send her away. She just needed another minute or two, and her orgasm would be complete. Someone told me that you were checking out early. I just wanted to check in on you to make sure that everything's all right, she said vulnerably. As much as Joanna didn't want to stop what she was doing, she knew she had to. If she was going to be leaving for a week, there was no point in her paying for it. But she did need somewhere to store her luggage. No matter what happened during her voyage with Devlin and Paolo, she couldn't arrive with all of her stuff as if she were moving in. One second, Joanna said. Reluctantly, Joanna pulled her hand from out of her yoga pants. She was feeling a little frustrated, but things were going to have to wait. Standing and looking around, she searched for any sign of the previous night's vigorous sessions of masturbation. There was nothing that she could see. Crossing and letting Martina in, the woman entered sporting a forced smile. Namaste, Martina said holding her hands together in front of her face and bowing her head. Joanna did the same in spite of how ridiculous it felt. So they told me at the front desk that you wanted to check out early. Yeah, I thought that I would take some time to see the island. Who knows when I'll get back here, Joanna said not wanting to explain herself. The smile on Martina's face faded a little. It didn't look like she believed Joanna. May I ask you a personal question? Martina requested. Joanna wasn't sure that she liked where this was going, but she agreed. Does this have anything to do with Paolo? I saw you two walking together yesterday. Joanna hadn't expected this. She and Paolo did seem to have an awkward exchange when they saw each other the day before. Paolo had brushed it aside, implying that Martina was being a hater. But what was going on now? 
Maybe. Why? Is there something I should know about Paolo? A hint of sadness glimmered from behind Martina's eyes. Taking a hold of Joanna's arm, Martina guided her back to the bed. Both sat down. I don't know what might be going on between you and Paolo, but you should know that Paolo has done stuff like this before. A number of women who have come here have fallen for his charm, and then after they got emotionally involved with him, he brushed them aside. Is that what happened between you two? Joanna asked showing fight. Pain washed across Martina's face. Paolo and I did spend some time together. He seems like a great guy, right? Have you seen his artwork? It's amazing. He has this way of sucking you in and making you feel like the most special person in the world. But then one day you feel something change. First you think it's all in your head, and then when you realize that it isn't, you think it's something that you might have done. But pretty soon you hear stories from the other girls how the same thing happened to them, and you realize that he is just a player. I think he thinks of this place as his personal playground. Joanna looked at Martina stunned. Was she just jealous? Had any of this really happened? And if it did, was it because Paolo had realized how little there was past Martina's cronut-deprived body? How long could anyone remain interested in someone as obviously and interesting as Martina? No, this doesn't have anything to do with Paolo, Joanna lied. I was just with him yesterday because he offered to show me around the island. There was nothing that went on between us. It was just about getting a tour. I don't even think that Paolo is my type, Joanna continued. In fact, there was another guy they first met yesterday, and he is the one I'm going to see. I think Paolo's coming to pick me up. But again he's just giving me a ride. Martina looked at Joanna like she didn't believe her. Maybe she was smarter than Joanna was giving her credit for. In either case, Joanna didn't feel like discussing her time with Paolo with Paolo's ex. Just because things didn't work out between the two of them, didn't mean that they wouldn't between Paolo and her. Besides, she and Martina were worlds apart. The two were practically on different planets. Okay, Martina said with a forced smile. I just wanted to tell you that in case it applied. But if it doesn't, then I'm glad. Martina again forced a broad smile. But since we were talking about it, Joanna said giving it a second thought, what was the first sign that things had changed between you and Paolo? Joanna asked, unable to help herself. Martina thought about her answer for a second. This is going to sound strange, but I think the first sign was when he held my chin and said, you know you're beautiful, right? I think that that was when I first noticed it. Joanna didn't know why she had asked that. Perhaps it was just her morbid curiosity. She stored the information in the back of the mind and then moved on to more pressing matters. It turned out that Joanna wasn't the first person to limit their stay at the center in lieu of island hopping. They had a room where she could store her luggage for a small fee. Everything was working out great. All Joanna needed now was for Paolo to show up. It was still possible that he wouldn't. And if he didn't, Joanna was going to have to make a decision. When 10.30 came, Joanna was beginning to get nervous. This was the time that Devlin had told them to be at the dock. Would Devlin leave without them if they weren't there? Was the fact that Paolo hadn't arrived to pick her up a bad sign? Restless and unable to stay trapped in her room, Joanna left her pack bags and walked towards the beach. If he was coming, this was the route he would take. Scouring the yoga center campus for him as she walked, she didn't see him. 
Ascending the mound that separated the campus from the beach, she looked past the trees in either direction. Like usual, the beach was empty. This had to be the most beautiful place in the world, and right now it felt like the loneliest. Every moment that went by took Joanna further away from her fantasy. For a moment she had felt like she was so close to having it all, and now it felt like she had nothing. At 10.45 Joanna was still standing there. Maybe she had to accept that he wasn't coming. What exactly was it that had changed between last night and this morning? He had seemed hesitant, but if she had to bet, she would have bet on him coming. But now here she was, standing alone on a beach with an ache in her heart that dragged her mind to all of the places she didn't want to go. What was she running from? It didn't even take a second for her to answer the question. How could she have left when she did? What type of person was she? As Joanna began to lose hope, she flopped onto her ass. She was beginning to spiral. Everything that she had run from for so long was coming rushing back. It was overwhelming. She was about to collapse onto the sand when a voice drew her attention. Were you waiting for me? Paolo said as he approached. Joanna turned and looked at him feeling such relief. She got up, sprinted to him, and threw her arms around him. Where is this coming from? Paolo asked playing off her reaction. I didn't think you were coming, she admitted. Hearing her words, Paolo let down his mask. Wrapping his arms around her, he held her warm body and said, For a while neither did I. With the day's agenda rushing back to her, Joanna quickly pulled away. Oh, we're late. Do you think he's gonna wait for us? Yeah, Paolo replied without thinking. But allowing the thought to percolate, his confidence wavered. You know what? Maybe we should hurry over just in case. I have to check out of my room. You're checking out of your room? Paolo asked surprised. Yeah, Joanna said measuring his response. I figured that if we're going for a week, there's no use me paying for a room here. I guess you're right. The two hurried back to Joanna's room, collected her bags, and headed to the main office. Depositing most of her luggage into storage, Paolo offered to carry Joanna's one remaining bag. Jogging down the beach, they got 200 feet before Joanna realized that she didn't jog. How about if we just walk quickly, she suggested. Still out of breath from running in sand, the two entered the resort, cut through the main hotel, and then exited towards the parking lot. We'll drive my van there. It'll be faster. Joanna approached Paolo's exceptionally small van. It was nothing like she would have seen in America. It was more like a giant pill on wheels. It was kind of cool. The drive to the dock took less than five minutes. Parking in front of the restaurant, the two grabbed their bags and hurried towards the docks. Searching for Devlin's yacht, it wasn't where it was the day before. He had left. The boat was gone. I don't get it. Where is he? Joanna asked. Did he leave without us? Joanna's heart broke. Could this have somehow been her fault? She didn't think so, but who knew? Maybe if she had said something different the night before to Paolo, they wouldn't have been late. What are we supposed to do? She asked Paolo. Paolo didn't answer. He looked just as confused as Joanna. Although they had stopped walking when they didn't see Devlin boat, Paolo stepped forward continuing towards the docks. She watched as he searched the harbor. Holding out a glimmer of hope, Joanna did the same. Stepping onto the dock, the two were confronted with the splashing noises of the rippling ocean. 
Joanna felt sad. She had held such high hopes for what could happen that now that it had been ripped from her, she was practically brought to her knees. As the two approached the end of the dock where Devlin's yacht had been, they stopped scouring the landscape. In spite of everything, Joanna decided that it was a beautiful sight. The mainland in the distance was lined with a series of colorful buildings and extravagant homes. She could see a painting being drawn of the view. It was both hopeful and melancholy. She was thinking about everything that could have been when Paolo interrupted her thoughts. Look. Joanna turned to Paolo and then followed his finger. In the distance was a mahogany-colored sailing yacht. At first Joanna wasn't sure if it was sailing away from them or towards them, but as it got bigger, Joanna's hope soared. Is that him? Joanna asked. I think it is. Joanna couldn't contain her joy. Beaming a smile, she jumped up and down clapping her hands. When that didn't feel like enough she turned to Paolo, threw her arms around him, and then looked into his eyes and kissed him. It was as she did that, that she remembered her mental image of Paolo kissing Devlin. Suddenly she was turned on. Gripping onto his shirt, she pulled her body closer. As Paolo began to lose himself in their kiss, she allowed her mouth to part inviting in his tongue. With her lips locked their two tongues danced. Joanna's body tingled. If she could have, she would have had sex with him right there on the dock. In lieu of that, she pressed her breasts against his toned body. Paolo moved his hand onto her back and down to her ass. Feeling his strong grip on her, she nearly lost herself. She needed to feel him inside of her. Feeling the weight of her chest as she struggled for breath, she needed him even more. I love it, a distant voice shouted interrupting the two. Joanna pulled away from Paolo, following the voice offshore. The sailboat had traveled a very far distance very quickly. At least it seemed quick. Perhaps the two were making out for longer than Joanna had realized. In either case, she could see glimpses of Devlin at the wheel as he approached the dock. His sails were lowered, so he had to be running on the motor. With the sailboat now a few feet away, she heard it. And when the boat was docked where it had been the night before, Joanna heard the splash of a dropping anchor, and the quietly rumbling engine shut off. Tie this line onto the bollard, Devlin ordered as he approached the side of the boat. Joanna stepped back and allowed Paolo to respond to Devlin's commands. Stepping out of the way, she watched Devlin toss down a rope and Paolo catch it. Wrapping it around a short metal post attached to the dock, both men headed towards the front of the boat. Doing it again, Devlin lowered the wooden staircase and stood on deck waving them up. The two ascended the stairs and greeted Devlin at the top. I'm sorry I'm late. Have you been waiting long? Devlin asked. Actually, we just got here, Joanna said. Yeah, I had to fuel up, stock up on supplies, and drive out past the harbor to do safety checks on the sails. It took me a little longer than I thought. As Joanna stepped on board, she paid close attention to how the two men reacted to each other. Devlin's full attention seemed to be on Paolo. But Paolo seemed to be having a hard time looking Devlin in the eyes. There was definitely something going on there, though Joanna still wasn't sure exactly what it was. Is this all of your stuff? Are you ready to head out? Devlin asked. This is everything, Paolo replied. Then allow me to show you to your rooms. After that, we'll head out. And by the way, the two of you are going to get crew duties. You have been warned, Devlin said with a smile. Devlin led the two below deck. The yacht had six bedrooms and two crew quarters. 
It was practically a floating hotel. I'm gonna point you to two bedrooms. However you two would like to divide that up is up to you. We're all adults here, Devlin said charmingly. Crossing the hallway, Devlin pointed at the bedroom Joanna had been in the night before. This is where I'll be sleeping, he stated clearly. Here are two available bedrooms. Both are the same size, and an available bathroom is this one right here, he added pointing to a door across the hall. Joanna looked at Paolo and Devlin, unsure of what to do. When neither of them made a suggestion, Joanna broke the silence. I'm going to put my stuff in this room here. I don't want to have to fight for closet space with you two guys. It would be embarrassing for you to have to lose, she said with a smile. Then I guess I'll put my stuff in this room, Paolo added, pointing to the room between Devlin's and Joanna's. Now that that's solved, let me show you to the galley. Returning to the area where they had lounged the night before, they continued past it to the kitchen. Devlin really had stocked up. There was food everywhere. I didn't know what you all would like, so I just got one of everything, Devlin joked. Although it was a joke, it wasn't far from the truth. Joanna stepped forward and opened the fridge. It was jam-packed. How long did you say that we were going for? She teased. As long as you want. This is where I live, so I'm already at home. It's about how long you two can stay. So if we decided to stay forever. Joanna joked. Then we'll have one hell of a good time, Devlin replied, turning to look at Paolo. Paolo remained silent. Well, if there are no more questions, how about we set sail? Devlin didn't wait for a response. Headed back towards the deck, he ascended the stairs and the sunlight poured onto his face. Okay, Paolo, I'm going to need you to detach us from the bollard and then raise the stairs, he ordered. Aye, aye, Captain, Paolo said, finally getting into the spirit of things. What about me? Joanna asked excitedly. You will be my first mate. When it comes time to raise the sails, you're going to turn that winch. When those sails are hoisted, it will be the official start of our trip. Joanna positioned herself a few feet from Devlin on the opposite side of the winch. She couldn't believe any of this. It was like an island fantasy. She had two gorgeous guys by her side and was about to set sail on the clear blue waters of the Bahamas. Never in her wildest dreams could she have imagined that this would be her life. We're free to set sail, Paolo informed the captain. Then we'll raise the anchor. Which of you would like to do the honors? Joanna spoke up before Paolo ever had a chance. I do, she volunteered excitedly. Then when I tell you to, I want you to flip this switch right here, he said pointing to what looked like a light switch on the right-hand side of the wheel console. Are you ready? He asked Joanna. Yeah, Joanna replied beaming. Are you ready? Devlin asked turning to Paolo. I think so, Paolo responded hesitantly. Then Joanna, it's time to flip the switch. Raise the anchor. Joanna flipped the switch, and the sound of a grinding motor clattered from the back of the boat. After a few seconds it stopped, and with the boat's motor already revving, they pulled away from the dock. Joanna felt a rush as the ocean breeze whisked past her. The smell of salt water filled her lungs. They were sailing. Actually, they weren't exactly sailing, it was more like boating. Devlin hadn't yet asked Joanna to hoist the sails. She stood dutifully next to the winch waiting for him to give word. The yacht's quiet engine rumbled beneath them. Directing the sailboat into the center of the harbor, 
Joanna kept whipping her head from island to island. The homes on the beaches of Paradise Island were some of the most exquisite that Joanna had yet seen, but the coastline of both islands was impressive. Do you know who lives in them? Joanna asked Paolo as he approached. I don't know. Some rich people, Paolo suggested. Maybe Devlin knows them. Devlin, who was focused on the open ocean in front of them, turned and looked at the homes when he heard his name. I've been in a few of them. That one is owned by an actor that was popular back in the 80s. And I think that one is owned by the person who owns a major shoe company. I think the rest of them just inherited their money, Devlin said with a suggestively unimpressed tone. It was then that Joanna realized that she had never asked Paolo how Devlin had earned his money. Joanna considered whether it was something best left for when she and Paolo were alone. So what do you do? Joanna said quickly making her decision. Gumi. Devlin asked almost as if he were trying to avoid the question. Well we all know that Paolo's an artist, so that only leaves one other person here. Not true. You haven't mentioned what you do, Devlin retorted. Me. You. Joanna was hoping that she wouldn't have to talk about this yet, but Devlin had asked a direct question. I'm between careers, Joanna said tactfully. From what to what? Devlin queried. From being unhappy to being happy. Saying that, Joanna smiled pleased with herself. So you're not gonna say? Devlin asked, not letting it go. Well, I don't hear you answering. And let's remember that I asked you first. True. In that case, I invest in people. What do you mean? Joanna asked, drawing Paolo closer. Well, I find companies that I think are winners and I invest in them. So you could tell me which stocks I should invest in. I mean, if I had money, Joanna joked. It doesn't quite work like that. But I'll tell you this, when you're investing in companies, what you're really investing in is people. So always look for people who are worth your money. Joanna didn't have any business ideas, so there was no reason that his answer should make her excited, but it did. She wondered if she could convince him that she was worth investing in. Joanna then looked over at Paolo, remembering how incredible his art was. He had turned away. Joanna decided that he was thinking the same thing. Except in Paolo's case, Devlin must have had plenty of opportunities to invest if he saw any talent there. Joanna's heart broke for Paolo. The idea that Devlin didn't think that he was worth investing in must have been painful for Paolo. Are you still with me? Devlin asked Joanna. Turning her attention back to Devlin, she replied, Aye, aye, Captain. It hadn't taken them too long to boat past the end of Paradise Island and enter the channel between the mainland and the island that followed. Once we're free of the channel, I'm gonna say hoist the sails, and what are you gonna do? Devlin quizzed. I'm going to turn this winch, Joanna said, feeling her excitement return. You got it. Joanna felt her heart thumping as the island on her left slowly passed the boat. She could feel herself sweat. She was definitely nervous. Why? She didn't know. All she knew was that every part of her tingled with anticipation. First mate, Devlin beckoned. Yes, Captain. Hoist the sail. Joanna's heart raced. With all of the strength she had, she wound the winch throwing it back and forth. It was easier than she thought it would be. But looking at the sail, it was barely lifting. Still winding her heart out, she began to tire. 
How are you doing? Do you need some help there? Joanna remained silent, not wanting to admit that she was slowing down. Paolo. Devlin yelled. Yes, Captain. Paolo said, approaching the two. Why don't you hop on that winch over there and give our first mate some help? Devlin said, pointing to a similar winch on the opposite side of the wheel. It was as the two of them worked together that the two majestic sails ascended the masts and billowed, capturing the wind. Joanna lost herself in the sight. Don't stop, Devlin ordered. Keep turning. Joanna threw herself into it. Feeling her hands weaken and her body become sore, she was flushed with an overwhelming sense of satisfaction when the winch took its last rotation and locked. Okay, that's it. Congratulations, you two have just hoisted the sails. Joanna was exhausted and delighted all at the same time. Woo-hoo, she said with as much enthusiasm as she could muster. But although she couldn't say how pleased she was, she could certainly show it. Yay, she said as she passed behind Devlin to wrap her arms around Paolo. Kissing him, she lifted her leg 1950 style. Doesn't the captain get some of that too? Devlin said with a hint of jealousy. Of course, Joanna retorted. Leaving Paolo's arms, Joanna stepped next to Devlin. She did everything she could to make it seem casual, but in an instant her legs were shaking. An arm's length away, Devlin reached out and grabbed her. As if she were a bar wench in pirate times, Devlin tilted Joanna back and gave her a big kiss on the lips. It was enough to make Joanna laugh. Joanna looked back at Paolo for his response. He hadn't found it quite so funny. Suddenly pulling away from Devlin, Joanna decided that she was going to figure out a way to get Paolo to loosen up. Joanna left Devlin and rejoined Paolo. Taking his hand, she wrapped his arm around her body. Paolo obliged and then smiled. You two don't have to stay back here. I got this. Go explore. I'll call out if I need you, Devlin told the two. That was all Joanna had to hear. I'm going to go get changed, she told Paolo before giving him a quick kiss. Returning to her cabin, Joanna fingered through her clothes. She knew what she was looking for, her bikini. When she found it, she quickly stripped naked and pulled it on. There was a part of her that considered heading up onto deck oh natural. She decided that wasn't a first-day activity. They had a week. There was no need to blow her entire wad in the first hour. Heading back onto the deck in her flip-flops and a sarong, Joanna felt sexy. Feeling the sunshine on her face, she stepped into the eyeline of her two boys and gave them a cheesecake pinup pose. How do you like me now? She said to the smiling men. Receiving the appropriate amount of catcalls in reply, she knew that they both loved her curves. Her pose had worked in another way too. It had drawn Paolo over. Taking his hand, she led him to the front of the sailboat. At the bow of the boat, there were beige cushions that together made an exquisite bed. Pulling Paolo into it, Joanna rolled into his arms, picking up where their kissing had left off. Joanna loved feeling his large hand cupping her breasts. She could lay like that forever. She didn't, though. She had a plan. She was going to make Paolo loosen up. Deciding there was only one way to do that, she rolled Paolo onto his back and unbuttoned his shirt. Starting first at his nipple, she pinched it between her teeth. His chest was smooth. She liked that. And pinning his arms back with her hands, she kissed her way across his chest and swirled her tongue around his dime-sized areola. Paolo was built, but he was lean. He was beautiful. 
His rippling stomach was like a stone wall against her lips. Allowing her nose to travel the line between his abs, she released his arms and instead grabbed the waistband of his pants. Unsnapping his surfer shorts, she took a moment and caressed the bulge it covered. It was growing quickly. Joanna liked that. When it had grown jutting out past his hip, she pulled his shorts down and let it out. It was thick and beautiful. Taking it in her hand, she looked down at his face and stuck out her tongue and then licked its head. His flinched. Grabbing tighter, she traced her tongue along the rim. It drove Paolo wild. When Paolo seemed like he couldn't take any more, Joanna pursed her lips and pushed the hard into her mouth. Hi, this is the author. Steamy things are again happening in the story. And because the platform you're listening to it on, I can't play it here. But if you like to hear those steamy bits, you can get a version narrated by me by clicking on the link in the description and getting a free trial. Please, check it out. She could feel every muscle in his body tense. When they loosened, Paolo fell into the cushions like a dead man. There was no doubt Paolo was now loose. Joanna climbed further up the cushions and relaxed in Paolo's welcoming arms. The look in Paolo's eyes had changed. It wasn't just the ecstasy from his orgasm, he was looking at her in a way that made Joanna feel love. The two laid in each other's arms for almost half of an hour. Joanna couldn't imagine anything more wonderful. Eventually getting up and leaving him there, she walked around. She stopped at the railing and stared out at sea. The vastness was freeing. There was nothing but water for as far as her eyes could see. It was amazing. And the slightly cool breeze that sprinkled her face made her body tingled with rapturous delight. Looking up at the billowing sails, she thought about all the things that she left behind. How much further could she get away than this? Being on this beautiful yacht with these two gorgeous men was all she could ever hope for in life. If she could figure out a way to stay on this boat with these men forever, she could be the happiest woman alive. What are you thinking about? Devlin said approaching her. Joanna looked at him with distress. Who's sailing the sailboat? Devlin laughed. Don't worry. This is a modern sailboat. As long as you point it in the right direction, these things can sail themselves. Joanna didn't know what to think of that, but this was Devlin's sailboat. Who else could she trust but the captain? So what are you thinking about? Devlin asked again, putting his arms around Joanna. Joanna, being subtle about it, looked around for Paolo. He had walked away. She didn't have to hide how much she liked Devlin's arms around her. I was thinking about how amazingly beautiful this all is, she explained. That's coincidental because I was just thinking how amazingly beautiful you were, he retorted. Joanna looked at Devlin and blushed. He was definitely a very sexy man. She wondered what it would be like to kiss him for real. How would his large hands feel engulfing her breasts? Would he control her as he made love to her, or would he be gentle? And when he pulled out his hardening member, would it be like how she had imagined, or would it be even bigger? Thank you, Joanna said, slightly leaning into Devlin. I made you all some drinks, Paolo said, interrupting the two. Joanna whipped around slightly, pulling away from Devlin. She immediately found Paolo's eyes trying to figure out how he felt seeing the two of them together. This time he seemed fine with it. What had changed? Was it just the afterglow from the blowjob she had given him? Or did Paolo have a change of heart about how the three could enjoy their time together? What did you make? 
Joanna asked with a smile. I figured that we're island hopping, so what's more traditional than rum punches? Paolo replied, giving his two companions a drink. Joanna took a sip. It was sweet and perfect. This was all like a dream. Joanna found herself so turned on that without even realizing it, she began to giggle. What are you laughing at? Devlin asked teasingly. You two. What about us? Paolo continued. About you two together. Paolo looked at Joanna curiously. Together how? Joanna blushed not sure if she should explain. Just together. Joanna then slipped her hand behind Devlin's neck and kissed his lips. This time it wasn't in jest. Their lips moved on each other sensually. The swelling flesh between Joanna's legs quivered. She kissed him for only a moment more before pulling away and turning to Paolo. He wasn't as surprised this time as he had been the time before. Joanna then stepped towards Paolo, slipped her hand behind his neck and kissed him just as hard. His lips moved wantonly. She wondered how he felt watching her kiss Devlin. Had it turned him on? Did it make him hard? Knowing that they had a week, she restrained herself from reaching down and finding out. The three hours it took for them to reach their first island flew by. Devlin explained that the wind had been with them. Joanna asked if they could anchor and go ashore, and Devlin told her that they could. Let's go. Let's go. Joanna jumped and clapped excitedly. How would we get there? Paolo asked bringing up a good point. Because of the shallowness of the beaches, Devlin's boat could only get so close. Were they supposed to jump overboard and swim the rest of the way? With a few drinks in her, she was feeling adventurous enough to try that. But if they were going to get off by jumping, how would they get back on? There's a rubber dinghy tied to the stern of the sailboat. We'll take that ashore. How about I assign that to you, Paolo? Our first mate can help you. Okay, Paolo said enthusiastically. Come on, first mate. Paolo outstretched his hand and Joanna took it. In the short time since they had gotten on board, Paolo's attitude had really changed. Perhaps it was the blowjob or even the drinks. Whatever it was, Joanna liked it. She wondered just how far his new attitude might go. So how do you think we detach this? Paolo asked Joanna as they both stared down the back of the sailboat. Joanna followed all of the cords, eventually finding a switch. Without thinking, she flipped it. The dinghy detached itself from the sailboat and slowly lowered towards the water. Quickly switching it off, she looked at Paolo and smiled. I think I found it. Lower the sails. Devlin yelled from the console. Joanna and Paolo looked at each other. As both the first mate and crew, they figured that it was directed towards them. They ran to Devlin immediately, getting their instructions. Unlatch that trigger and then wind the winch in the opposite direction. Joanna stepped up to the winch on Devlin's right, and Paolo took the one on his left. Following his instruction, the sails quickly came down and the boat slowed to a stop. Good job. Anchoring. Devlin announced before flipping a switch. The anchor hit the water with a splash. It'll take a second for it to attach itself, but we did it. We're here. Joanna could barely wait to get into the water. They decided they would go for the day, so they packed a lunch and filled a thermos full of Paolo's rum punch. Placing it all in an ice chest, they loaded up the rubber dinghy and headed out. 
Motoring through the crystal clear blue water, they pulled onto shore, found the closest palm tree, and sat down and ate. With the drinks flowing, they all had a good time. Devlin was quite the storyteller. As he described his first solo trip down the East Coast, Joanna almost peed herself laughing. She would never have imagined him to have a self deprecating sense of humor, but he did. As sexy and strong as he was, he also had a charm that made Joanna want to throw her curvy body at him. Let's go swimming, Joanna suggested. I think we need to, Devlin agreed. Totally. But I know one thing that I don't need. And what's that? Paolo asked. This, Joanna said, reaching behind her back and unhooked her bikini top. Joanna didn't give her boys time to respond. Pulling it off and tossing it onto their beach blanket, she got up and ran towards the water. She could not have felt freer. Laving her footprints in the wet sand, she stepped into the warm water. It washed around her feet. It felt wonderful. Stepping further, she picked up speed. When the water reached her knees, she dove in. She barely had time to enjoy the crystal clear water enveloping her before the two charging men dove in after her. Both grabbed her like a sea creature from beneath. Surfacing, Joanna giggled. When the men popped up, she found herself the meat in a hot guy sandwich. Joanna half expected them to tease her and then leave. They didn't. Realizing what this was, Joanna dropped her smile and took turns looking into their eyes. She couldn't resist for a moment longer. She had to kiss them. And not waiting for either of her boys to make the first move, she looked Paolo square in the eyes and then slowly leaned towards him. That was all of the signal that Paolo needed. Leaning forward and kissing Joanna, he moved from the side of her to in front of her. Parting his lips, his tongue went in search of hers. Finding it, they danced. It was a moment after that that she pulled away, looked at Devlin, and leaned towards him. Without hesitation, Devlin moved in front of Joanna, pressing his shoulders against Paolo's. Pressing his lips against Joanna's, he took hold of her nearest breast. Joanna lost her breath for a second. And when she resumed her sensual kiss, she found Paolo's hand and placed it on her other breast. It didn't take long before her two men took control. Still losing herself in Devlin's supple lips, Paolo bent down finding her nipple. Slipping her nip into his mouth, he sucked on it. It released a bolt of electricity through Joanna's body, causing her to pull Devlin to her even tighter. Finding it hard to breathe, Joanna pulled her lips away. Devlin didn't release her, though. Bending down to join Paolo, Devlin took her other breast and nibbled on her nipple. Slipping her fingers into her two men's wet hair, her head fell back. Her chest heaved as she struggled to breathe. And when one of their hands found the flesh between her legs, it felt so good that she wanted to cry. The blanket, Joanna squeaked, needing to feel one of them inside of her. Devlin was the first to pull away. Steadying himself, he grabbed her hand and pulled her with him. The motion disconnected Paolo. He wasn't going to be left behind, though. Catching up to the two, he grabbed Joanna's overflowing ass. Joanna needed him so badly that she practically sprinted up the sand back towards their blanket. Pushing the ice chest away, Joanna fell back onto her ass. Devlin was kneeling beside her, and Paolo was stepping into view. She shook with excitement. She wasn't sure what was about to happen, but whatever it was, she knew it would be her first. And when Devlin reconnected with her lips while Paolo sat next to her, kissing her shoulder and caressing her breast, Joanna felt a chill of excitement rush through her that rattled her to her core. The two men were all over her. Their hands clutched her breasts and one of each of their legs pressed against the inside of hers. 
Devlin's was the first to push his hand into her bikini bottom in search of her. Joanna's breath hitched. Her labia lips bloomed with desire, and shifting her hips closer to Devlin, she did everything she could to encourage him to slip his finger inside of her. Still with Devlin's lips on hers, Joanna reached down loosening his shorts. As she did, her hand brushed against his. It was hard. Not only that, it was huge. She did not imagine anything like this. The thought of it made her hesitate. That vanished quickly as Devlin pressed his finger harder against her and circled it. Joanna gasped. With her heart beating a mile a minute, she gathered her courage and reached for his swim trunks again. Pushing them down, his gargantuan popped out. Pulling away from the kiss, she peeked down at it. It was larger than she had ever seen. She suddenly felt like the delicate flower under a gardener's hands. She was vulnerable to anything that he would do to her. And seeing that in her eyes, Devlin reached down, whipped off her bikini bottom and rolled her onto her back. Kneeling below her hips, Devlin moved between her legs and held her behind her knees. Joanna struggled to breathe. She was scared and excited at the same time. Seeing Paolo and craving his touch, she reached out her hand beckoning his face to hers. Kneeling on the side of her, Paolo found her lips. He kissed her as Devlin spread her legs and took hold of his monster. Hi, it's the author again. Yeah, more steamy things are happening. And just as a reminder, if you'd like to get a version of this book with the steamy bit still in it, narrated by me, you can click on a link in the description below and sign up for a free trial and get the book for free. So please consider that. Otherwise, continue listening. Joanna had never felt anything like that. She had never felt so fulfilled and full at the same time. Exhausted, Devlin slumped on top of her. With Joanna's legs turning to jelly, she collapsed. Falling towards Paolo, the three of them ended in a pile. Joanna was facing the other way, but the way the two men held her, she had to believe that they were also holding each other. As tired as she was, thinking about the two masculine men in their naked embrace made her wonder if either of them was up for one more round. Chapter 4 Paolo Paolo laid under the pile of bodies awash in pleasure. In spite of all the beautiful women he had ever been with, that had to be the best sexual experience of his life. He had never done anything with another guy before. And Devlin, with his huge and incredible good looks, stirred something inside of him that he couldn't explain. It didn't take too long before Paolo got the feeling that he didn't want to explain it. With Devlin lying on top of him, there was no escaping that he was with a naked man. As every second passed, Paolo became less comfortable with that fact. And when the harsh sunlight brought him back to reality, Paolo could only think of one thing, escape. Needing to think about what had just happened, Paolo whispered into Devlin's ear. I'm going to go wash off, he said before pulling from underneath him. Okay, Devlin acknowledged. Paolo pulled trying to free himself from the bottom of the pile. It didn't seem that Devlin was helping him go. That made him want to escape more. Yanking as hard as he could, his body slipped out. Retrieving his trunks, he ran for the water. Entering the waves, he kept going, feeling like he couldn't get far enough. Stopping when the water was chest high, he finally turned around. He wasn't sure, but it looked like Joanna and Devlin were going for another round. Devlin didn't know how he felt about that. Certainly the first time he was too horny to care. But he really liked Joanna. He didn't want to lose her to someone like Devlin. 
Devlin might have seemed friendly, but Paolo was sure that there was more to him than he was letting on. Cleaning himself off in the salt water, Paolo slipped on his shorts. Needing to get away to consider what he had done and how he felt about it, he decided to take a swim. The island wasn't very big. Encircled by beach, the middle of it only had a few hundred yards of foliage. Paolo was sure that he could swim around the island if he tried. And trying to escape the disturbing truth of what had just gone on, he decided to give it a go. Why had it turned him on so much to see Devlin fuck Joanna? That couldn't be normal. Paolo had never had feelings for a guy before, but at the time he felt genuinely turned on. Why had he even decided to come on this trip? Devlin had kissed him. Now with him staring into Devlin's eyes as he fucked Joanna, Paolo was sure that he had given Devlin an incorrect impression about how he felt. As Paolo swam on, he began to realize just how long of a swim this was going to be. Was it a mile? Two. Either way, he could do it. Paolo had done a few triathlons in his life. That had been a few years ago, but the swimming portion was just about as long as that. As Paolo passed the first half mile, he felt himself getting tired. As he did, his mind relaxed and he remembered something. As a kid, he had had a best friend. The two of them had hit puberty at the same time, and it was then that they had innocently explored each other's bodies. That had gone on for a while, but Paolo's dad had put an end to it. One day Paolo's father, knowing that Paolo's friend was visiting, saw the kids missing and found the bathroom door locked. Inside, the two boys had been naked. Paolo's dad banged on the door demanding that they come out. Paolo had never felt more ashamed in his life. His exploration with his friend ended soon after. That was also about the time when his father started saying bad things about guys who like other guys. Had that incident truly ended Paolo's curiosity though? Paolo liked to believe that it did. But as he swam further, more memories washed through his mind. There had also been a boy in high school who Paolo had become obsessed with. No one knew about his interest, but Paolo was drawn to him in a way that he had never been able to explain. On top of him, there was a boy in college. Paolo had written his college experience off as an innocent moment shared between good friends. After his friend had gotten dumped by his girlfriend, Paolo had wrapped his arm around him. As his buddy cried in his arms, Paolo wondered if he should leave. Stay, his friend had asked. Paolo then spent the night holding his best friend in his arms. When their embrace became spooning, Paolo had noticed that his dick had gotten hard. Not wanting his friend to feel it, he kept pulling his hips away. But every time he did, his best friend pushed his own hips back regaining contact. From that day forward, Paolo had always wondered if his friend had felt his heart and was his best friend hitting on him. And what would have happened if Paolo had had the guts to tell him how much he liked him? If he had whispered it into his best friend's ear that night, how differently would the rest of Paolo's life have been? There were other things that happened in college after that, but none of them were very intense. Paolo had gone to college in the United States. Such experiences were almost acceptable there. Such things wouldn't fly in the Bahamas. His father was a perfect example of how people thought in his home country. It was bad enough that he was an artist. If he wanted to have any sort of a normal life, he couldn't give people like his father any more ammunition. That plan did come up against a few challenges, though. Meeting Devlin was one of them. Paolo could never deny how good-looking Devlin was. And he wasn't even the only guy to notice. Jimmy, 
the bartender at the restaurant in front of the dock, had said aloud what Paolo had been thinking. Damn, he must get laid every day, Jimmy had said. That is a good-looking guy. It was when Jimmy had said that that Paolo felt some relief about the way he thought about Devlin. Yes, Devlin was a very good-looking guy. Even guys thought so. So whatever sexual reaction he might have towards Devlin had to be natural, right? After all, didn't everybody have occasional sexual thoughts towards really good-looking guys? As Paolo crossed over to the far side of the island, everything about the water changed. Suddenly there was a current, and the water was colder. When Paolo slowed and then looked down, he realized that it had also gotten quite a bit darker. Having swum the islands for a while, Paolo knew that it either meant that suddenly it had gotten a lot deeper, or there was something swimming beneath him. Paolo's heart rate slowly increased. He could feel himself starting to panic. Should he swim ashore and walk? No, he had decided to swim around the island, and that was what he was going to do. Again starting to swim, he swam a little faster. As he did, he couldn't help but think about the eels and sharks that lived in these waters. It was rare, but shark attacks did happen. The splash from swimming was often what did it. The eels were a different story. They lived in holes in the coral. Paolo was sure that there were a few of them down there. If his foot touched one at the wrong time or in the wrong place, an eel could rip off his leg. So many things could go wrong, Paolo considered. Spiraling down into terror, he forced himself not to think about it. Instead, he charged forward. Something jumped up, splashing the water in front of him. Paolo stopped and froze. This had been a mistake, he decided. Paolo looked toward shore. He hadn't meant to be out this far. He had lost his sense of direction when he had crossed to this side of the island. Now Paolo had no choice. He had to keep swimming towards the shallows. It was closer to him than the shore was. His only hope was to get to the shallow sandbank before whatever it was splashing around him decided it needed to sample the flailing beast swimming across the surface. As cold as the water had gotten, Paolo felt hot. He was scared. He had to get away as quickly as he could, and he had to not think about what he had just seen. The water on the side of him splashed again. Paolo couldn't breathe. What was it that was after him? He had left it sixty feet behind him, but suddenly here it was again. It had to be following him. Paolo shut off his mind and swam as hard as he could. He didn't want to think about anything. He just needed to get away. He had made a mistake by taking the swim, but there was nothing to do now but get to the other side without doing anything else stupid. Paolo heard only one more splash before miraculously, the water around him turned from dark blue to the color of sand. He had made it. How long had it taken him? He didn't know. But he knew he was stupid to have done it. He wasn't going to do that again, ever. And with his travel mates actively scanning the water, Paolo looked up relieved to see them. Looking at them, Paolo knew that circling the island wasn't the only bad decision he had made. A lot of things had to never happen again. As he stood in the chest-deep water staring at his crewmates, he knew that what had happened between the three of them couldn't happen again either. Shortly after that, the three travelers got onto the dinghy and headed back to the boat. Still anchored, they all made dinner together. There was a new rapport evident between Devlin and Joanna. Paolo felt like Joanna had replaced him. Devlin was the guy she was now interested in, and who could blame her? He was basically the perfect man. 
Eating dinner, Devlin suggested a travel itinerary. Each day, they would visit a different island. As weighed down as Paolo felt by everything that had happened, that did excited him. He had heard there was an island with swimming pigs on it. According to what Paolo had read, no one knew how the pigs had gotten there. But what was sure was that they survived off of the food from tourists, so it was possible to hand-feed them. As the night fell and everyone got ready for bed, Joanna and Devlin looked at Paolo with a suggestive smile. I'm going to head to bed, Paolo said, letting them know that what had happened on the beach wouldn't happen again. The other two looked at Paolo disappointed. Paolo didn't care. Even if it meant giving up on Joanna, he couldn't let himself do anything like that again. That wasn't who he was. And even if it was, he didn't want it to be. Paolo laid in bed for a long time, wondering what Joanna and Devlin were doing. Had she slept in Devlin's bedroom? Had they fucked all night long? The thoughts haunted him. Scared by what he would find if he got up to sea, Paolo rolled over and forced himself to go to sleep. The next morning, when Devlin and Joanna entered the galley separately, Paolo concluded that they hadn't spent the night together. They could have been pretending for Paolo's sake, but as the morning went on, Paolo didn't think so. Although he knew that this shouldn't have made him feel good, it did. Feeling relieved, Paolo offered to make breakfast. Tea. Devlin asked the group. Sure, Paolo said. Wow, that seems so British, Joanna acknowledged. I guess I have been living here long enough to pick up a few things, Devlin said with a smile. Well, you know what they say. When in the Bahamas. Joanna said cheerfully. Oh, and you have to try this. Devlin crossed the galley, retrieving a jar from the cupboard. Both of his companions watched as he did. Opening the jar, he moved in front of Joanna. Taste this. Joanna looked at him suspiciously. What is that? Honey. Yeah. I'm not a big fan of honey. I like sweet things, but that's a little too sweet for me. No, you have to try this. It's tamarind honey. Joanna looked at Devlin confused. What's a tamarind? Becoming interested, Paolo stepped towards Devlin and the jar. It's a Bahamian fruit, Paolo explained. How is it tamarind honey? Try it first and then I'll tell you, Devlin said. Paolo stuck his pinky finger into the jar, scooping up a drop. Hesitantly putting it into his mouth, his eyes darted around as he tried to figure out what he was tasting. Oh my God. It tastes like tamarind. That's really good. That was the inspiration that Joanna needed. Following suit, she stuck her finger into the jar and did the same. Her eyes lit up as she processed all of the flavors. Oh my God. That is the best tasting thing I have ever had. How did you get it? Paolo asked, needing to know. I have some land on one of the Ks. When they were building my house, they came across a hive that was a few feet from a blossoming tamarind tree. We brought in someone to collect the honey and transport the hive. This was what we ended up with. It's incredible, right? Hell yeah, Joanna said, taking the jar out of Devlin's hand. Like I said, I don't usually like honey, but this is amazing. Do you have any more? I do, back at the house. I'll get you a couple of bottles, Devlin said, pleased. Paolo returned to cooking. Every so often, he would look back at Joanna. For the next ten minutes, she was unusually quiet. She kept staring at the bottle intermittently, scooping a bit of it out onto her finger 
and eating it. You're going to fill up on honey instead of my incredible breakfast, Paolo joked. Joanna looked at him and smiled but didn't speak. Paolo was sure that Joanna had a new obsession. Setting sail to a second island, the three of them stood on deck watching the scenery. It wasn't more than a 30-minute sail. Anchoring and then taking the dinghy to shore, the group found this island much like the last. Exquisitely beautiful, though deserted except for a few trees, they quickly found that they didn't have much to do. Snorkeling became the activity of the day. But as beautiful as the fish and coral were, they found themselves heading back to the yacht to indulge in a little bit of luxury. The third day was a little more eventful. Shroud Cay was a larger island with a small canal that led to a large blue lagoon. This was the type of island that Paolo imagined pirates anchoring at when he was taught about pirates in history class. It was beautiful. This was also the first time the three had seen other human beings in a while. There was a speedboat parked just offshore, and accompanying it was a couple who walked around the beach completely naked. They had to have noticed the 50-foot sailboat anchored offshore, but clearly they didn't care. The majority of the threesome's time was spent on the shore of the lagoon. It was there that Joanna and Devlin gave him a knowing smile again. Paolo didn't want to give them the wrong impression. So instead of encouraging their advance, he got up and left to explore the island. Paolo found exploring the island a little more exhilarating than anything he had done the previous day. On the island were land crabs. Knowing it was in season, he collected a few of them already thinking ahead to dinner. Not wanting to walk in on anything, if they had decided to have fun without him, Paolo stayed away for most of the day. With his crabs trapped under rocks, Paolo found the place where he could lay back, stare at the view and think. What was he doing with his life? Did anyone even care about his art? Was there anything else that he could be doing with his life that mattered? These were the questions that continuously ran through his mind. His world was like a giant mystery. There were so many people who told him how good his art was, so why couldn't he sell more than one or two paintings a month? Why had he gotten so close to getting artist residencies and then failed? For Paolo, life was a series of events that didn't make sense. Heading back, Paolo tried not to think about what the two had done while he was gone. He felt like he was losing Joanna the longer they stayed with Devlin. The idea broke his heart. But if the only way to be with her was to do what they had as a group, Paolo had to choose not to. He couldn't let that side of himself out. What if it was a monster? What if there was more inside of him, and the minute it saw the light of day, Paolo could never push it away again? With crabs in hand, the three headed back to the yacht. Devlin knew the glory of crab and rice. Joanna did not. Paolo smiled watching as their female friend nearly lost her mind eating it. If no one else, she was having an amazing time. As the drinks flowed, Paolo found himself shyly staring at Joanna only to look away when she caught him. What was he doing? Did he want to be with her or not? And more importantly, did she really want to be with him? I'm heading to bed, Paolo announced, feeling the weight of everything building. Are you sure? Joanna asked trying to hide her disappointment. Yeah, I'm feeling a little tired. Are you having a good time? Devlin asked Paolo with a questioning look on his face. No, it's amazing. I'm just feeling tired. That's all. Okay. We'll see you in the morning, Devlin concluded. That was another night that Paolo did not sleep well. 
He was beginning to wonder if coming had been a mistake. There was no doubt that the islands were beautiful, and sailing them in Devlin's yacht was a once-in-a-lifetime experience. But Paolo was having emotions that were tearing him apart. There was a part of him that wanted to rip off his clothes and act like a madman, doing whatever came naturally with Joanna and Devlin. Yet there was this voice in his head stopping him. It kept telling him how horrible he was for considering it. He wanted to clamp everything down at the same time as blow everything up. The feelings were driving him insane. With the next morning came something that Paolo would never have expected. Joanna and Devlin were in the galley to greet him. Seated at the mahogany breakfast nook, there was something in front of them on the table. It was folded black cloth. They stared at him like they knew something he didn't. What's going on? Paolo asked unnerved. Devlin replied. We thought that we'd do something a little different today. Paolo's eyes darted between the two. And what's that? Devlin lifted his chin nodding towards the folded cloth in front of him. Paolo approached it slowly. With the black cloth in hand, he straightened it out. It was a flag. But it wasn't just any flag, it was the skull and crossbones. It was a pirate flag. Paolo examined the flag and then looked up at the two suspiciously. Okay, what about this? Joanna jumped in. It's a pirate flag. Yeah, Paolo acknowledged. What do people do with pirate flags? Joanna pushed. Paolo looked at the two twisting his thoughts in curiosity. They hang it on their college dorm wall so that people think they're cool. No, Paolo, Devlin interjected. What are you supposed to do with a pirate flag? Paolo was getting nervous. What the hell could he be talking about? The only thing he could think of to do with such a flag was to pirate sailboats. But there was no way that could be what they meant. Devlin was a billionaire, and they were sailing on a multi-million dollar yacht. There was no way that they were suggesting that the three of them become pirates, was there? You do know that the water between the islands is international waters, right? Devlin pointed out. There are no rules out here except for the ones we create. I say that we raise the flag and see what it brings us. I spoke to my first mate about it. She agrees. Paolo's heart raced as he slowly turned towards Joanna. They weren't kidding. They were really talking about doing this. You want to rob sailboats under the pirate flag? Why not? Devlin asked with a devilish grin. There is no one out here who could stop us. Paolo felt himself begin to sweat. But there are only three of us. Then we only attack sailboats with three people or less, Joanna explained. Our advantage is the element of surprise. And if they're armed? Joanna looked at Devlin nonplussed. Who says we won't be armed? Joanna said with a steely look in her eyes. Paolo looked at the two stunned. Had they completely lost it after four days at sea? They must have gone insane. This wasn't the 1700s. Pirates didn't sail the Bahamas anymore. And how the hell do you expect to get away with this? This isn't a speedboat, Paolo said, starting to feel panicked. Devlin looked at Joanna and then back at Paolo. We'll just sail away. They'll be so surprised that they'll never think to follow us. This is insane, Paolo protested. Yet even as he said the words, he began to realize that he wasn't going to stop them. More than that, he was going to go along with it. What the hell was he doing? As soon as he asked himself, he got an answer.
He was blowing it all up. He was letting everything go. Okay, if you all want to, then let's do it. Devlin and Joanna smiled the biggest grins that Paolo had ever seen. Then let's begin, Devlin said with fire in his eyes. Devlin abandoned much of his usual charm after that. He moved like a man driven. Paolo would never have imagined this side of him if he hadn't seen it. Paolo felt like he was getting a glimpse into the tenacity that helped Devlin make his fortune. Perhaps if it were the 1700s, Devlin would have become a billionaire pirate. Goo's idea was this. Paolo asked Joanna as Devlin set sail. I don't know. A little of his, and a little of mine, I guess. And you think this is a good idea? Paolo questioned. I think this is the best idea that we've had all week, Joanna said confidently. Okay then, he said before heading towards Devlin. So what do we do? Do we raise the flag? Do you have cannons around here that I don't see? You're from the Bahamas, don't you know how this works? They must have missed this in history class, Paolo said sarcastically. We'll do it traditional style. We'll find the sailboat, wave it down, sail up to it, and then when they're too close to get away, we'll raise the flag and board their sailboat. Just like that. Just like that, Devlin confirmed. And what do we take from them? Paolo asked. Devlin laughed. We're pirates. We take whatever we want. Paolo decided that Devlin really was insane, but man, did what he say sound fun. How long had Paolo been trying to pretend to be someone he wasn't? The rules he kept trying to follow weren't even his own. If he was going to be who he was meant to be, it had to start here, right now. And if his crew wanted to pirate a sailboat, then why the hell not? Joanna, I want you to attach the flag to the top of the frontmost sail. That way, when it's time to hoist the flag, we can do it fast. And what do we do for weapons? Paolo said, running through the scenario in his mind. I have something just for that. Joanna, take the wheel. Joanna approached the wheel confidently. She almost looked at home behind it. Stay the course, Devlin told her. The compass has us pointed south-southwest. As long as you keep the arrow in that same direction, everything will be fine. Aye, aye, sir. Come with me, Paolo, Devlin said, heading back towards his cabin. Paolo quickly followed in his wake. Entering the living quarters, he followed Devlin down the hallway to the room next to Joanna's. Stepping inside, Paolo realized where they had retrieved the flag from. The room was overflowing with pirate memorabilia. Devlin collected three swords and two pistols. Both of the guns had to be more than 200 years old. Everything in the room was authentic. Paolo realized that Devlin wasn't kidding when he said that they would do this traditional style. You do know that neither I nor Joanna knows how to use a sword, right? Do you know how to use a gun? I've been to a gun range, but it was slightly after the 1800s, Paolo joked, pointing to the pistol. That's fine, because if we do this right, we won't have to fire a shot. That was how the successful pirates did it. No one wanted to get into a battle. It was all about intimidation and reputation. Merchants knew that when they saw that flag, they could either hand over their goods or risk their lives and the sailboat. The great pirates never even had to unsheathe their sword, Devlin explained with a smile. Paolo stared at Devlin. Goddamn did he find Devlin sexy. He couldn't fight it anymore. He had to admit it. There was nothing that Devlin didn't have. And if his friend wanted him to, 
Paolo was willing to be a pirate for him. Paolo's pulse raced realizing it. Back at the wheel, Devlin scanned the horizon intensely. Joanna did the same. Paolo instead stared at Joanna. He liked the way she looked with her dangling sword. He couldn't help but think that that was what a real woman looked like, curves for days and an instrument of death hanging by their side. There, Devlin said, pointing. Paolo turned and looked. In the distance he saw another sailing yacht. That one was more modern than the one they were on. The unusual shape of its sails made it look ultra-modern. The person who owned it had to be incredibly rich. Devlin's yacht represented one level of wealth, that yacht represented something else. Paolo's hands began to sweat as Devlin spun the wheel, placing them on a direct course with the other sailboat. They were really going to do this. A hundred and fifty years after the last man was hanged for doing it, they were going to raise the pirate flag in Bahamian waters and rob a sailboat. Paolo felt his face warm up just thinking about it. Just making sure he could, he withdrew his sword from its sheath. Cutting into the air, he imagined clashing it against someone else's. The whole thing was nuts, but suddenly he didn't want any of it to stop. As the two sailboats got closer, Paolo looked back at his two crewmates. Neither of them was flinching. It was like they had done this a thousand times. If they were so comfortable with it, there was no way that Paolo was going to let himself seem uncomfortable. He crossed the deck, leaning against the railing, trying to get a better look. Remembering something, he suddenly turned around and ran towards the lower deck. Where are you going? Devlin asked. I need to get something. I'll be right back, Paolo replied. Returning to Devlin's pirate memorabilia room, he searched around for what he had remembered seeing. In the corner he found it. It was a spyglass. Paolo imagined that somewhere on board, Devlin had a pair of expensive binoculars. That had no place here. The spyglass was what they needed. There was no question about that. Running back up onto the deck, Paolo returned to the railing and peered through the magnifier. On the deck of the other sailboat were three women dancing around in bikinis. Past that, there was a man behind the wheel dressed in a traditional captain's outfit, and further up the sailboat were two men dressed as if they had stepped out of a Ralph Lauren catalog. Devlin had chosen well. Paolo had met many people like this while working at the art gallery. They were the type to barely look at him until they found out which of the paintings were his. These type of people wouldn't give you the time of day unless they could get something from you. If there was anyone who needed a run-in with pirates, it was them. What do you see? Devlin yelled over to Paolo. Are they armed? Not these guys, Paolo replied. These are the type of people who could never imagine anything bad happening to them. I think these people might need a wake-up call. Now you're getting into the spirit, Devlin said, drawing Paolo's attention. Paolo made the decision. He decided that he loved Devlin's smile. He didn't know whether a smile could be worth more than a million dollars, but if it was possible, Devlin's was. Paolo turned his attention back towards the other sailboat. He watched them as their captain slowly realized that they were on an intersecting course and turned the wheel. They're trying to get away, Paolo yelled back to Devlin. I see it. Adjusting our course to intercept. Close enough to see the look on the captain's face when their sailboat turned, Paolo chuckled. The captain stared at them completely confused about what they were doing. After a while, he called over the two preppy-dressed men and pointed to their gullet. The three bikini-clad women soon joined them. 
and as the two sailboats got closer, the oblivious partygoers stood staring at Paolo's sailboat with their mouths agape. Okay, do it, Devlin said, signaling to Joanna. Joanna ran to the bow of the sailboat. Still dressed in her bikini top, she leaned against the frontmost railing and waved her hands at them. This got the other sailboat's attention. Pointing at Joanna, their sailboat slowed down. Making it easy, the other sailboat turned towards them. Hello. Joanna yelled. One of the preppy-dressed men moved to the railing and yelled back. Hello. Do you need any help? Yes. We need, she began before intentionally mumbling the rest of her words. What? The man yelled back. I said that we, she said before again mumbling. It was then when the partygoers headed for Paolo's sailboat in earnest. Joanna retreated to the captain's console, waiting for her signal. No longer needing the spyglass, Paolo put it aside, clutched his sword, and joined his mates. With one more look into Devlin's eyes determining if they were really going to do it, he got the answer that he was expecting. It was time, and there was no stopping them now. So what's the plan here? Paolo asked, suddenly vibrating with adrenaline. Devlin replied, never taking his eyes off of the approaching sailboat. This will be a delicate maneuver. When we're within a thousand feet of her, we'll hoist the sail and raise the flag. It will take them a few seconds to realize what's going on. Within 500 feet, we'll drop the anchor. But with the added speed from the sail, we should make it past her. We're made of wood, and they're made of fiberglass. If my timing is off, they could sink our sailboat. But if I get it right, they'll sail into our chain whipping us around. Our boats should slam into each other, startling everyone on board their sailboat. Paolo, underneath the cushions at the bow is a grappling hook. You're going to toss it and attach us to their railing. Once that's in place, there's nowhere they can go. What's theirs will soon be ours, Devlin concluded with a smile. Paolo looked at Devlin like he was insane. He didn't know what to say. Did you both get that? Devlin asked. What do I do in the meantime? Joanna asked. My first mate. You get honors. You're going to raise the pirate flag. Joanna beamed with excitement. Okay, everyone, we're getting close. Get into position. As Joanna stepped behind the winch, Paolo headed to the bow of the sailboat. Paolo was shaking. He couldn't believe that they were about to do this, but watching the yacht get closer, there was no questioning that they were. Are you all all right? The captain of the sailboat yelled to Paolo. Paolo, not knowing how to respond, cupped his ear pretending he couldn't hear. I said, are you all all right? Paolo opened his mouth as if he were going to speak. He was just stalling for time, though. Paolo knew how far a thousand feet was, and they were just about to hit it. When he felt them cross that imaginary line, he looked back at the sail. It began rising into the air. At first, the flag was invisible. It took a second, but soon there it was. Paolo looked across at the folks on the other sailboat. They stared at the flag confused. With their mouths hanging open, they looked at each other for answers. It was their captain who first realized what was going on. But it was too late. By the time he responded, Paolo could hear the rear motor depositing the anchor into the sea. As the other captain tried to come about, Paolo's sailboat whipped by them. Missing a collision by a hair, the other boat ran into the anchor chain and whipped Paolo's sailboat around. It was just as Devlin had explained. 
The two sailboats hit with more force than Paolo had anticipated. Both sailboats rocked from the collision. Tumbling to the other side of the sailboat, Paolo fought to remain on his feet. Knowing what he had to do next, Paolo lifted up the cushions revealing exactly what Devlin had said. It was a grappling hook attached to a motor and a switch. Paolo had his guess on how it worked. That would have to be enough. Lunging for the metal hook he grabbed it and swung it at the other sailboat. It was hard to miss, the two hulls were up against each other. One of the preppy men saw the hook before the others. He ran to it thinking he could toss it back. Lunging down towards the switch, Paolo pushed it towards the word reverse. Like that, the dangling chain retracted and the two sailboats locked together making them one. What the fuck are you doing, bro? The approaching preppy guy yelled. Surprising himself by what he had just done, Paolo didn't reply. The preppy man ran towards the railing threatening to jump over and fight. Paolo instinctually withdrew his sword and retrieved the pistol he had tucked between the cushions. The charging man stopped. As Paolo and the man stared at each other, Paolo realized that he had no idea what he was supposed to do next. It was then that Devlin walked over. He didn't charge over and he didn't run. As if he had all of the time in the world, he strolled across the deck casually taking stock of the conquered vessel. Wearing a triangle-shaped pirate captain's hat, there was no question who was in charge. One at a time, each of the partygoers turned to look at Devlin. The women and the other captain had sense enough to be afraid. The preppy man who stood next to the railing not so much. Who the fuck are you supposed to be, bro? He said belligerently. Your worst nightmare, Devlin replied earnestly. I am the man who is going to decide who gets your sailboat. The fuck you are, he challenged. Devlin retrieved his pistol and pointed at him. Why don't you say that again? Looking at both guns pointed at him, he didn't speak. Good, Devlin pronounced as he settled at Paolo's side. Shall we? Devlin asked, turning to Paolo. Paolo's heart was beating out of control. It was like he was in a daze. Still shaken by the collision, all he was doing was reacting. But hearing Devlin and knowing that he was talking to him, Paolo forced himself to process the words his friend had said. It is our sailboat, Paolo said suddenly playing the role. Signaling Joanna to stay behind, Devlin and Paolo jumped across the two railings onto the deck of the new sailboat. This was only the second yacht Paolo had ever been on. Boarding this way was surreal. Paolo felt like he was floating somewhere outside of his body, but there was also a part of him which felt very awake. Holding his pistol and his sword he felt like he could do anything. Paolo carefully surveyed the deck. The three bikini-clad women stood behind the captain and the other preppy-dressed man. Although Paolo was thinking it, Devlin was the one to ask, Is this everybody? Fuck you. The man directly in front of them said. Without thinking, Paolo raised his sword and slashed at the man slicing across his Ralph Lauren shirt. The man was shocked speechless. Then pressing the tip of his sword against the preppy man's throat, Paolo growled a warning. Your captain asked you a question. Paolo was hoping that his slash would be enough to shut him up. It wasn't. He's not my captain, the man said through obvious displays of fear. If he decides he wants your sailboat, he is. Unless you're saying that you would prefer to take a swim instead. The man had nothing to say after that. That's what I thought. Good. Now that we have that settled, how about we get on with business? Is there anyone else on this boat that we can't see? No one replied.
You all do know that if I find someone on the sailboat and they died, it would be on your shoulders. Devlin threatened. Even Paolo's face flushed red. Were they truly going to go that far? Would Devlin kill someone if he had to? Paolo was beginning to think that he didn't know Devlin at all. There is one other person, the previous captain said. It's the chef. She's not a threat to you. Devlin stared at the captain and nodded pleased. Very good. Now why don't you do her a favor and call her up? The previous captain looked at Devlin nervously and then complied. Diane. He yelled across the deck. Diane, you need to come on deck. In a few moments, a short round woman ascended onto the deck. Very good. If you don't mind joining the others, Devlin requested politely. The woman complied. Now that we have everyone, I'm going to look around my sailboat. I need to see my spoils. Completely turning his back on the partygoers, Paolo suddenly realized that he, with a sword and two-shooter pistol, had been left to guard six people. Why hadn't Devlin given Joanna a pistol? That would have still only accounted for four shots, but four would have been better than two. Watching the other's eyes very closely, he noticed the attitude of the group begin to change. They saw the clear advantage that they had, and they were beginning to wonder if Paolo truly had it in him to stop all of the men. Paolo was thinking the same thing. And just when the preppy man without the sword against his neck was about to take a step forward, Joanna spoke up. Do you really think that you should fucking move? That fucking man is a killer. Do you know what the fuck it's like to be killed by a sword? Take that step forward, and your fucking mate will be able to tell you as his fucking blood gurgles out of the slit in his throat, Joanna said in a slightly British accent. The man froze in his tracks. Paolo didn't have to wonder why. Even he was scared of whoever it was that Joanna was talking about. This cold-blooded killer sounded terrifying. It took a second before Paolo realized that the man Joanna was referring to was him. As soon as he did, he quickly stiffened his jaw, tightening his grip on his sword, and embodied the role. It's been too long since I've watched a man die, Paolo added ruthlessly. Paolo could see the moment when the blood left their faces. The rush he felt was amazing. After so many years of living on the generosity of others, this was the first time that he had the power. It felt good. It was the first time in his life that Paolo felt strong. I think we have what we came for, Devlin said carrying a box as he ascended onto the deck. Paolo looked at the large box wondering what was in it. Was it cash? Did he find jewelry? Whatever it was, it had to be enough to make all this worthwhile. You're taking all of our alcohol, the preppy man with the sword to his neck asked. Would you like me to take more? Perhaps you'd like to point out which of the ladies you like the least. She might make a great addition to our crew. That shut him up. Sporting a charming smile, Devlin approached Paolo, gave him a subtle wink, and then handed the box to Joanna before jumping from one sailboat to the other. Paolo, seeing that their adventure had come to an end, backed away from the man in front of him. Jumping across the two railings, Paolo returned to their sailboat. Release the hook, Devlin quietly instructed Paolo. Returning his sword to its sheath, Paolo kept his pistol pointed at the other crew as he returned to the motor that locked the two sailboats together. Flipping the switch in the other direction, the two sailboats parted. As quickly as he could, he shook the chain causing the grappling hook to bounce off of the other railing and swing crashing into the side of their own sailboat. There was no doubt that that was going to leave a scratch. 
And by the way, when you remember this, and I know you will, Devlin began. Think about the mercy I had in letting you off so easily. You're welcome, Devlin said with a bow. As the two sailboats floated away from each other, Paolo jogged back to the captain's console. He looked at Devlin for instructions on what to do next. Paolo didn't have to ask. It's time to get the fuck out of here, Devlin exclaimed. Quickly flicking the switch to raise the anchor, Devlin spun the wheel hard to starboard. The sailboat sail suddenly billowed. Full of wind, their boat took off in the opposite direction. Paolo knew that he couldn't have been holding his breath the entire time, but as he inhaled again, it came with a rush of adrenaline that made him feel more alive than he had ever felt. Look back and tell me what they're doing, Devlin said to Paolo. Quickly grabbing the spyglass, Paolo looked back at the crew as they looked at each other dazed. They were as stunned as they were when they first saw the pirate flag. What are they doing? Devlin pushed. They are just standing there looking at each other, Paolo explained. Good. We're gonna need as much or a head start as we can get. Head start? Joanna asked. Yeah. In a couple of seconds, they're gonna realize just what we did and how we did it, and those men are going to try and get back what we took from them. I don't understand, Joanna continued. Didn't you just take their alcohol? No, I took more than that. What I really took were their balls. They're gonna want them back. And the more distance we can put between them and us by the time they realize that, the more likely it is that we're gonna survive this. Survive this? Paolo asked. Devlin looked at him and smiled. A man will do a lot to get back his balls. Keep a watch out. Paolo returned to the railing at the back of the sailboat and did what he was instructed. He could see the exact moment when the men realized what had happened. There was a lot of yelling and finger-pointing. The captain was on the defensive, and the one who had had Paolo's sword against his neck exploded in fury. It wasn't long after that that their sailboat came about and started their long track towards them. Oh my God, you were right. Did you ever doubt me? Devlin said charmingly. Paolo turned back and looked at Devlin. There was no question, Devlin had to be the sexiest man alive. This was the first time Paolo could admit it. He wanted Devlin. He wanted his strength and he wanted his body. There was no way that Paolo could ever have been as turned on as he was right then. As Devlin's sailboat sped across the sea, the water became choppy. Paolo looked around for the first time, finding the sun had disappeared. As the clouds became darker, he realized that getting away was about to become harder than he could have imagined. The rain started slowly but quickly built into a torrential shower. Paolo was familiar with this having grown up on the island. Out of nowhere it would rain heavy and hard. It could last anywhere from five minutes to an hour. And during that time there was hell to pay. This looks like it's going to be a heavy one, Devlin said adjusting the direction of the sailboat. You two might want to go below deck for this. Still looking at Devlin with awe, Paolo was the one to speak for both of them. What? Abandon our captain now. If you're up here, then we're up here. Devlin looked over at Paolo surprised. Paolo looked back at him steely-eyed. Devlin then looked over at Joanna and got the same look. Devlin smiled as he looked back towards the horizon. Very well. Then you better hold on. Within minutes the boat started to rock. The waves between the Bahamian islands were never that rough, but there was something different about these waves. 
The sailboat rose and fell with fury. When it landed, the wooden vessel felt like it would shake apart. It wouldn't be this bad if I slowed down. But as long as they keep chasing us, we need to be going as fast as we possibly can. Do what you need to do, Captain, Paolo replied. Devlin looked at him like he had received a long sought-after permission. Raise the jib, Devlin ordered Paolo. Paolo looked back at him confused. The boat slammed against the ocean before Devlin got a chance to speak. Everyone stumbled. Regaining his balance, Devlin pointed at a clamp a few feet away. Release that, Devlin said determined. The rain was starting to come down in buckets. As the sky darkened, it was getting harder to see. Paolo could see a small red object on the deck where Devlin had pointed. That had to be the clamp. So grabbing onto one thing and then the other, Paolo pulled himself across the deck and then reached out for the clamp. As he did, the bow of the sailboat slammed into the water rattling Paolo's teeth and tossing him to his ass. Are you okay? Joanna shouted through the storming rain. Paolo wasn't sure if he was. All he was sure about was that he had to get up and make it to the clamp. Forcing himself onto his feet, the sailboat rattled again, and this time the crest of a wave slapped Paolo across his back throwing him to his side. As luck would have it, he slid grabbing onto the clamp. And with his hand tightly on it, he pulled himself to his knees and went to work. Get a move on. Devlin shouted. They're gaining on us fast. Hearing that, Paolo did everything he could to release the clamp. Sliding across the wet deck it felt near impossible. As the sailboat heaved he slid to one side. As it tilted, he slid to the other. Luck was what eventually allowed him to release the clamp. And as he did, a nearby rope whipped by him. The frontmost sail on the sailboat opened up and dragged the wooden vessel into the storm. With all of the sailboat sails filled with the storm's winds, Paolo understood why Devlin felt he needed permission to open the third sail. Even through the torrential rain, Paolo could hear the cracks. Was the sailboat coming apart? Was the boat going to sink? Even Paolo knew that the sailboat wouldn't be able to take this much longer. Looking back, Paolo wondered what crap the boat behind them was going through. Theirs was a newer and more modern boat, but this couldn't be what they signed up for when they left dock this morning. Did they really want their alcohol back that badly? They had to have been reconsidering that. With another loud crash, Paolo took a look around the sailboat. It was then that he noticed just how old the sailboat was. There was no question that it was beautiful, but it wasn't meant for this. It was a luxury yacht meant to impress and get into women's pants. This boat wasn't built to sail the seven seas. About to explain that to Devlin, Paolo looked back at him through the rain. It was then that he saw it. The sailboat behind them was slowing. Even with all of their modern technology, they had had enough. They're slowing down, Paolo pointed out. Devlin looked back confirming it. Without smiling or changing course, Devlin returned his sights to the maddening waves. We can slow down, Paolo yelled through the downpour. Not yet. We need a little more distance. Once we're out of sight, there's a place we can go. The next 15 minutes were just as rough as the previous. Getting tossed to and fro, Paolo wasn't sure how much more he or the sailboat could take. Eventually, though, the rain and the waves decreased. At no point did the rain actually stop, but it was enough that the sailboat found calmer waters, and Paolo could let go of his death grip on the chair in front of him. With the storm lightening up and the other sailboat lost in the distance, Devlin changed direction and headed towards one of the larger Exuma Islands. 
We need to anchor the sailboat and wait out the rest of the storm, Devlin explained. Where the hell can we do that? Paolo said rattled by what had just gone on. I know a spot. It will protect us from the worst of it, and it will be out of sight if they're still out there. It only took a few more minutes before Devlin arrived at his spot. It was on the opposite side of Exuma's big island. By no means was the water calm there, but it was better. Devlin's spot had the advantage of blocking the winds from the opposite side of the island. It was there that Devlin lowered the sails and dropped the anchor. Now let's get the hell out of the rain, Devlin said as he ushered his crew below deck into the comfort of the cabins. Heading inside and closing the door behind them, the trio descended the stairs and poured into the galley. Devlin pried his hat off and threw it onto the counter. Wasting no time, he peeled off his drenched shirt and tossed it into the sink. Paolo stared at him watching his every move. So what did you think, Paolo? Devlin asked, focusing his attention on him. Was is it worth it? Paolo gazed at Devlin, unable to speak. Everything that had just happened was bubbling up in him. With an explosion, he shot across the galley, wrapped his arms around Devlin, and planted his lips onto the man's. Their kiss was strong and manly. Paolo dug into Devlin, as if he were trying to peel him apart and climb inside of him. And as their two broad tongues touched, both were desperate for more twirling around each other's and pulling as if the other were trying to suck him in. Letting go of Devlin's chest, Paolo pulled his own shirt over his head. Finding Devlin again, he attacked him even more ferociously. Paolo could hear his heart beat in his ears. It thundered like a raging storm. Kissing him, he was losing his breath. And when he felt Devlin's heart pressing against his own, Paolo caught himself and violently pushed himself away. Paolo stared at Devlin wantonly. There were so many emotions rushing through him, he didn't know what to do. Torn between grabbing Devlin's and running away, he looked around finding Joanna. Her wet clothes clung to her full round body and her nipples poked through like daggers. Unable to do what he wanted with Devlin, he threw himself at Joanna locking their lips like he needed her to breathe. As their tongues twirled around each other's, Paolo rushed to undress her. If he couldn't make love to Devlin, he was going to show all of his passion with Joanna. Her body was exactly what he had always craved. And aroused as much as he was by Joanna's full curves, he needed to get inside of her as quickly as he could. As Paolo reached under Joanna's bikini top and grabbed her bare breast, he heard Devlin's instruction. Leave your wet clothes and come this way. That was all Devlin had to say. Pulling away from Joanna's lips, he took hold of his pants and pulled them down. His heart bounced out stiffening as soon as it did. Taking his shoes off and standing there naked, he took a firmer grip on Joanna's shorts and then pulled them to the ground. With his head near her crotch, he couldn't resist but taste her disappearing clit. Flicking it vigorously with his tongue, he heard Joanna moan. Lost in the moment, Paolo couldn't tell whose hand was on the back of his head, but getting the message, Paolo pushed his mouth harder onto her protrusion and made her groan. After Joanna stumbled backward onto the cupboard, Paolo heard Devlin's voice again. Come follow me. The words were enough to pull Paolo away from what he was doing. Ascending from his knees, he looked around for Devlin. He too was naked and his massive heart made Paolo's breath hitch. Paolo wanted Devlin's as much as he wanted anything in his life. But still too afraid of touching a naked man, he placed his hands on Joanna's shoulders and jogged behind her as the three of them headed towards the master bedroom. Entering the room, Paolo knew exactly what to do. 
Ushering Joanna towards the head of the bed, he directed her onto her back and pulled apart her legs. Kneeling beneath her, he dropped down and pressed her button with his tongue. Scooping and twirling, Joanna had a fit. Pressed against her clit with his full force, he shook his head from side to side, driving her wild. Joanna moaned as if she could barely stand it. But when she dug her fingers into Paolo's sun-bleached hair, he was assured that he was doing everything exactly right. It was as Paolo brought Joanna to the heights of pleasure that he felt it. Leaned over with his ass in the air, he felt thick fingers touching him. For a moment, he froze. It was Devlin. Was Paolo about to let this happen? Feeling his own flinch, he decided that he would. He was going to allow himself to experience the one thing he had always run from. And he was going to experience it with the sexiest man alive. Paying his passion forward, Paolo devoured Joanna's even more completely. Devlin wasn't just brushing his ass anymore, he was cupping Paolo's ass cheeks with his large hands. Paolo found the sensation incredible. And when Devlin's thick fingers pressed against Paolo's tender asshole, Paolo thought that he might cry. Hi, this is the author. Yep, more steamy things are happening. And just as a reminder, if you'd like to get a version narrated by me with the steamy bit still in it, you can get it for free by clicking on a link in the description and signing up for a free trial. Please check it out. You might enjoy it. Devlin tossed him around like a ragdoll. And even though Paolo's hard was still anchored deep inside of Joanna, Paolo flopped around as if his body was made of jelly. Still unable to breathe, Paolo was sure that this time he was passing out. His submission to Devlin was complete. With his c*** in his ass, Devlin owned him. Paolo was willing to give Devlin anything he wanted, and the only thing Paolo asked for in exchange was the ability to breathe. Making that mental pact, his prayers were answered when Devlin's jackhammer fucking stopped, and he thrust deeply into Paolo's ass, spraying his insides like a fire hose. Paolo inhaled like he was coming up for air. He was lightheaded and euphoric. A warm wave of pleasure washed through him, and the current swept his consciousness away with it. He felt so much warmth and so much tenderness from the two that he gave in to the sensation and let go his mind. Paolo couldn't tell whether he was falling asleep or dying, but whatever it was, it fell upon him like a curtain. One moment he was bathing in the scent and sensations of his two lovers, and the next everything was black. He imagined that there was something that he should have been thinking at that moment, but for the life of him, he couldn't figure out what that was. All he could think about was how he could have deprived himself of this for so long. How could he have done that? And now that he had experienced it, how was he supposed to go back? When Paolo woke up the next morning he found Joanna cuddled into his arms, and Devlin's strong arms wrapped around the both of them. He could have laid there forever, if he hadn't needed to go to the bathroom. Knowing that his incredible night was officially over as soon as he got up, he laid with the others as long as he could. Eventually, he couldn't hold out any longer. As he got up, he woke Devlin. Relieving himself and returning to bed, he found Devlin gone. Still tired, Paolo didn't have the energy to go looking for him. Instead, Paolo got back into bed and wrapped his arms around Joanna. He hoped that Devlin would return soon. Devlin never did. It was an hour later when Joanna woke up, and it seemed senseless to pretend that their trio was still complete. Putting on a robe, Paolo headed to the galley expecting to find Devlin there. He wasn't. Circling back to the other cabins, Paolo poked his head into each of the rooms, wondering if his friend had gone in search of an empty bed. Not finding Devlin below deck, Paolo headed to the stairs and exited above.
The morning air was crisp. Hints of the sun were just peeking over the horizon, and standing behind the captain's wheel was Devlin. With only one of the two sails hoisted, Devlin was sailing them towards a private dock. Where are we going? Paolo asked as he approached Devlin. Without looking at him or pointing, he said, You see that place? Paolo looked out towards the bow of the sailboat. On the hill past the dock was a grand two-story estate. Yeah, what about it? I figured that we could stop there for a few days, Devlin told him. Paolo was confused. Were they visiting somebody? Was it someone that Devlin wanted them to meet? What's so special about this place? Paolo asked. What's special about it is that this is my place. I thought you all might want to stay for a bit. Paolo didn't respond. Instead, turning his attention towards the estate, he lost himself in the wonder of it. The closer they got, the bigger it seemed. And looking at it, Paolo realized just how much sense it made that he would live there. Did Paolo really think that a billionaire like Devlin wouldn't own a house somewhere? Of course he would. And this is the type of place that someone with his money would want. It made sense that he would live here when he wasn't on his sailboat. Although docked, Devlin didn't rush them up to the house. Not telling Joanna where they were, the threesome gathered in the galley to eat breakfast. Along with pancakes and bacon, Joanna made toast and poured a lot of Devlin's tamarind honey on it. She couldn't seem to get enough of the stuff. After only a few days, Devlin's jar was almost empty. After eating breakfast and getting dressed, Devlin broke the news to Joanna. A part of Paolo thought that she would be disappointed to leave the sailboat. It seemed like she was loving the sailing trip. She wasn't. In fact, she seemed even more excited by the idea of staying in Devlin's house. Paolo knew he didn't have a handle on her yet. Did she like Devlin more or did she like him more? And why was she always so evasive when anyone asked her about her life back in North Carolina? All of Paolo's questions faded into the background as the three excitedly made the walk up to Devlin's estate. It was even more impressive up close than it was from afar. It was big. Why one man would need so much space, Paolo didn't know. Paolo knew he was going to enjoy staying there, though. Paolo had grown up in a small two-bedroom, two-bath house with his parents and had only left for college. This place had to have at least six bedrooms. This may as well have been a castle. Paolo entered it wondering how his life had changed so suddenly. This is it. Would you like me to give you a tour? Devlin asked. Definitely, Joanna said excitedly. Devlin took the two room by room allowing them to get a full sense of the place. It actually had seven bedrooms and five baths, and that didn't include the live-in housekeeper's quarters. On top of that, there was a living room, a family room, a den, a study, and a mystery room that they kept passing but Devlin wanted to save until the end. Crisscrossing the entire house, Devlin led them back to the mysterious room when there was nowhere else to go. For whatever reason, Devlin's mood changed a little as they approached the door. He almost looked nervous. Why would he be nervous about showing them this room? And now finally here we are. I, um, was thinking of you when I created it, Devlin said looking at Paolo. Of me? Paolo asked confused. Devlin shook his head in confirmation. Paolo didn't understand what Devlin meant until he opened the door and looked within. It was a sort of enclosed patio. It overlooked the hillside and a beach. And inside the room were a few tables with canvases on them, as well as a selection of paints and an easel. This was a painter's paradise.
but why was it here? Did Devlin secretly paint? I figured that these things would make you feel at home. I am hoping that I was right, Devlin said vulnerably. Wait, I don't understand, Paolo said, trying to piece it all together. Joanna took Paolo's arm, drawing his attention. He created this room for you, she explained in a gentle tone. For me. But why? Both Paolo and Joanna turned to Devlin looking for an answer. So that if you ever visited, you might consider staying. Certainly, my place is big enough. Maybe you both can stay. Yes, definitely, Joanna replied immediately. Devlin smiled and then turned his attention to Paolo. And what about you? Paolo's mouth dropped open as he thought about it. Could he stay here long term? And what did it mean that Devlin had built this for him? Had this always been Devlin's plan? Was what they had done more than just sex? Paolo considered what he thought about that. What do you say? Would you want to live here? Paolo struggled for words. Can I think about it? Of course, Devlin replied. Why don't the two of you go look around while I check in with Ms. Mabel? She's the housekeeper. I told her that I might be stopping by, but I didn't tell her when. Okay, we'll take a look around, Paolo agreed. Devlin nodded. He was about to go when he turned back and said, Oh, and feel at home, he said with a tender smile. As Devlin exited, Paolo and Joanna remained to explore the room. Paolo found a cupboard with the largest selection of brushes that he had ever seen. It looked like Devlin had gone into an American art shop and said, I'll take one of everything. Paolo was overwhelmed and flattered, but for the life of him he couldn't understand why. This is amazing, isn't it? Joanna asked. Yeah, it's amazing. Why aren't you jumping up and down about it? If someone had just given me a room in their incredible home and had told me that they had created it to help me fill my one dream, I would be over the moon. Yeah, you're right. I don't know why I'm hesitating. I don't know why you're hesitating either. Isn't this like a dream come true? It definitely is. Then what? Don't you like Devlin? I think I like him a lot, Paolo admitted aloud for the first time. Don't you like me? Joanna asked sheepishly. Paolo took his cue and wrapped his arms around Joanna. I like you a lot too. Then what is it? It's just that I have this thing that if I get will change my life. You mentioned something about an artist residency. Is that what you're talking about? Yeah. It was in Paris, right? Yeah. I've never been. But isn't this like an artist residency? I mean, wouldn't you be living here free of charge? And wouldn't the purpose of being here be to paint? I guess. But I think the difference is that in Paris, other people will see my work. I don't want to be just some artist in the Bahamas. This is going to sound, I don't know, bad, I guess, but I want everyone to know my name. I'm tired of being a nobody. But isn't it enough to know that someone likes your work enough to do this for you? Did he do this because he liked my work? In all of the years that I've known him, he has never even complimented my work. Well, consider this his first compliment. Paolo walked around the room checking out the view. It was truly exquisite. Without a doubt, this had to be one of the most beautiful views on the planet. Why was he hesitating? There had to be some reason. When it hit him, it made him feel a little embarrassed. 
I know why I'm hesitating. Do you know what it feels like to come so close to getting what you want so many times just to have it taken away from you? Joanna didn't reply. I do. I've applied for residencies in southern Italy, Hong Kong, Switzerland, Brazil, and Miami. Each time they told me that they wanted me and got me excited. Every time they told me that all that was left was the paperwork. But all six times before the end they called me back saying that they had changed their minds. Joanna looked at Paolo confused. Did you ask why? Oh yeah. After the third time I definitely asked. And? They refused to say. Once the guy mentioned something about a benefactor but beyond that they didn't tell me shit. Do you know how that feels? It made me feel so fucking worthless. If I could just get one of them, just to prove to myself that I'm worth something, it would mean everything to me. Joanna looked at Paolo understandingly. You're right. You have to find out whether or not Paris is going to accept you. Yeah, I do. When will they be letting you know? Any day now. I've made it to the final round, and they usually call you either way when that happens. In fact, they might have already called. There could be a message waiting at home for me right now. And if you don't get it, what then? Then I guess I have all of this, he said holding up his arms. Joanna's face suddenly filled with hope. Then you should call. Call where? Call home. You said that there could be a message waiting for you right now, right? I mean, maybe. Then call. I'm sure that Devlin has a phone around here somewhere. He wouldn't mind if you called. Go do it. Pete flushed across Paolo's face thinking about it. It felt like his entire life was coming down to one moment. Will you come with me? Of course, Joanna said taking Paolo's hand. Together the two left the room. Following their path back they retreated into the study. On the desk at the far side of the room was a telephone. Approaching it slowly, Paolo took a deep breath and picked it up. Dialing the number, the phone rang. Hello, Paolo's father answered on the other end. Hey, Dad, it's me. Where the fuck have you been? I decided to take a trip with a couple of friends. That's not one of your faggot friends, is it? Paolo didn't want to get into this now. Too much had happened. Listen, Dad, I just called in to get my messages. Anyone call me? Yes, someone called. Someone from that French residency. Paolo felt a pain in his chest. And? They said something about wanting you to call them back because they want to offer you the program. Paolo's chest burned hearing the words. He couldn't believe it, he had gotten it. After so long, he had gotten it. Paris wasn't like all of the others. The call he was waiting for would be the final one. That had been it. It was final. He was going to Paris. Does this mean that you will finally be getting your ass out of my house? Paolo's father asked. Yeah. It does, Paolo said as the full meaning of it slowly sunk in. Chapter 5 Joanna Joanna watched Paolo's face trying to figure out what had happened. Was it good? Was it bad? Joanna couldn't tell. Watching him carefully as he hung up the phone, Joanna stood unexplainably nervous. As he turned around her heart raced. It was as she looked into his warm eyes that she realized that there was no way that she could win. 
Either he was going to leave them or he was going to be devastated. A wave of regret overcame her as she realized that she was the one who had encouraged him to call. Well, what happened? She asked knowing that there was no turning back now. Paolo was slow to speak. Looking into her eyes, he looked shocked and scared. I got it, he said slowly as if saying it aloud would magically make it go away. That's good, right? Joanna questioned. Yeah, that's good, Paolo said unconvinced. Well, congratulations, Joanna said with a little bit more enthusiasm. I am so happy for you, she told him as she approached and wrapped her arms around him. As Joanna hugged him, she was very aware that he was barely hugging her back. What was going on? Shouldn't he be happy? Was he sharing Joanna's regret? Joanna pulled away, forcing herself to give Paolo a smile. So when would the residency start? Right away, Paolo replied, explaining his hesitation. What do you mean? This program is designed to be open so that even those in France can take advantage of it. So as soon as you're accepted, you're allowed to start living in the facility. But you wouldn't leave right away, would you? Joanna asked, realizing the source of his dread. I think I have to. Why? Because of what happened all of the times before. I don't want to lose this one too. I don't think I could handle it if I did. You won't, Joanna asserted, comforting him. But how do you know? How could I have lost so many of them in the past? I feel like if I don't go now, they're going to change their mind and I'll lose it again. So what are you saying? Are you saying that you want to leave? I think I have to. I need to get back and make my arrangements. I have to collect my commission from my last sale, let the gallery know I am going, and I have to buy a ticket and pack. Joanna's face flushed as she listened to Paolo. A wave of heat washed through her body. After they had done so much to get Paolo engaged, he was about to leave. She was so stupid to ask him to call. Now he wanted to go, and Devlin was going to be furious. As good of a time as Joanna and Devlin had together, Joanna was always aware that Paolo was who Devlin truly wanted. Sure, Devlin enjoyed his time with her. But the look in Devlin's eyes when he spoke about Paolo, it told Joanna everything that she needed to know. Their act of piracy wasn't just the fulfillment of one of Devlin's fantasies. Devlin had suggested it to Joanna as a way to seduce Paolo. From everything Devlin knew about Paolo, Devlin had decided that engaging him in such an adventure was all they had to do to unleash his suppressed desires. Devlin had been right, and everyone had gotten what they truly wanted. Suddenly, that was all destroyed. How would Devlin react to this? Would he ask her to leave with Paolo? Whether she wanted to admit it or not, Devlin was her best option for staying in the country. She had only had two weeks to find a job and a place to live. That time was just about up. However, Devlin had offered her a place to live and to take care of her. Would he still be willing to do that if he found out that she was the one who had led to Paolo's departure? I have to tell Devlin, Paolo said, clearing his mind. We have to leave. I can't risk losing this again. Joanna felt her palm sweat. Are you sure that we have to leave right away? We could stay for a few days and just see what it's like. You said that you can go anytime. What's another day or two? We still haven't seen the island with the pigs. You wanted to check that out, right? I'm sorry I can't. I have to go. Joanna watched Paolo turn and exit the room.
She followed, feeling like her entire world was crumbling around her. What had she done? Why did she always ruin things? Devlin. Paolo yelled. Devlin, where are you? I am here, Devlin said, stepping inside from the yard as Paolo and Joanna descended the stairs. What's up? We have to go back, Paolo insisted. Back where? We have to head back to Nassau. Why? Joanna noticed Paolo's hesitation before he answered. I got. I got the artist residency in France. Devlin stared at Paolo blankly for a moment. Seconds passed before Devlin finally spread out his arms and walked towards Paolo. Congratulations. I'm so proud of you. You deserve it. Paolo looked as surprised as Joanna felt. This was not the reaction that either of them was expecting. When does it start? Devlin asked. As soon as I can get there. So you wanted to head back now? I was hoping. Devlin thought about it for a moment. You want us to sail back to Nassau this morning? I just don't want to lose this one too. No, I understand. However, I didn't just dock to show you to my house. I think the storm rattled a few things loose on the sailboat. I was planning on taking a few days to repair it. Paolo's expression dampened. But that doesn't mean that you can't go back. Ms. Mabel can take you. I have a speedboat that she uses when she has to make a grocery run to Nassau. I can ask her to take you. I wouldn't want to be a burden. You won't be. Ms. Mabel is very proficient with a speedboat, Devlin said with a smile. You'll be in good hands with her. I'll go talk to her. Meanwhile, you can go back to the sailboat and collect your stuff. It had been a while since Joanna had seen Paolo smile. He was now. I really appreciate you doing this for me, Paolo said genuinely. It's not a problem, Devlin reassured him. As Paolo hurried off, Joanna looked back at Devlin. She wouldn't have anticipated this response in a million years. As Devlin headed towards the back door, Joanna joined him. Examining his face for any signs of heartbreak, she didn't find any. Don't you care that he's going? Don't I care? Of course I care, Devlin said. Then why didn't you say anything? Do you really think that anything I said would have stopped him? Joanna thought about his question for a moment. Certainly he was right, but if Devlin truly cared about Paolo, wouldn't he have at least tried? So you're just gonna let him go? Sometimes you have to trust that everything will work itself out for the better, Devlin said, offering Joanna a forced smile. The two crossed the yard in silence. Approaching the guesthouse, Devlin knocked on the door. A sturdy, noble-looking woman opened it. Could you possibly give one of my friends a ride back to Nassau? Devlin asked the slightly older woman. Of course, Miss Mabel said. When do you want me to go? Could you have the boat ready in a half hour? Sure, whenever you like, she said in a sing-song accent. Good. You'll be ready to leave then. Joanna watched their exchange hardly able to believe the nonchalance of it all. His feelings for Paolo had seemed so clear. Why were they different now? Couldn't Devlin see that Paolo was leaving them? Was there any reason to believe that once Paolo got a taste of Paris, that he would want to come back? Hadn't Devlin thought about any of this? Feeling her heart hurt, Joanna suddenly realized just how much she cared about Paolo. They had only just met but she had fallen for him hard. 
Yes, she might still have Devlin, but she was beginning to realize that there was a part of her that needed them both. Was it simply greed or was it something else? Joanna didn't know, and at this point she didn't care. Joanna followed Devlin across the yard and back towards the dock. Re-entering the sailboat, they found Paolo taking a shower in the hallway bathroom. Joanna wondered if they should all climb in for one more go-around. But remembering the size of it, she decided not to embarrass herself by trying to squeeze in and then not fitting. Instead, she left Devlin in the living room while she settled herself with a little tamarind honey. The stuff was addictive. If there was a heaven, Joanna was sure that this was what the rivers were made of. She didn't even need toast as an excuse to eat it. She had no problem sticking her finger in and just letting the honey slowly drip into her mouth. When Paolo exited the hallway and entered the living space with his bag, it hit Joanna that he was really leaving. Watching him, her heart broke. She wanted desperately to ask him to stay, but she knew she couldn't. This had been his dream. Who was she to try and take that dream from him? If she cared about him, she was going to have to let him go. And surprisingly enough, she did care about him. Following the two men off of the sailboat, Joanna did her best to hide her tears. The men walked down the dock shoulder to shoulder. They were both so gorgeous, and for a brief time she had had them both. Stopping at the 14-foot speedboat anchored much closer to shore, the group waited in silence for Ms. Mabel. They spotted her descending the hill exactly on time. I can't believe you're leaving, Joanna said, fighting back her tears. I can't believe it either, Paolo replied. You know that if anything happens you can always come back and join us here, right? Devlin told him. I appreciate that, Paolo said genuinely. No, I mean that. If anything happens, you are more than welcome to come back here. Paolo was moved by Devlin's words. Throwing his arms around him, the two men embraced. Joanna's tears were flowing at this point. Waiting for the two men to release, she stepped forward and threw her arms around Paolo's toned body. She knew she had to stop crying, but she didn't know how. After a moment, Joanna let go. Moving over to Devlin, she threw her arms around him and buried her face in his muscular chest. She felt secure in his arms. She would need them because when she heard the boat engine start and then pull away, she just about lost it. By the time that Joanna had composed herself, the small speedboat was practically out of sight. What was it going to be like with Devlin without him? Was he going to lose interest in her? Would their relationship change? Joanna desperately hoped that it didn't, but how could it not? Hey, I want to show you something, Devlin said, trying to cheer her up. What's that? You'll see, Devlin said with a smile. Directly off of the dock, there was a small road. Instead of it being dirt-colored, it was the color of sand. Devlin called it limestone. He said that all of the Bahamian islands were made of it. And then he took Joanna's hand and walked her up the winding path. After ten minutes, the two stopped. Are we here? Joanna asked, hoping that they were. Their hike had been a great reminder that she wasn't the hiking type. But at the same time, where were they? The only thing around them was the continuing limestone road and an endless supply of trees. Yeah, we're here. Joanna looked around again. Am I supposed to see something? Devlin chuckled. You're seeing them. I wanted to show you a tamarind tree. I figured that you should see the source of your beloved tamarind honey. This lifted Joanna's spirits a little. Devlin was right, she would want to see this. 
Just the thought of the stuff brought a warm feeling to her heart. Anything more that she could learn about it, she wanted to know. Which one is it? Joanna asked frantically looking around. It's all of them, Devlin explained. Joanna stepped into the canopy of trees. For the most part, the lowest branches were taller than her head. But a few of them were low enough that she could see the leaves. They were small like the feathers on a bird's wing. And each of the groupings of small leaves made up the size of what would be a normal leaf. Are there any tamarinds I can try? She asked. It is a summer fruit. But I did do some collecting during the summer months, and I do have some. Okay, Joanna said excitedly. The two cut into the woods and made their way back towards Devlin's estate. On the way, they passed a number of beehives. They were scattered throughout a mile of tamarind trees. Joanna could only imagine the amount of honey that could be gotten from them. Joanna was tingling just thinking about it. The two approached a large cabin and Devlin pulled open the doors. Inside was like a dream come true. There seemed to be thousands of jars full of honey. And on the other side of the room from them were dozens of enclosed wooden barrels. Would you like to try a tamarind? Devlin asked with a smile. Yeah, Joanna said, practically buzzing. Devlin stepped forward and grabbed what looked like a giant corkscrew. Using it to remove the cork from one of the barrels, a tangy scent wafted through the room. It had a similar scent to the tamarind honey. Sticking his fingers in, Devlin grabbed something and pulled it out of the barrel. It dripped a brown fluid. Reaching out and offering it to Joanna, she was hesitant. Eventually taking it and smelling it, she became more confident. Flipping the dripping fruit into her mouth, Joanna felt like her brain was suddenly awake. It was an incredible mixture of sweet and sour. It was practically as yummy as the honey, although there was nothing that was that good. That's something they make on the island called tamarind sauce. It's good, isn't it? Oh my god, it is so good. Is that what's in all of the barrels? Yeah. I started barreling it when I discovered it a few years ago. Now I have all of this product, and I haven't decided what I'm going to do with it. I know that it will be worth its weight in gold. But the question is, who will pay the price of gold for it? Can I have another one? Joanna asked, unable to think about anything else. Help yourself. Joanna approached the barrel and looked inside. The bean-shaped fruit seemed to be floating in a brown syrup mixture. Sticking her fingers in, she retrieved another one. Popping it into her mouth, she wondered how she had lived her life without it. You can close it back up. If I don't stop eating them now, I don't think I ever will, she admitted with a smile. I hope you don't mind if I help myself to a few of those jars of honey, though. Be my guest. When the two left the small building, they headed back towards the house. Joanna and Devlin spent the rest of the day lounging around. Devlin showed her his garden and then took her for a walk along the beach. At lunchtime, they came back to the house and made lunch together. It was certainly different with the two of them alone, but it wasn't awkward. They were both falling into the swing of things, but Joanna kept wondering how it was that Devlin was dealing with Paolo's departure so easily. Not wanting to upset the mood, she didn't ask. It wasn't until nightfall that Ms. Mabel came back. Did you run into any problems? Devlin questioned. No, sir. Everything went fine, she said in a sing-song accent. That confirmed it for Joanna. Their trio was done. 
Ms. Mabel made them something for dinner, and after they ate and washed up, Joanna got ready for what she hoped would be a long night of play. Things didn't quite work out as Joanna was hoping, however. In bed, the two kissed for a long time, and Devlin seemed to be into it. He didn't seem to want to take it further than that, though. Joanna wondered if this was going to be how it was from now on. On one hand, he acted like he wanted her there, but on the other, he kept looking at the clock. Why was he doing that? It wasn't like either of them had anywhere they had to be. After a while, Joanna gave up on the night. Rolling over, Devlin wrapped his arms around her. It was nice lying in his strong embrace. She wondered if it would last. After an hour where she could have been mistaken for asleep, she felt Devlin release her and get out of bed. She knew that she shouldn't feel bad for him leaving. She had no idea why he might have. Maybe he had to go to the bathroom. Maybe he just couldn't sleep. But Joanna couldn't help it. She was beginning to feel insecure about their relationship. She had a gnawing impression that they wouldn't last long without Paolo there. Not sure how long it was, but sure that it was longer than a trip to the bathroom, Joanna decided that the two of them needed to talk about their new dynamic. She wanted to make this work out. They couldn't pretend that nothing had changed between them. She needed a few reassurances, and if things weren't going to work out, she needed to know that now. Getting out of bed, Joanna left the master bedroom and wandered the halls. It didn't take long to hear Devlin's voice in the quiet house. It was coming from the study. Joanna headed in that direction, and then stopped outside the door when she heard him say Paolo's name. I'm sure you can understand how this could be important to me, he said waiting for a reply from the person on the other end of the phone. Yes, I am prepared to be very generous if you can do this for me. Pause. Well, I certainly admire the fine work that your artist residency does with young artists. I could perhaps see my way to give you all a rather large donation. Pause. Oh, I don't know. I would imagine that the fine work that you all do would be worth a half-million-dollar donation. Still listening outside the door, Joanna almost choked on the number that Devlin mentioned so casually. Joanna didn't think that she would earn $500,000 in her lifetime, and here Devlin was offering it in a single phone call. The idea was staggering. Exactly, Devlin continued. And all I need you to do is cancel his residency. Pause. The reason is unimportant. Pause. I agree. He is a very talented artist. Pause. I also respect the path of an artist. I simply see his path unfolding in another way. Pause. I'm glad you understand, Devlin said with a smile in his voice. Okay then. I will have my accountant send you a check by the end of the week. Pause. Yes and think about how many artists you will be able to bring into your residency with that type of money. Pause. It was my pleasure. Have a good day now. Pause. Bye, Devlin said, ending the call. Joanna laid against the wall, stunned by what she had heard. Could she have been mistaken? Had Devlin just paid someone to cancel Paolo's French residency? She had to have misheard it, but she was sure that she hadn't. What was she going to do now? Should she head back to bed and pretend like she hadn't heard, or should she confront him about it? Did Devlin have any idea what this residency meant to Paolo? He couldn't have. Come in, Joanna, Devlin said from within the room. A prickly feeling crawled across Joanna's chest. She had been caught. 
What was Devlin going to do? He couldn't have wanted her to know about this. Why else would he have crawled out of bed in the middle of the night? At the same time, though, she wasn't about to pretend like she hadn't heard what he had just done. Joanna stepped from outside the door into the study. For the first time, she saw him in his element. He was leaning back in an expensive office chair with his feet on the large desk in front of him. He looked every bit the executive. And with a cold, stern look on his face, he looked every bit the pirate billionaire. I imagine you have a few questions for me. Devlin said unbothered. You're right. Feel free to ask them, he said gesturing towards the seat in front of his desk. Joanna slowly made her way across the room. Her mind was swirling with questions. There were so many things she wanted to know. When she finally opened her mouth, she wasn't sure which one would come out. Did you just pay someone to cancel Paolo's residency? She asked bluntly. I did, he said unapologetically. Why? I think you can figure out why. Joanna searched her mind. She wasn't sure that she could. Was it out of spite? Was it out of self-interest? Why would anyone do that to Paolo if they knew how much it meant to him? I don't think I know, but I'm not sure if I want to know. I want you to tell me that it wasn't for some selfish reason. Tell me that you did it for his own good, Joanna said, searching for an answer that would allow her to remain with him. Devlin stared at Joanna. Something she had said surprised him, though Joanna wasn't sure what it was. Whereas moments before he had looked so stern and confident, Joanna's request had shaken him. Devlin opened his mouth to speak but stopped. It took a moment for the sound to eventually come out. I told you I invest in people. Paolo has been one of my investments. But I don't understand. If he's one of your investments, wouldn't you want him to go to France? Devlin continued to stare at Joanna at a loss for words. After a moment, he swung his feet off of the desk and stood up. Come with me. I want to show you something. Without a word, Joanna fell into Devlin's wake. Together they stepped into the moonlit backyard and crossed the grass towards Ms. Mabel's cottage. Circling towards the back of it, Joanna spotted a door. Approaching it, Devlin unlocked it. The door opened, and it sounded like a seal was being broken. Stepping in, the room was cool. Joanna couldn't imagine how that was, considering how warm the night was. But the further she stepped into the room, the cooler it got. I keep this room at 60 degrees Fahrenheit. It is exactly the correct temperature for preserving art. Devlin, stepping in behind her, flipped the switch illuminating everything within. Joanna couldn't imagine what she would find once the lights were on, but she hadn't expected this. In front of all the walls were stacks of paintings. Each one had a similar style, and if Joanna wasn't mistaken, they were all Paolo's art. I have lined up his work in order of date. The ones on the left are his earliest work, and the ones on the right are his most recent. Joanna didn't have to be given permission to check them out. She had been moved by Paolo's art in the gallery. She wanted to know how he had evolved to become the great artist that he had. Retrieving the first painting, she held it up. It was good, though it lacked the brilliance of the pieces she had seen in the gallery. He painted that when he was sixteen. Sixteen. She spat shocked. Devlin smiled. Brilliant, wasn't it? I acquired it from a Bahamian collector for twice its original price. When I saw it, I just had to have it. 
not for what was painted on the canvas, but for the things it said about the young artist who had painted it. Looking at it, I knew that there was greatness in him. As a man who invested in people, I immediately knew who I would invest in next. Over the next few years, I acquired most of these. It wasn't everything he had painted, just the standouts. You can see his style shift over time. Knowing him as I do, I can even see various points in his life. Devlin moved to the third stack and pulled out a piece. This one he painted when his mother left his father. Joanna looked at the art mesmerized. The pain hidden behind the movement of colors was unmistakable. The light tones contrasted with the dark tones, and the movement of the stroke spoke of a man drowning in his emotions. Joanna wasn't an art expert, but even she could see that. This one he painted after he lost his third artist residency, Devlin said, showing Joanna another from the stack. And this one was when he broke up with a girl that he thought he was in love with. Joanna looked at the last one Devlin would show her. It spoke of melancholy. It looked like it should have been screaming pain, but it wasn't. The colors somehow came together to remind Joanna of a blooming flower. She couldn't imagine what any of the symbols meant, but she couldn't deny how amazing it was to look at. Handing the painting back to Devlin, Joanna looked at him confused. Why was he showing her this? Was this somehow supposed to explain why he had done what he had? If it was, she didn't see it. So, you cancelled his residency so that you could collect his art? No, Devlin said firmly. Don't you see? Artists aren't like the rest of us. Artistry is honed by fire. Pain is a true artist's muse. All of the great ones suffered. Picasso lived in a cave for a year to understand what deprivation felt like. Van Gogh cut off his ear. An unexplored life is the death of an artist. And I knew that Paolo needed someone to help him be great. So you cancelled his residency so he could feel pain. I cancelled all of his residency so he could feel pain, Devlin said unapologetically. Joanna looked at him, unsure of what to say. How could anyone do something like that to another human being? It hadn't taken Joanna very long to figure out what those losses had done to Paolo. They had destroyed him. Joanna saw so much desperation in his eyes as he spoke about it. What Devlin had done was the equivalent of brutally ripping the limbs off of a puppy. It had to be the cruelest thing that Joanna had ever heard of. So, you did this all so that you can sell his paintings for lots of money? No, Joanna. I did this so Paolo could be one of the greatest artists to ever live. Paolo is the next coming of Vincent van Gogh. He will be immortal. He is going to outlive us all. I have done nothing with my life in comparison to the things that he will do. And when they look in the history books, the only way anyone will see my name will be in connection with his. Paolo is the greatest artist of our lifetime. Everything I've done, I've done to help him succeed. Joanna didn't understand it. How could Devlin think that what he was doing was helping Paolo? There had to have been an artist that didn't spend their life suffering. What about them? Who is to say that he wouldn't have become one of those? And what makes you think that he even wants that? Maybe he just wants to be happy. Have you ever thought of that? If Paolo only wants to be happy, then I don't understand him at all. It is the dream of every artist to be remembered. And thanks to what I am doing, this world will never forget Paolo. Joanna looked around. Her head was spinning. How could Devlin think that he was doing the right thing? 
Was this how a billionaire thought? Like everyone else, Joanna often imagined what it would be like to be incredibly wealthy. Getting this glimpse into a billionaire's mind, she knew that it was too dark of a place for her. I can see that you're having a problem with this. How about you just trust me? I've told you I invest in people. I'll help Paolo get everything he's ever wanted in life. All you have to do is trust me. If you do, not only will he get what he wants, but you will as well. Joanna whipped her head facing Devlin. What was he talking about? How did he know what she wanted? You want to stay here with me, don't you? Devlin asked. Confronted, Joanna didn't know anymore. She didn't reply. You also want Paolo here with us, don't you? She did. That was something she couldn't deny. She wanted things to be the way they were before she knew any of this and Paolo had left them. Then all you need to do is let things progress as they will. Tomorrow we'll head back to Nassau. Together we'll visit Paolo at his house. We'll listen to him tell us the bad news, and then I'll remind him of the room that I set up for him overlooking one of the most beautiful views in the world. We will then come back and live happily ever after. In a few years, he'll feel like he wants to start showing his paintings to a larger audience. I have made a number of donations over the years, so that I will have the contacts to make it happen when his work is ready. At that time, his work will create a sensation. He will become one of the greatest artists ever, and we will all be happy together. By then all of this tonight will seem like a minor stumble on his path to greatness. But, Joanna began. Let's not discuss it anymore. Why don't you sleep on it and tell me what you think in the morning? I'm sure you'll see things differently then, Devlin said confidently. Joanna wasn't sure that she would, but she did agree. Wondering if she wanted to return to his bed or if she would want her own, they headed back towards the house. Inevitably, she ended up in the master bedroom with Devlin's strong arms wrapped around her. Joanna considered how it would feel to have his arms around her for the rest of her life. She then thought about how it would feel to have both of her guys with her again. She wasn't sure that Devlin was doing the right thing for Paolo, but she could certainly understand the benefits of him doing it. When Joanna woke up the next morning it turned out that Devlin had been right. She saw things differently. Paolo was an artist. Certainly she hadn't known any artists back in North Carolina, but what she saw in movies and on TV was that they all wanted to be remembered. No matter what Paolo was feeling now, Devlin was trying to help him be remembered. That had to account for something. How are you feeling this morning? Devlin asked as they both laid in bed staring at each other. What do you say? Should we go get Paolo? The thought of having the three of them together again made her smile. Yeah, let's go get him, Joanna agreed. Devlin got up and got into the shower. Joanna, who had watched him undress, dropped her clothes and joined him. Standing under the large flat showerhead, she tiptoed up to kiss him. He kissed her back and like that the magic had returned. Throwing her arms around his bare back, she pressed her breasts against his stomach. There was no part of him that wasn't taut and powerful. Slowly sliding her hands down towards his ass, she felt him flinch. It quickly led to what hadn't happened the night before. And with his slowly rising rubbing against her stomach, she became acutely aware of the water droplets rolling across the swelling flesh between her legs. Devlin clutched one of her breasts and massaged it. Joanna was ready to melt at the sensation. Needing to feel more of him, she pulled her body to his. 
and when their kissing became harder and more intense, she reached around and grabbed his It was hard and fully erect. Joanna's heart raced feeling his powerful instrument in her hand. It was so long and thick. She pulled it against her stomach telling him that she wanted him inside of her. He didn't need more of an indication than that. Hi, this is the author again. Yep, more steamy things are happening. And if you'd like to get a version of this book with the steamy bits in, narrated by me, you can get it for free by clicking on a link in the description and signing up for a free trial. I suggest you check it out. It's really, really fun. He pulled out of her and returned her to her feet. Joanna would have preferred to hold him forever, but she knew she couldn't. They had a plan today. After breakfast, they were headed back to Nassau to pick up the missing part of their trio. It might not be the way that Paolo would have chosen it, but he didn't have all the information. She and Devlin did. In spite of what Devlin told Paolo, the sailboat didn't need any repair. After a hearty eggs and bacon breakfast with tamarind honey toast, the two boarded the sailboat and headed out. It was a four-hour trip back to Nassau, and when they docked, it felt to Joanna like they had returned from another world. It was amazing how quickly she had gotten used to Devlin's lifestyle. And having had a taste, she was certain that she could never go back to her old world. Exiting the boat, the two cut through the restaurant, heading out to the parking lot. Joanna was surprised to learn that Devlin drove a Toyota. With a $2 million yacht and a multi-million dollar mansion, Joanna couldn't understand why. As they drove to Paolo's house, it started to make sense. Although his estate in Exuma was exquisite, it wasn't ostentatious. A Mercedes or BMW on this island would have made him stand out as an outsider. The car he drove made him seem like everyone else. That was the type of guy that Devlin was. He was incredible and rich and good-looking, but he was also a real person. As Devlin's car snaked through the narrow Nassau roads, Joanna's head whipped from left to right. They were headed in the opposite direction than where Paolo had taken her the first day they had met. This was clearly the residential side of the island, and it was unlike anything Joanna had seen. There was so much green that it almost felt like the houses were dropped in the middle of the woods. The houses themselves were also unique. So many of them were two-story. And just like all of the other buildings on the island, they were a multitude of colors. Some of them even had extended driveways like estates in the southern United States. Everything was so different and it seemed that no matter how far they drove, everywhere was just a five-minute drive from a view of the turquoise-colored beach. After a few minutes of driving, Devlin left the eastern road and entered a tree-lined neighborhood street. After another left and another right, their car pulled to a stop. They were parked in front of an empty lot, but across the street was what looked like a duplex. Although it looked clean and well-maintained, it was definitely humble. It was easy for Joanna to picture Paolo growing up here. Is that where he lives? Joanna asked knowing the answer. I'm pretty sure, Devlin told her. You don't know. I've never been inside. But this is where I've been told. The two looked for a moment more. Do we just go up and knock on the door? Joanna asked. Why not? And why do we say that we're here? Whatever you'd like. We could say that we came to see him off. Then when he tells us about the loss of his residency, we can invite him to come back. Joanna thought about that. Although things seemed so clear when she woke up this morning, they were becoming a little hazy again. 
Had Devlin done the right thing in canceling Paolo's opportunity? Would Paolo ever see it that way? Joanna resolved to push all of it out of her mind, deciding that Devlin knew more than she did. He had made himself rich by investing in others. Who was she to question this process? Him building the room for Paolo on his estate showed that Devlin was looking out for him. She just had to trust him. Devlin was going to make sure that everything worked out for Paolo in the end. Shall we go? Devlin asked, glancing at Joanna. Let's do it. The two exited the car and gathered to hold hands before crossing the street. Joanna's heart was racing. She wasn't sure why, but her doubts increased the closer they got to the front door. Breathing hard, Joanna wrapped her arms around Devlin's. She needed his support. Things were beginning to seem wrong somehow. She needed his strength to go through with it. She needed him to say one more time that in the end, everything he had done was to help Paolo achieve his dreams. Devlin's reassurance never came. With him knocking on the door, it was too late for anything else. Joanna's heart was beating a mile a minute. She was beginning to shake. Why was she so nervous? When the door opened, she realized why. Standing in front of them was Paolo. As beautiful as he was, he looked awful. His eyes were red and his face was puffy from crying. As strong and good-looking as he was just the day before, his shoulders were now slumped and his spirit broken like he had gotten his soul ripped out of him. Paolo. What happened? Devlin asked with a level of surprise that disturbed Joanna. Devlin was too good at lying. How could he be this good? Paolo didn't respond to Devlin's question. It was like he was clamping his lips as not to collapse into tears again. Are you okay? Devlin said, reaching out his arm and touching Paolo's shoulder. Who is it? An older voice screamed from another room. Paolo yelled back. It's no one. It's just a couple of my friends. Paolo suddenly found his voice and confronted the pair. What are you guys doing here? Joanna, racked with guilt, spoke up. We came by to see you off. Did something happen? She asked through the wrenching in her chest. Yeah, something happened. I quit painting. Joanna hadn't expected this response. What do you mean you quit painting? I mean I quit. I burned everything. It was all just a bunch of bullshit anyway. I was just fooling myself if I thought that anyone would ever care about my work. Joanna turned white in terror. But what about the residency? She asked spiraling down into regret. They did what all of the other ones did. They told me my work was shit and they had just invited me as a joke. Joanna looked at Devlin guiltily. Did they really say that? Of course they didn't, Devlin responded. If they, for some reason, changed their mind about inviting Paolo, I'm sure they wouldn't have said anything like that. Paolo is a brilliant artist and they knew it. It had to be about something else like running out of funds or a last-minute scheduling issue. Paolo's eyes flicked up towards Devlin. What Devlin had said had sounded familiar. Joanna turned to Paolo for confirmation. Is that really what they said? Yeah. Devlin's right. That's what they told me, but I know the truth. My work is just bullshit. Nobody cares. Nobody wants my shit. I'm not gonna pretend anymore. I'm giving all this bullshit up. Joanna stared at Paolo, feeling panic. She had never imagined this response. 
She had thought that he would be disappointed, but this was beyond mere disappointment. Paolo had been shattered. He wasn't just questioning his career, he seemed to be questioning his reason for living. She couldn't let this go on. She had to tell him that he hadn't lost it because of his work, he had lost it because Devlin had taken it from him. Perhaps you need some time away, Devlin suggested. We could sail down to Jamaica. There are a lot of ways of finding yourself down there. After that, we could head up to my estate. If inspiration strikes, don't forget that you have your space in the house, Devlin suggested. I appreciate the offer, but I can't. I can't do this anymore. My dad had been right about me all along. I need to get my head out of the clouds. It's time for me to grow up. Now I appreciate you coming by, but I have to go. Joanna stared at Paolo, feeling like her world was coming apart. She couldn't believe that she had played a part in destroying another human being's life. Why had she agreed to it? Why was she letting it happen? Okay, take your time, Devlin said as if such things were commonplace in his world. Let's go, Joanna. Devlin took a firm grip on Joanna's arm and directed her towards the car. Stunned at what had just happened, Joanna followed his lead. But the closer she got to the car, the more surreal everything felt. Was this seriously the way that Devlin was going to leave things? Could he really be that cruel? Could she? It didn't take long for the two to exit the yard and cross the street. In her zombie state, Joanna was about to enter the car. What am I doing? Joanna mumbled to herself. I can't let this happen. With Devlin about to get in, Joanna ran back across the street towards Paolo's closed door. She knocked frantically. Joanna. What are you doing? Devlin yelled from the other side of the car. Before Joanna had time to answer, Paolo opened the door. He looked confused to see her, but that didn't stop Joanna. The residency program didn't change their mind because of your work. They thought you were brilliant. Everybody thinks you're brilliant. If that's true, then why would they change their mind? Because Devlin paid them $500,000 to cancel your trip. Paolo looked at Joanna confused. $500,000. Why would Devlin do that? Because he has some big plans for you. He says that he's going to make you one of the greatest artists in the world. He's been collecting your art. Wait, Paolo said, trying to clear his head. You said that he paid them a half million dollars to cancel my trip. Yeah, but he's doing it for reason. Paolo looked past Joanna at Devlin who had stayed where he was on the opposite side of his car. Even from where he stood it looked like Devlin was conceding it was true. How many times has he done this? Joanna hesitated. I think he was the one who cancelled them all. Paolo stumbled back as if he had been punched in the face. He couldn't believe what he was hearing. None of this made any sense but at the same time it made perfect sense. The odds that seven residency programs would call to cancel at the last minute were astronomical. And he was sure that he had told Devlin each time that he got one. He had told everybody. Paolo's face went white as he realized what had happened. Did you know he was going to do this? Paolo questioned Joanna. I didn't know. I just heard him talking to someone on the phone. He told me afterward. But you have to understand, he did it for your own good. For my own good? Paolo asked disgustedly. Yeah. Ask him. He's right there. Ask him. 
Paolo looked at Devlin again. This time Devlin's head was lowered. Paolo knew that what Joanna was telling him was true. Devlin had been the one to cancel all of his residencies. Devlin had been the one who had destroyed his life. I want you to go, Paolo said to Joanna. But he did it to help you. Please let him explain, Joanna begged. I'm not going to give him another chance to lie to me. He's already ruined my life. What else do you want him to do to me? Paolo asked with growing venom in his voice. But. Go. I'm not going to tell you again, Joanna. I want you to go. And don't come back. Joanna stared at Paolo, unsure of what had just happened. He looked furious. And before she could get another word out, he slammed the door. What had she done? Turning around, she again crossed the yard and the street to the car. What was Devlin going to do about it? He had to be upset, but she didn't understand how he could let Paolo think that he was no good. Devlin had admitted to how brilliant of an artist Paolo was. How could he allow him to think that he wasn't? Joanna looked up at Devlin as she reached for the car door. He didn't stop her. That was a good sign. Getting in, Devlin followed her. And with both of them strapped in, Devlin started the car and snaked his way back onto the main street. I had to tell him, Joanna finally said. Devlin didn't respond. He didn't say anything, nor did he look at her. It was clear that he was boiling inside. Joanna wasn't much for crying, but this brought tears to her eyes. She didn't know if it was the tension or the drama of what had just happened, but she couldn't contain it anymore. Everything, and not just this trip, had become too much for her. With tears streaming down her cheeks, Joanna let loose and sobbed. Not even this moved Devlin. The driver kept his eyes locked on the view ahead and gripped the steering wheel as if choking a snake. They were back to the restaurant's parking lot within minutes. Before Joanna got a chance to undo her seatbelt, Devlin broke the silence. I want you to get your stuff and I want you to go, Devlin said with a forced calmness. Joanna, who had managed to contain her tears, lost her battle upon hearing that. There was a part of her that was expecting this. Devlin had been secretly manipulating Paolo's life for years. She had just ruined it all. But how could he not see what his plan was doing to Paolo? Did none of that mean anything to him? Was Paolo just another pawn in Devlin's world? Go. Devlin commanded. Startled, Joanna hurried out of the car and ran towards the yacht. Ascending the stairs, she descended into the living space and headed towards her room. Jamming her stuff into her bag, she quickly zipped it and headed out. She was about to ascend the stairs when she realized it could be the final time she stepped onto the sailboat. Considering that, she remembered a promise Devlin had made. Returning to the galley, she searched the cabinets for jars of tamarind honey and then stuffed the two she found into her bag. When she saw Devlin at the top of the stairs, Joanna again collected her bag and continued her exit. Passing him without looking, she rounded the deck, found the stairs, and exited onto the dock. Joanna wondered if he would make it official by raising the stairs. He didn't. Devlin simply watched her go, and then disappeared into the hull of his luxurious sailboat. Leaving the dock, Joanna didn't know where to go. Everything had fallen apart. Paolo was mad at her. Devlin was mad at her. She was even mad at herself. Why couldn't she have just kept her mouth shut? She asked herself. But she knew why. 
she couldn't let Paolo continue to believe that everything that happened was somehow his fault. And the fact that Devlin could, told her that Devlin wasn't someone she wanted to be with. After wandering aimlessly for a few minutes, Joanna knew where she needed to go. She was sure that the yoga center would take her back. Her luggage was still there, and didn't they have some sort of moral obligation to find a room for her if they could? She wasn't sure if she was thinking of yogis or Catholics, but either way, she was going to try. I'm sorry, it's the busy season. We don't even have any rooms you can double up on, the woman behind the desk explained to Joanna. Joanna felt her tears returning. She was about to collapse into a blubbering ball on the floor when someone familiar entered the small office. Hey, what's going on? I saw you come back, Martina said to her. Joanna looked at her and did her best to speak. She couldn't, and it was her silence that told Martina everything she needed to know. Are you looking for a room? Martina asked her. Joanna shook her head. The center can get pretty busy this time of year. But if you just need a place to stay for the night, I have a floor you can sleep on. Would you want that? Joanna shook her head, yes. Then come with me. Martina led Joanna back to her room. It was a single that wasn't very big. I can borrow a few yoga mats for you to sleep on. I can get it after satsang tonight. I'd appreciate that, Joanna said. Martina was slow to bring it up but eventually asked, How did things go with Paolo? Joanna looked at Martina, not sure what to say. Could she blame Paolo for what had happened? In some roundabout, twisted way, Joanna figured that Paolo was to blame. But there were a number of people who deserved responsibility before he did. She was chief among them. If she had just stayed in bed the night she overheard Devlin, or if she had kept her mouth shut when they went to visit Paolo, she might have had everything she had ever dreamed of. Instead, here she was getting ready to sleep on someone's floor. What happened wasn't Paolo's fault. It was mine. Paolo is a really good guy. But it turns out that not everyone is. That was enough to satisfy Martina. Would you like to come to Satsang? Martina asked. Joanna agreed, not because she had any interest in it, but because she needed to try and get her mind off of things. It turned out that an hour of chanting helped. Her plane ticket was scheduled for the next day, and she had to make a choice. Either she was going to stay on the island with nowhere to live and no way of returning back to America if things failed, or she was going to use the ticket to go back home. The choice seemed clear. This was going to be the last night that she spent in the Bahamas. After an uncomfortable night's sleep, Joanna collected her luggage from storage and took the shuttle back to the airport. Her flight wasn't until later, but she decided she didn't need to be there anymore. If she was going to go, she may as well go now. And as she waited for her flight to begin check-in, she pulled out her phone and entered her sister's number. Her chest ached as she considered what would follow if she made the call. Chapter 6 Paolo After Paolo shut the door on Joanna, he leaned against it, unable to believe what he had heard. How could any of it be true? He always questioned Devlin's motives, but how could anyone be so evil? Was it that he hated him? Was that why he had fucked him? Paolo nearly fell to his knees when he remembered what he had let Devlin do to him. Devlin had taken away his virginity. Paolo had even begun to feel something for Devlin. After Paolo had left the island, he had craved Devlin's touch. 
Yet, now he learned that Devlin was the author of everything bad that had happened in his life. As Paolo's father entered the living room, Paolo remembered that Devlin wasn't the author of everything bad that happened to his life. Was that one of your faggot friends? His father asked him. If it were any other day, Paolo could have walked away and ignored it. Why do you have to say things like that? Paolo said angrily. Like what? I'll say anything I goddamn please. Yeah, but you don't have to be an asshole all the time. I pay for the roof over your fucking head and give you somewhere to live while you make your finger paintings and you're gonna talk to me like that. Boy, if you weren't leaving here tomorrow, I would kick your ass right the fuck out. You hear me? Fuck you, Paolo said before finally retreating to his room. So you think you man now? You must think you man the way you talking like that to me. Bring your ass out here and I'll beat you down like a man. You hear me? You hear me, boy. Paolo threw himself onto his bed and buried his face in his pillow. What the hell was he going to do? He had told his father that he was leaving, and now he didn't have the guts to tell him that like all of the other times. The opportunity had fallen through. Paolo laid in bed wondering if everything would be easier if he died. There would be no more struggle and no more betrayal. More than anything, he would no longer have to deal with his father. Paolo's relationship with his father had always been a rocky one. Paolo would have given anything to have a normal dad. The drinking, the verbal abuse, certainly Paolo had gotten used to it. But why had he continued to be forced to live in his father's house? If he had been allowed to go to any of his residencies, it might have been possible for him to leave the country and never come back. Each time he had gotten accepted, that had been his plan. But apparently, thanks to Devlin, it never happened. Now here he was devastated and humiliated with no place to live, and all of his art supplies burned to ash on a dirt pile in the backyard. Paolo didn't leave his room that night. He could smell that his father made dinner like he always had, but Paolo wasn't about to eat it. His father had made clear his feelings about him for the final time. He was going to go through with his trip tomorrow, even if he didn't have any money or a residency to go to. The next morning, Paolo got up, packed his suitcase, and called a taxi to pick him up. As he waited in the living room for his taxi to arrive, his father walked out of his bedroom. Paolo could feel his father staring at him, but he didn't turn around. His father had said enough to him. He didn't need to see him again. His father obliged Paolo's decision by not speaking to him. And when the taxi honked its horn in the street outside, Paolo took his suitcase and walked out without a word. To the airport, please. As Paolo pulled away from his childhood home, everything suddenly got very real. He had $400 in his pocket. That was all he had to start a new life in Paris. He didn't even speak the language. How was any of this going to work? As Paolo exited the city and entered the long stretch to the other end of the island, he began to have second thoughts. Should he do this? Could he do this? Was it possible for him to leave everything he knew to be homeless and penniless in a foreign country where he didn't speak the language? The closer Paolo got to the airport, the more he began to panic. He was making a mistake. He had to stop this. There was no way he could go through with it. If he went, he was going to die. There was no question about it. Either the city would kill him or he would take things into his own hands. No, he had to go back. Pull over, please, Paolo said suddenly. 
The driver looked into the rearview mirror, confused. Where here? Yeah, anywhere. The driver looked around trying to figure out what was going on. There weren't even any houses around. His passenger couldn't have meant here. Do you mean up at Traveler's Rest? The driver asked. Yeah. Drop me off there, Paolo relented referring to the native food restaurants that Paolo had visited often as a kid. Paolo got out of the car and paid the taxi driver. He was down to $380. What was he thinking when he left the house this morning? He could have smoothed things over with his father if he had tried. He always did. But how could he go back now? His father thought that he was gone. How would he explain being back? The thought of his dad telling him about his faggoty friends and choice of profession again wrenched his insides. I'll take a calic, Paolo said ordering a Bahamian beer. It wasn't long before one beer turned into three and four. Relaxing enough to shoot the shit with the local barflies, he eventually ordered something to eat and a few more beers. It took the entire day to do it, but eventually Paolo was down to $300 to his name. It was at that point that Paolo decided that he was going home. Sure, his father was going to make him feel like shit. But he was right to do it. Paolo had made so many mistakes in his life that he decided that he deserved everything he got. His father wasn't abusing him when he told him about his ass. He was waking him up to the realities of the world. He was never going to be a great artist or go anywhere cool. This was all his life was ever going to be. He had to get used to it. And understanding that, he called another taxi and headed home. Riding in the taxi, Paolo realized just how drunk he was. He decided it was a good thing. Whatever his father would say would hurt less. When the taxi stopped in front of his house, he paid the man and collected his luggage. Carrying his bag, his mind floated as he withdrew his key and opened the door. There was scrambling inside. Paolo, who was standing in the doorway with a suitcase, stared into the living room, trying to understand what he saw. Laying on the couch were two men. They were both naked, and the man he recognized had an erection. Dad, Paolo said, as his father fought to cover his naked body. What the fuck are you doing here? His father asked him in panic. Paolo didn't need to see anymore. He knew what this was. His father, the man who had been homophobic his entire life, was fucking a man on the living room couch. Suddenly it all made sense. Before his mother had left, she had called his father a liar. It was after that that his bigotry became worse. The entire time, the bigotry had been his father overcompensating for something that he couldn't accept about himself. That was the reason for all of the drinking and for why he hated his son so much. His father hated and abused him because he believed that Paolo was living the life that he was too afraid to. Get the fuck out, his father yelled at him frantically. Get the fuck out of here and never come back. As drunk as Paolo was, he understood how much everything had just changed. Slowly, Paolo left the doorway heading towards his room. No longer listening to what his father said, he put down his bags and retrieved his car keys. Then leaving the apartment knowing that he would be coming back, he got into his van and started it up. As drunk as he was, Paolo managed to stay in his lane and on the street. He knew where he was going. There was a club downtown that was popular with all of the cruise ship employees when they ended work. This was the one place on the island where everyone could be who they were. Finding a parking spot for his van, that was where he headed. 
and stepping into the second floor disco, he found the first guy who looked like he could be into other men and danced with him. The man Paolo chose was dark-skinned and beautiful. His masculine jaw and toned build were everything Paolo had ever wanted. The two danced together for only a minute before Paolo leaned in and kissed him. The man didn't stop him. With their tongues swirling and pulling on each other's, Paolo felt his grow hard. Do you have somewhere we can go? The dark-skinned man asked Paolo. No, do you? I think I know somewhere, the man said before leading Paolo out. Paolo exited the club and headed to the road that lined the docks. As he passed it, he recognized the boat that took the new arrivals to the yoga center. That made him think of Joanna. But pushing her out of his mind, he caught up to the guy and casually grabbed his ass. As drunk as he was, Paolo knew that that was the extent of what he could do in public. Paolo knew how dangerous it was to show affection for another guy in the Bahamas. Kissing another guy in public could get him killed. But after everything that happened, Paolo didn't care anymore. And about to get something that he had denied himself for so long, he didn't care about the consequences. The man led Paolo to the British Colonial Hotel. It was a landmark on the island. With it being over 120 years old, its walls must have seen a lot of stuff. So when the man led Paolo into the hotel's lobby bathroom and locked the door behind them, Paolo didn't think that the old building would mind being a part of what they were about to do. Alone with the stranger, Paolo threw himself at the man locking him into a kiss. Both men held the back of each other's head. Their firm lips pressed on one another's, and their tongues fell into synchronicity like they had known each other forever. Feeling his again spring hard, Paolo didn't waste time pulling off the man's shirt. Grabbing for his he felt it underneath the man's jeans. It was as hard as Paolo's was. He couldn't wait to pull it out. And when Paolo unbuckled the man's pants and pulled down his zipper, Paolo fell to his knees taking the man's thick in his hands. Paolo savored the moment. Although Devlin had fucked him, he had yet to hold someone else's in his hands. His breath quivered with pleasure. He felt so powerful and aroused. As the stranger's thick pulsed, Paolo held it wanting it more. And when he had drunk enough with his eyes, he kissed it and slowly opened his mouth allowing it to slide in. His own flinched as he did it. He wanted to do it correctly. Remembering what his girlfriends had done, he moved his free hand to the man's balls and gently massaged them. The double sensation made the man groan and reach back for the wall. Paolo's heart was pounding with pleasure. He could barely contain himself thinking about what he was doing. When the stranger couldn't take any more without exploding, he yanked Paolo up onto his feet. Unbuttoning Paolo's pants, they dropped to his ankles. Grabbing a hold of Paolo's he spun Paolo, forcing him to press his palms against the wall. Face the other way. Hi, this is the author. Yep, more steamy things are happening. And just as a reminder, if you'd like to get a version narrated by me with the steamy bit still in it, you can get it for free by clicking on a link in the description and signing up for a free trial. Please check it out. You might enjoy it. The stranger slammed his hips against Paolo continuously. He fucked him far longer than Paolo's orgasmic afterglow lasted. Still being fucked, Paolo began to think about Devlin. He remembered falling asleep in Devlin's arms. Devlin had held him like he cared about him. The memory was like a long-lost fantasy compared to the way the stranger was fucking him now. When the man behind him came and then slumped onto Paolo's back, Paolo next thought about Joanna. He had liked her so much. 
Paolo truly believed that if he hadn't introduced her to Devlin, their life together would have been perfect. Why had everything gone so wrong? Was there anything he could do to make everything right again? He didn't know. But bent over in a hotel bathroom with a stranger's c*** in his ass, he wondered whether he should find out. Chapter 7 Joanna Joanna sat at the Charleston, North Carolina airport waiting for her sister to arrive. She didn't know what to expect. Molly was certain to be furious at her. She had a right to be. Joanna had told her that she would come to Charleston to help her take care of their mother, and then she had just disappeared. Joanna wasn't under any illusion about why she hadn't followed through with her promise to Molly. It was because it had all gotten to be too much for her. Their mother was sick. The doctor had just recommended that she be put into hospice care. Joanna was facing the end of her mother's life. Joanna couldn't deal with it all. She wasn't ready for her mother to go. So instead of quitting her job and moving in with her sister as planned, Joanna had packed everything up and had gone to a yoga center on Paradise Island. There, she was able to escape reality for a few weeks. And if she could have, she would have escaped reality forever. That wasn't meant to be, though. Things had gone terribly wrong between Paolo Devlin and herself. She wasn't sure how it had come apart so quickly, but it had. And in doing so, it had forced Joanna to face her family's reality. Sitting on the concrete bench with her luggage beside her, Joanna watched the cars go by. She dreaded her sister's reaction. As much as he knew she deserved it, she wasn't sure how much of it she would be able to take. Yes, she had done something very wrong. But Molly had to see that it came out of the love that she had for her mother. She couldn't stand to see her mother leave them. Molly had to understand that. Molly had to see things from Joanna's perspective. When Joanna saw her sister's dark green Toyota pull up to the sidewalk in front of her, she felt her heart sink. This was it. Her perfect older sister was going to lay into her and tell her just how much of a screw-up she was. Perhaps she deserved it. Perhaps she deserved that and a whole lot more. It took a moment for the driver's side door to swing open. Out popped Molly. Slamming the door shut behind her, she rounded the hood of the car and made a beeline for Joanna. With her sister charging forward, Joanna wondered if she was about to get hit. Her sister had done that a couple of times growing up, and Joanna didn't put it past her now. But as Molly approached her and Joanna leaned back, Molly threw her arms around her sister and held her as tightly as she could. Where have you been? I have been worried sick about you. Molly said as her voice trembled. Joanna hadn't considered this outcome. The two of them had often had a contentious relationship. Joanna wanted to believe that that was part of the reason that she didn't immediately come. But what she was experiencing now was the unquestionable love that her sister had for her. Joanna was sure that this wouldn't last. But for right now, boy, did it feel good. I'm sorry, Joanna said. It was just all too much for me. I couldn't do it. I had to get away. Molly pulled away holding her sister's thick shoulders. Don't you think it was hard for me too? We both love her, you know. And she needs to see you. She has been asking about you every day. It was then that Joanna felt the full weight of her guilt. Her sister was right. How could she have been so selfish as to disappear when she did? It wasn't just that Molly needed her, her mother did as well. Why had she done such a thing?
Maybe she was a horrible person that didn't deserve love. Maybe it would have been better if she stayed in the Bahamas as not to hurt anyone else. Well, you're here now. That's the important thing. The doctors say that mom doesn't have much time left. You should go to see her tonight. Every moment that we have left with her is precious. Yes, take me to see her. I don't want to put this off any longer. Molly helped Joanna stuff her suitcases into the small car. Is this all your stuff? I know you ended your lease. Is this all that you brought? Strapping herself in and preparing to pull away, Joanna replied. The rest of my stuff is in storage. I figured that I'd decide what to do with it later. Molly quickly glanced over at her. I thought you said that you would be moving here. I did. I'm just not sure what I should be doing. I don't want to put you out. I just feel that my life is so up in the air right now. Well, we'll deal with that later. Right now the most important thing is that you're here and that mom will get a chance to see you. Joanna looked over at Molly, stunned by how reasonable she was being. Her sister didn't need to be this nice. If Molly had chosen to be awful about everything, what could Joanna do about it? It wasn't like she had anywhere else to go. She was as trapped there as she was any prison. It moved Joanna to no end that her big sister was being so compassionate. Was this what watching their mother slip away had done to her? As the dark green car pulled into the hospice care's parking lot, Joanna was suddenly filled with terror. This was the very moment that she had run from. She couldn't imagine anything scarier than this. Her mother was her strength. She was her rock. And now here she was dying of cancer. I don't know if I can do this, Joanna admitted. You can do this and you will do this, Molly said, not giving Joanna a choice. For whatever reason, Molly's words had done it. She was going to do it. She owed it to her sister. And more than that, she owed it to her mother. Rounding the car, she stood shoulder to shoulder with her petite sibling and wrapped her arm around hers. With Molly's strength, she entered through the automatic doors. Veering left, Molly led Joanna to the receptionist's desk. Hey Molly, what are you doing here? Visiting hours are over. I know. But my sister just arrived and I wanted mom to see her as soon as she could. Molly, you know this is against the rules. I know, but what if this is mom's last night? I want her to know that Joanna came to see her. You can understand that, can't you, Kathy? The distinctly Midwestern woman looked Joanna up and down. Joanna wasn't sure what was going on. She almost felt like she was having an out-of-body experience. But knowing that this was important, she gathered herself and then stepped forward to make her own plea. I just arrived back into the country like minutes ago. I should have been here a long time ago, but I'm here now. If there is any chance that I can see my mother tonight. The reality of the situation suddenly hit her. She had been gone for two weeks while her mother was in hospice care. This could really be her mother's last night on earth. If there is any way that I can see her tonight, Joanna said starting to cry, I would very much appreciate it. I know you don't have to and I know it might be against the rules, but it would mean so much to me if you did. Kathy's heart broke listening to Joanna's plea. You can't stay too long. Do you understand? If anyone finds out that I let you do this, I could get into big trouble. The gratitude that Joanna felt nearly overwhelmed her. Thank you. Thank you so much. 
she said as Molly pulled her away. Snaking down the long corridor, Joanna's eyes jumped from door to door wondering which was her mother's. She again felt like she was out of her body. It was all surreal. It felt like no time had passed from when she left the registration desk to when they were standing in front of her mother's door. Doing her best to ignore her desire to again flee, she wondered what state she would find her mother in. Molly pushed open the door and entered. Shaking, Joanna entered behind her. Scanning the room, Joanna found what she was looking for. A few feet away was a bed. In it was the woman she had spent her life looking up to. It took everything inside of Joanna to hold it together seeing her. She did, though. For that, Joanna was proud. Mom? Molly said, standing next to the bed. Are you awake, Mom? Joanna watched as her mother turned her now gaunt face. Someone came to see you, Mom, Molly said with a smile. Joanna took it as her cue to step forward. She wasn't sure if her mother would be angry. She wasn't. The smile that crept across her mother's face was reminiscent of all the good times they had had as a child. And even though it might have been hard for her, her mother lifted up her arms inviting Joanna into them. Joanna stepped forward and hugged her frail mother, profoundly glad that she had chosen to come back. My little girl has come back. My little girl has come back, her mother kept saying. I'm sorry, Mom. I'm sorry for staying away for so long. I should have been here. There's no excuse that I wasn't. Don't beat yourself up. There is nothing we can do about the past. All we can do is live in the present and you are here now, her mother said with a smile. Joanna looked at her mother suddenly unsure of what to say. Was she supposed to ask how she was doing? She was in hospice care. It was obvious how she was doing. Was she supposed to ask who else had come to visit her? Considering she had just arrived, Joanna didn't feel like she had the right to ask that. So where did you go? Her mother asked her. I'm sure it was on some great adventure. Her mother was right. Her time in the Bahamas had been a great adventure. But how did she know that that was where she had gone? It was, Joanna said with a smile. I went to the Bahamas, and I met this incredible artist and this billionaire, and we sailed around the Bahamas on his yacht. We even sailed under the pirate flag and pirated the alcohol from another sailboat. Oh my goodness, that sounds incredible, her mother said joyfully. It was. And let me tell you, Mom, those two guys were so good-looking. I bet they were, her mother said with a smile. As Joanna giggled enjoying her time with the mother, she heard Molly snicker. She looked back at her sister's disbelieving face. It's true. I was sailing around the Bahamas on a yacht. Okay, Molly said in a disbelieving tone. Joanna turned back to her mother. I was there. It's true. You have to believe me. Of course I believe you, dear. You have always been the adventurous one. Your stories have always been hard for less adventurous types like your sister and me to believe. But it's true. I swear. Joanna thought for a second. In fact, I brought something back for you. I'll be right back, okay? Joanna's mother nodded her head. After, Joanna approached Molly. I need the keys to the car. Molly looked at her suspiciously. You're not gonna take off again, are you? Joanna decided that she deserved that. No. I want to get something from one of my suitcases. 
Still unsure if she could trust her sister, Molly handed Joanna her keys. With them in hand, Joanna rushed out. Running to the car and unlocking it, she dug through her carry-on retrieving a jar of tamarind honey. Unsure if it would be contraband, she hid it under her shirt and headed back in. Withdrawing it as she entered the room, she showed it to her mother. Molly joined the two. What is this? Molly asked. Devlin called it tamarind honey, Joanna explained. What's a tamarind? Her sister questioned. Apparently it's some type of fruit. But taste it. Tell me if this isn't the best tasting thing you've ever had in your life. Joanna opened the jar. Molly was apprehensive about sticking her finger in. Once she had, she was apprehensive about sticking her finger into her mouth. But allowing the flavor to wash over her tongue, Molly's eyes lit up like Joanna's once had. Oh my God. This is incredible. I know, right? Mom, you have to try this. Molly took another finger full and then guided it to her mother's mouth. Her mother didn't respond immediately. It took a second. But once the flavors rolled around her dry mouth, it was like a light had been turned on in her brain. Oh my. Right. Joanna interjected. This is amazing, Molly reiterated. Where did you get this from? From Devlin's yacht. He has an estate with miles of tamarind trees. He said he discovered it by accident, but has been stockpiling it ever since. Molly looked at Joanna surprised. So your billionaire and artist are real? Very real. So, did you just leave them back there to come and see Mom? Something like that. Things between us didn't end so well, Joanna said, lowering her head. Imagine that. Things between you and a guy didn't end well, Molly teased. Joanna knew it was a joke, but it didn't stop it from hurting. Yes, Joanna had a bad track record with guys. Most of them had been losers and men who couldn't see beyond their own selfish needs. Before she had gotten sick, her mother had told Joanna that she was attracting them because like attracted like. That always stuck with Joanna. That was part of the reason that she had gone to the yoga center instead of finding a cheap hotel. Joanna was looking at it as a new beginning. Do you know what you should do with this, Joanna's mother said, staring at the jar. You should turn it into candy. I don't know how to make candy, Joanna said with a smile. Sure you do. Don't you remember when you two were little girls and the three of us would make your grandmother's candy? No, Joanna said confused. Are you sure that was me? I'm dying from cancer, not Alzheimer's, her mother said with a wicked grin. Joanna chuckled. I guess I just don't remember that. I think I do, Molly said from behind her. We were both very young, right? Molly, you had to be six, so that would make Joanna three. How do you expect me to remember something from when I was three, Mom? Joanna joked. You're right. But Molly does. Your grandmother made it all the time when I was a little girl. Do you remember the recipe? Joanna asked intrigued. I think I do, her mother said with a smile. If you tell me it, I'll make it for you and bring it to you tomorrow, Joanna told her. I think that I would love that, her mother said with a reignited light in her eyes. As Joanna's mother gave her the recipe, she wrote it down exactly as she was told. Kathy had waited for her to finish before interjecting. I'm sorry, but you two are going to have to go now. We understand, Molly told her.
I am so glad to see you, Joanna's mother told her. Joanna felt her heart break as she said goodbye. I'm sorry it took me so long to come. Nonsense. There's nothing we can do about the past, only the present, her mother said, squeezing Joanna's hands. As hesitant as Joanna was to come, she found it incredibly hard to leave. Molly took her arm again as they headed towards the exit. In the car, Molly stared at her enthusiastically. She was really glad to see you. She hasn't been in such great spirits lately. The person you saw tonight was a whole other woman. She seemed like the old mom, Joanna explained. She was. I'm so glad you came back. I really want to make grandma's recipe. Do you have all the ingredients? Whatever I don't have, we can get. I would love to make it with you, if that's okay. Joanna felt her heart warm looking into your sister's soft eyes. Joanna didn't understand why she had been so quick to run away. The only place she wanted to be now was home. Looking into her sister's eyes, Joanna became sure that what had happened between her and the guys was what was supposed to. For the rest of the night, Joanna and Molly drove around picking up all of the ingredients. As they did, they joyfully recounted stories from their childhood. There was the time when Molly had taught Joanna how to ride a bicycle. There was Molly's 13th birthday sleepover when Molly allowed Joanna to sit in the room while the teenagers gossiped. There was also the time when the two teenage girls got drunk together. Joanna's mother wasn't very pleased about that one. But nonetheless, it remained one of their fondest childhood memories. After the two arrived at Molly's two-bedroom apartment and had put Joanna's bags in the spare room, the two women entered the kitchen ready to stay up all night if they had to. When it passed midnight, it was starting to look like they would have to. There was a very delicate process between when the candy hardened and when they were supposed to insert the honey center that they kept messing up. Maybe we should give up, Molly suggested. I don't want to waste your honey. I'm sure that Mom would be happy if we just brought her some of Grandma's candy. No, Molly. I want to get this right. Mom wants it. And if we keep trying, I'm sure we'll figure it out. Joanna was right. After two more times, they figured out how to fill the center of the candy with honey while leaving a small streak throughout. The streak was so that, while sucking it, there was always a hint of the tamarind honey. The honey center would be an explosion of flavor. They had designed it exactly right. Tasting it, they were both sure. Their mother was going to love it. Neither could wait to see the look on their mother's face when she tasted it. This is so wonderful, Joanna's mother said with a mouthful of candy. It reminds me of what my mother used to make, but you girls made it so much better. You know, I had always dreamed about opening a candy shop with my mother's candy. Why didn't you? Joanna asked unaware that that had been her mother's dream. I don't know. After your father died, I was content to spend my time taking care of you two. That was enough for me, I guess. And looking at you two fine girls now, I don't regret any of it, her mother said with a smile. But if you don't mind, I wouldn't mind having another one of your candies. Mom, we made this for you. You can have as many as you want, Joanna happily explained. As the day went on, it became clear how much more energetic Joanna's mother became. You wouldn't know this, but she really seems different, Molly told her sister. Why do you think that is? I'm sure that it has something to do with you, but I'm also wondering if it's not Grandma's candy. Joanna looked at her sister, considering it. 
Do you mean that tasting it lifted her spirits? Maybe. All I know is that she's different. She was not in a good place yesterday before you got here. Now she seems like she could live forever. Joanna looked at her mother again. She was sitting up watching TV and sucking on one of their candies. Staring at her, she wondered just exactly how much the honey came into play with her recovery. For thousands of years, honey was thought of as a magical elixir. Recently, it was shown to have incredible antiseptic qualities. Maybe this special tamarind honey was doing something for her mother that modern medicine couldn't. For the next three days, Joanna spent time with her mother. Every day she gave her an endless supply of candy, and each day her mother sat up and talked to them as if they had put her in a hospice center by mistake. Molly was dumbfounded. After a while, her sister had to admit that, as glad as their mother was to see Joanna, there was something else going on. Can you get any more of the honey? Molly asked Joanna at dinner one night. I don't know. I know that Devlin has practically a warehouse full of it, but we didn't exactly leave on the best terms. You and your disastrous relationship with men, Molly joked. I don't know if this was my fault, though. Was he the one to break things off? Molly asked. Yeah. Then guess what? It was probably your fault, Molly concluded. But still, do you think you can get any more? Why would you want it? We could probably keep Mom in candy for the next year on what we have. But you heard what Mom said. The candy is good. If we had more of the honey, we could probably open a candy store. But that was Mom's dream, not mine. It's okay if a good idea comes from someone else and not you, you know, Molly stated. I know that. Why would you say that? Because our entire lives you always had to be the special one. You were the one who would get away with anything. And you were the one who always had to do things your way. Even as Joanna denied it, she knew that it was true. So what do you think? Do you think you can get more of the honey? This was the first time in days that Joanna gave serious thought to the boys she left behind. Would she want to contact them again? Or more specifically, would Devlin want to hear from her? She had pretty effectively destroyed the plan he had been working on for years. Why would he want to hear from her again? No, getting more honey wasn't going to be possible. Joanna would have let the idea go entirely if the next day at the hospice center, the doctor hadn't suggested that their mother consider going back to a hospital. Considering that she was starting out in a hospice center, going to a hospital was a step up. The doctor resisted saying that she was getting better, but there was no denying that something was changing. And when Joanna asked if it could be the candy, the doctor said it was possible. Devlin had referred to his honey as worth its weight in gold. Had he been right? Was this candy like the zinc lozenges that shortened the duration of a cold? That one was discovered by a teacher who was tired of getting sick from her students. Now that teacher was a very rich woman. Joanna wondered if she could soon have a similar story. As the days went on and Joanna's mother remained strong, Joanna decided that she had to at least try to talk to Devlin about it. Certainly, he could refuse to speak to her. But what if he did agree to talk? What would she say to him? Yes, she would tell him about the effects that the candy had on her mother. But what would she say about what happened with Paolo? As Joanna decided that she would indeed talk to Devlin, she was confronted by another reality. She didn't have Devlin's phone number. 
The only phone that Joanna had seen was at his estate in Exuma. Could she call up the island and ask to be connected to Devlin, the pirate billionaire? Thinking about it, Joanna came up with a better idea. There was a number that would be easier to find. Locating the business online, she called up the dockside restaurant where she had first met Devlin. Hurricane Hole, how can I help you? A familiar voice asked. Hello. I'm sorry, is this Jimmy? This is he. How can help you? I don't know if you remember me, but I was there a few weeks ago with Paolo. With Paolo. Jimmy went silent for a moment. Was it about three weeks ago? Yeah. We were there talking with Devlin. Yeah, with Devlin. Sure, I remember you. How is Paolo? I haven't seen him around recently. Hearing that, Joanna was racked with guilt. Yeah, actually, I haven't seen him either. But listen, I was trying to get a hold of Devlin. Do you know any way I can reach him? It's important. Joanna could hear Jimmy smile on the other end of the phone. It was then that she wondered how often a girl tried to track down Devlin. He was a good-looking billionaire. He obviously didn't have a hard time getting women. Was Jimmy just thinking of her as a chubby girl who had a good thing and now couldn't stand to let go? No, I'm sorry. Devlin's yacht has been gone for a few days now. I don't know how to get a hold of him. Joanna thought about it for a moment. You think I might be able to leave a message for him? Joanna asked. I mean, you could try. But I can't guarantee that he'll get it. Sometimes he goes off for weeks. Joanna knew that she didn't have any better options. That's fine. Can you please tell him that Joanna thinks that she found the gold at the end of his honey, and that I would like him to give me a call at this number? Jimmy repeated the message and her number back to her. That's it. If I see him, I'll give him your message. But like I said, I don't know if I'm going to see him. That's good enough. I appreciate that. And if I see Paolo, do you have a message for him? Joanna froze. Why had he asked her that? Did he know something that he wasn't letting on? If you see Paolo. She paused. If you see him, tell him that I'm sorry. You got it, Jimmy concluded. Have a good one, he said, bringing their call to an end. Chapter 8 Devlin Devlin sat in the art storage room at his estate, staring at all of Paolo's pieces spread out in front of him. Each of them was leaning against the wall facing him. His feelings hadn't changed. These were still the most beautiful paintings he had ever seen in his life. But how had everything gone so wrong? For so long he felt that he had a full grasp on things. Paolo was exceptionally talented but his work lacked depth. Devlin's decision to do what he had was his way of helping Paolo live up to his potential. It had worked. Paolo's work took an incredible leap forward in the years that followed. Where was his mistake? Devlin thought back to the first time he met Paolo and saw his work. Paolo was a young man working at the gallery on Paradise Island. He was so enthusiastic about the job. He had just begun working there, and he had gotten the job because his work had just gotten accepted into the gallery. Devlin was blown away as Paolo showed him his pieces. He was so young and talented. Devlin knew what he was looking at when he saw both the artwork and the artist. He was a great master in the making. 
And when Devlin returned to New York at the end of his vacation, he couldn't get Paolo's art out of his mind. Devlin knew that the deal he was working on at that time was the last deal he would ever have to make. He had invested heavily in the biotech market, and now not one but two of his companies were being acquired by a major conglomerate. With the cash and stock options that he was going to earn from it, he would be set for multiple lifetimes. His life would no longer be about acquiring money. His bank account was now so large a few million here and there wouldn't make a difference. Instead, he was going to have to figure out some other big challenge. And after his deals were finalized, his first thought was of Paolo and his art. With nothing to keep him in New York, Devlin decided to explore another of his passions. The reason why he had visited the Bahamas to begin with was his fascination with the pirate era. And considering that Nassau was the heart of piracy during its golden age in the 1700s, the Bahamas was the only place for him to retire to. With his newfound fortune, Devlin flew to Turkey to purchase a sailboat. Gulitz had been his favorite for a while. Not overladen with technology, it was reminiscent of the sailboats they sailed during pirate time. Still with enough luxury to make the sailboat livable, he decided that this would be the way that he would see the islands that held such a special place in his fantasies. What Devlin wasn't prepared for, though, was how hard it would be for him to keep Paolo out of his mind. He had to admit that his interest in him wasn't just about the art. The man was beautiful. His shaggy sun-bleached hair, light eyes and surfer body were mesmerizing. Devlin had long admitted to himself that he had an attraction towards men. But Devlin wanted to think that his attraction for Paolo was more than just physical. As the years went on and their paths crossed more and more, even Devlin could see that he was losing his objectivity about Paolo. When the young guy had gotten his first artist residency and was bragging to him about it at the restaurant, Devlin felt uneasy about Paolo taking it. With the right guidance, Paolo was going to be a great artist. Devlin had no doubt about that. But the New York residency program that Paolo had been accepted for would do nothing but distract Paolo from his art. Devlin had run into artists involved with the program during his years in the New York party scene. They had explained to him that the New York residency wasn't about creating great art, it was about seeing the world and having fun. Well, that might have been an experience that broadened Paolo's horizon, but Devlin couldn't believe that it was going to make him a better artist. Now feeling invested in Paolo's life, Devlin felt the need to keep Paolo focused on his art. Devlin had done a lot of soul-searching before he got the program to rescind their offer. But it was only hard the first time. Each subsequent residency got easier and easier. By the time Joanna had caught him on the phone, Devlin had forgotten that he might be doing something wrong. He had explained himself to Joanna as if what he was doing was commonplace. It was no wonder that she reacted as she did. He had actually crossed the line with Paolo, and in his delusional bubble, he hadn't even seen it. But why, though? Why had he gone so far? How had he missed the immorality of his actions for as long as he had? Staring at the paintings, he got his answer. It was because of how much he loved Paolo's art. To say that they were hypnotic would make them sound crude. A better way to describe them would be to say that, if you could take a soul and attach it to a canvas, Paolo's art would be that. Devlin loved them so much. He loved them, and he loved the artist for painting them. He loved Paolo. Devlin thought it without really hearing what he was saying to himself. Paolo and his art were hard to separate. Where did Devlin's love for one end and the other begin? Devlin couldn't tell. 
but as he thought about the idea that Paolo would never speak to him again, and that his only contact with Paolo would be through purchased pieces of art, the truth began to sink in. Devlin loved Paolo more than just as an artist. He loved Paolo as a man. It had to be true. Thinking about a life without him made his heart ache. Devlin had spent weeks perfecting the artist's space in his house. Standing in the middle of it picturing Paolo there, he would often touch himself. Devlin wanted to believe that his arousal came from being a part of something transcendent, but now he had to admit that it was about something more. He loved him. He had loved him for a long time, and the time he had spent with him and Joanna on his sailboat had been the best time of his life. What have I done? He asked himself, feeling the finality of it all. For a brief moment, he had had everything he had ever wanted. And instead of letting Paolo go with the hopes that he would come back to him, Devlin had tipped the scales. If he was being honest with himself, he had to admit that that was what he was doing all along. Instead of protecting Paolo from residencies that would waste his time, he was keeping Paolo from leaving him. What he was doing wasn't about Paolo's development. It was about his fear of losing the man he loved. Devlin fell back hit by the realization. How could he have not seen it all along? He was in love with Paolo. It was his fear that Paolo would leave him that had made him make such horrible mistakes. What was he supposed to do now? What do you do when you realize that you have destroyed the life of the man you love? Devlin did not sleep easy that night. Throughout he was wrenched with alternating guilt and heartache. He needed to find Paolo and make it up to him somehow. But how could he do that? There was no way that Paolo would ever talk to him again. The next morning, Devlin decided that it was time to head back to Paradise Island. He didn't know what he could do about Paolo, but he was sure that he could do it from there. The trip back was smooth and uneventful. Docking the boat, he headed up to the restaurant. He hoped that he might run into Paolo there. He didn't. There was someone there who might have seen Paolo, though. Jimmy, the bartender, was a friend of Paolo's. If there was anyone who had insight on what Paolo was doing, it would be him. Jimmy. Devlin said, greeting him with forced cheer. Hey, what's up? Jimmy said, offering him his hand to shake. Not too much. Just got back. Then what can I get for you? How about one of your famous rum punches? Coming right up. Devlin watched Jimmy make the drink. He didn't want to be too obvious about what his intentions were. If Jimmy and Paolo had spoken, it was possible that Jimmy knew what he had done to Paolo. He had to bring up the topic carefully. So what's good today? Devlin asked. The grouper's fresh, Jimmy offered helpfully. Then how about an order of grouper fingers and peas and rice? You got it. Now seated at the bar, Devlin watched as Jimmy headed back to the kitchen to deliver his order. As he returned, Devlin decided he had waited long enough. Hey, so has Paolo been around? Paolo. He repeated it, as if he should have remembered something. No. I haven't seen him in a few weeks. But you know what? Someone called asking me to give you a message. Someone called me here. Devlin asked, confused. Yeah. I think she was friends with Paolo. What was her name again? Jimmy asked himself. Joanna. Yeah, that's it. I wrote the message down here somewhere. But that was a few days ago. Devlin watched Jimmy not sure how he should feel.
He had come to understand why Joanna had done what she had, but he was still having a hard time working past the fact that she had done it. Here it is, Jimmy said, pushing the slip of paper in front of Devlin. The note read, Joanna thinks that she found the gold at the end of his honey. Give her a call, followed by her phone number. Devlin stared at the note, not sure what to make of it. What was she talking about and where was she? Is this it? Devlin asked the hovering man. Yeah. That's what she told me to write. Okay, thanks, Devlin said, indicating that he needed a little privacy. Having brought his cell phone with him, he withdrew it and made a call. Stacy, can you track down the address attached to a phone number, please? No problem, Mr. Picard, Devlin's rarely used secretary said. Text me the address when you find out. Yes, sir. Is there anything else I can do for you? Devlin, seeing Jimmy in earshot, got up, weaved past the tables and stepped from under the cabana. Actually, there is. I would like you to speed up our usual purchases of Paolo's work. Would you like me to use the same channels? Sure. There's no reason to let him know that I'm the one buying them. Also, I want you to offer twice as much as being asked. Twice as much? The woman asked, confused. Please. There is no need to keep pretending that they're worth any less. Yes, sir. I will get them purchased as soon as possible. Thanks, Stacy. Text me when you have that address. Devlin ended the call and returned to the bar thinking about what Joanna might have wanted. He couldn't imagine what it was. No doubt that it was something bold. If there was one thing that was true about Joanna, it was that she was fearless. He loved that about her. Although he hadn't given her much thought since her betrayal, the more he did, the more he missed her too. It wasn't just about being with Paolo that had made those two weeks the best of his life. It was also that Joanna felt like the female version of himself. If he were to put it in strictly business terms, Joanna was a person worth investing in. Jimmy brought over Devlin's dinner just as a text came through on Devlin's phone. Thanks, Jimmy, he said, distracted by the address. Apparently, it was a North Carolina phone number. Should he call it? He wondered. What good would come if he did? There was no denying that he wanted to speak to her again. But could he really get past the thought that she was responsible for him losing Paolo? It was Devlin's business side that won out in the end. She had mentioned his honey. Along with Paolo, his honey had been his pet project. He had been working on it for years. What if she really had discovered something about the honey? Would that be enough of a reason to forgive her? Reminding himself that it was him and not Joanna that had ruined everything, he decided that it was. Devlin looked at his phone as he considered what he was about to do. Would he want to be with Joanna without being with Paolo? He didn't know. But the more he thought about the time they had spent alone together, the more he realized how much she had added to his life. In spite of everything, Devlin had feelings for her too. He missed her. He wanted to again bath in her wonderfully enthusiastic spirit. He wanted to hear her voice. Devlin called Joanna's number and then leaned back and waited. Hello. The familiar voice said, on the other end. Hello, Joanna. This is Devlin. You asked me to give you a call. Although Joanna tried to hide it, Devlin could hear her excitement. It almost made him smile. Yes, Devlin. I asked you to call me because I had a business proposal for you. 
This did make Devlin smile. And what proposal is that? You might have noticed that when I left I took the jars of tamarind honey that you promised me. I did notice that. Yes. Well, when I got back to North Carolina, my mother reminded me of a family recipe for candy. Hearing the mention of candy, Devlin immediately sat up. Making it into candy had been something that he had considered, but he had made no progress in finding the ideal candy recipe. I took the recipe and inserted the honey into the center of it, and it has to be the most incredible tasting candy in the world. My business proposal is that we add my family's candy recipe to your tamarind honey, and then we sell the candy for a fortune. Devlin sat quietly as he considered it. The success of a venture like that would depend on how good the candy tastes. So how good is the candy? Well, not to overstate the point, but we gave it to someone who was in hospice care. In a few days, she looked like a new woman. Devlin thought about what Joanna had said. Her suggestion was a little over the top, but it did get her point across. Certainly Joanna was speaking in hyperboles, but what mattered was how good the candy tasted and how much honey was in each candy. If she had somehow stumbled across the perfect combination of those two, she really might have found the gold at the end of his honey rainbow. How can I taste it? Devlin asked, starting to get excited. I can send you some. I can FedEx it to you overnight. Or even better than that, you can bring it to me. Joanna fell silent. Actually, I can't. I need to stay here to be with my mother. But if you were in the neighborhood, I could definitely give you a piece. Devlin smiled at Joanna's offer. A piece of what? Devlin wondered. It was then that he remembered how incredibly sexy she was. He really had enjoyed his time with her. Perhaps it wouldn't be a bad idea if he flew up to North Carolina to get a piece of whatever she was offering. Certainly it would be business first. But if somehow business turned into pleasure, that wouldn't be a bad either. It just so happens that I will be in North Carolina tomorrow, Devlin told her. Really? Joanna said, no longer able to contain her excitement. Devlin smiled. Yes. Where should we meet? Joanna gave him an address, and with nothing to write it down, he committed it to memory. I have it. Then it looks like I will be seeing you tomorrow. I'll see you then. Yeah, I'll see you then. I'm looking forward to it, Joanna added hesitantly. Devlin was slow to reply. Yes, me too, he said softly. Ending the call, Devlin couldn't shake how right all of it felt. Joanna was supposed to be in his life. He had no doubt about that now. Whatever she had done regarding Paolo, she had done because she was a good person. It was him who was being an asshole. She helped him see that. And now, if there was a way to help her make him a little richer, then who could ask for more than that? Scoffing through his grouper fingers, he gave his assistant another call. Surprised to hear from her boss twice on the same day, she made a flight reservation to North Carolina as he requested. After packing, Devlin took a shower and headed out. The flight got him in past midnight, and he booked himself into the only five-star hotel in the area. It was minutes away from the address that Joanna had given him. So the next morning after a late brunch, he hired a limousine to take him. Before he knew it, he was there. Or was he? He hadn't written the address down until an hour after she had told him, so he could have gotten it wrong. He didn't think so. 
But why would she ask him to meet her in a hospice center? She had told a story about someone recovering after eating the candy. Had that been true? If it wasn't, this was one hell of a stunt. As Devlin stared at the front of the building, he saw a familiar face step out. It was Joanna. The sight of her made him feel warm inside. I guess this is the right place, Devlin said to his driver. I don't know how long I'll be. Devlin got out of the limousine and headed towards Joanna. She looked good. If it wasn't for where they were, he knew he would be very turned on right now. Thank you so much for agreeing to meet with me, Joanna said, obviously trying to contain herself. Her enthusiasm did the same thing to him that it always had. He tried to contain his smile and failed. Well, I was in the neighborhood so I figured why not. Joanna looked at him, trying to figure out whether or not he was joking. I was confused, however, when I saw the address, Devlin added. Oh yeah. I told you about the person in hospice care that's recovered once they ate the candy. You did. I thought that I would introduce you to her so that you knew I was telling the truth. This was a sales tactic that Devlin had never seen in all of his years of business. Either this was an elaborate hoax, or she really had stumbled across something with the candy recipe. Then I'm excited to meet this amazing person. Joanna's smile broadened. She is an amazing person. The person I'm going to introduce you to is my mother. Devlin froze when he heard who it was. Everything suddenly got more serious. First of all, what she was telling him was that her mother was in hospice care. The second thing she was telling him was that she was about to introduce him to her mother. Everything had suddenly gotten very intense. Devlin tried to shake the feeling. This was still just a business meeting after all. He could still choose to leave at any time. There was no way he was going to leave though. I would love to meet her, Devlin said graciously. Then follow me. Devlin followed Joanna inside. After a quick nod to the woman behind the desk, they turned right and snaked down the hallway. Standing in front of the door, Joanna paused. Her name is Beth, by the way. But if you want, you can call her mom. Everyone does. Devlin was taken aback by her suggestion but smiled and continued in. Inside were two women. One stood on the far side of the room and the other lay in the bed. On the near side of the bed was an elegantly decorated table holding a silver tray. On the silver tray was a small stack of log-shaped candy. Devlin, I would like you to meet Molly, my sister and my mother, Joanna said pointing each of them out. It's nice to meet you both. I'm sorry, Joanna didn't tell me that I would be meeting her mother. If I had known I would have brought flowers, Devlin said charmingly. Don't be silly, this is a business meeting, Joanna's mother said completely charmed. But thank you. If you had, I would have appreciated it, she said showing Devlin where Joanna had gotten her impish smile. But having said that, I think my girls wanted to show you something that we think you might like. Beth pointed to Joanna who picked it up from there. You might remember how much I enjoyed the tamarind honey when you first introduced me to it, Joanna said stating the obvious. I think I recall that, Devlin joked. When you showed me the stockpile you had, you told me that it's worth its weight in gold. I think you're right. And let me show you how. Or even better, why don't you taste how? Joanna picked up the tray, offering Devlin one of the pieces. Devlin, impressed by their little presentation, took a piece off of the silver tray and popped it into his mouth. 
It was like an explosion of flavor had gone off. Suddenly, his brain felt more alive. For a moment, the colors of the room seemed brighter, and the scents became more intense. He had always enjoyed the taste of the honey, but wrapped in Joanna's candy recipe, it was transcendent. Wow! Devlin said overwhelmed. The three women in the room giggled. We thought you would say that, Joanna said. No, seriously. This is incredible. Do you understand now why I called you? Joanna asked vulnerably. I do. And I'm so glad you did. The three of us thought that you might be interested in opening up a candy store. Maybe we could open up a small shop and start from there. Joanna suggested. I think we can do a little better than that, Devlin said beginning to engage. What I see is an online store with a series of pop-up shops. We could introduce it to the public with temporary stores that appear in different locations. We can turn the whole thing into a must-see event. Joanna could no longer contain her excitement. Jumping up and down and clapping her hands, she giggled. I knew you would love it. You can ask them. I told them that you would think that this was a great idea. Then you were right. Joanna stepped toward Devlin and threw her arms around him. He hadn't expected it, but it was very welcome. The longer she held him, the more he wanted to hold her back. Feeling her body against his, he realized just how much he had missed it. He could feel himself falling for her again. And he felt like there was nothing he was going to be able to do to stop it. Deciding to move forward with a business idea, Devlin moved fast. Establishing an agreement between them giving him a 50% share, he set the girls to work making candy. As they did that, Devlin took care of all the business arrangements. He set up a website and a distribution house, while also locating a building for their first pop-up shop and thinking up the name. How about tamarind tubes, Devlin suggested to Joanna as they ate dinner alone. Actually, my mother came up with an idea that Molly and I both liked. What do you think about island candy? Devlin turned the name over in his mind. It was good. I like it. That's what we'll call it. Joanna bounced with excitement. My mother's going to be so happy. And how is your mother doing? Amazingly. The people that run the center are asking why she's still there, Joanna said proudly. Why is she still there? Well, it's either there or in the hospital. And since the hospice center is so much more comfortable, we figured, why not stay for now? That makes sense. Devlin furrowed his brow, about to bring up another topic. I've been thinking about something else. What's that? We're gonna have to figure out how to bring some attention to our new business. I agree, Joanna said. Do you have any suggestions? I do. Devlin paused. What do you think about commissioning a brilliant artist to do a painting, but instead of using paint, they used our candy? Joanna froze. She knew immediately what he was implying. Do you think that he would do it? Devlin liked that she wasn't going to force him to be coy about this. I think he might if we approach it in the right way. And how is that? First, are we in agreement? We want to hire Paolo to do a candy painting as publicity for our opening. Molly and my mother don't know Paolo's work, but I'm sure that they would trust us to make the right decision. Okay, then. With that, Devlin took out his phone and called his assistant. 
Stacy, I need you to contact our favorite artist and offer him a commission. Arrange for a ticket for him to fly to North Carolina and tell him that his favorite buyer will offer him a $5,000 advance just to have the meeting. Yes, sir. I'll do it right away, Stacy said before Devlin ended the call. Devlin looked up at Joanna. She looked nervous. He couldn't blame her. Neither one of them had seen Paolo since that day, and neither could guess how he would respond when he saw them. It took less than a day for Stacy to confirm the meeting. Paolo had a ticket scheduled for the next day. With all of the important business meetings that Devlin had ever had, he was sure that this was the most nervous he'd ever been. Time had done nothing to diminish his feelings for Paolo. He was still very in love with him. He couldn't show any of it to Paolo or Joanna, though. This meeting had to be all about business. Arranging for Devlin's limousine to pick Paolo up, Devlin and Joanna waited at an abandoned coffee shop which Devlin had chosen for their pop-up shop. Looking at his business partner, he could see that she was as nervous as he was. We can get through this, Devlin reassured her. Remember, as long as we keep this about business and not about what happened between us, there's a good chance that he'll do it. But is this just about business? Joanna asked insightfully. Devlin thought about her question. Maybe it isn't. But I'm not sure that any of us is ready to talk about what happened. Joanna dropped the topic knowing that Devlin was right. Receiving a text message from the driver, Devlin read it aloud. Five minutes away. The word sent a shiver through both of them. It was going to take everything inside of Devlin to hold it together. When the limousine pulled up out front, Devlin's chest clenched. Trying to appear as calm as he could, his hands were sweating and his legs wobbled like spaghetti. He was amazed how Paolo was able to do this to him. But Devlin no longer had any illusion about his feelings. He was head over heels for Paolo. Just the opportunity to see him again, after everything that had happened, was a gift. Devlin watched as Paolo hesitantly approached the front door and then entered. Devlin and Joanna stood in front of him. Paolo froze staring at them. Devlin, watching him closely, didn't see him make a move to retreat. He was going to be willing to hear them out. Realizing that, Devlin was able to take a breath, but there were so many more things that had to go exactly right. You two. Paolo asked, caught off guard. You two have been my secret benefactors? Joanna spoke up. Actually, it's Devlin. It has always been Devlin. You're the one who has been buying my work for twice as much as I've been asking. I have been an avid collector of your paintings for years. It's true. I've seen his collection. There had to be more than 20 pieces there. He's a big admirer of your work. For some reason, Joanna's statements didn't sit well with Paolo. He crossed his arms and looked away as if to say that he was willing to stay put, but he wasn't going to step an inch closer. Look, I was told that I would be paid $5,000 to meet about some commission. Is that real? It is 100% real, Devlin explained. Joanna and her family and I have entered a business venture. On the mention of Joanna's family involvement, Paolo looked at the two. His mouth slowly dropped open as he listened. I'm sure you remember the tamarind honey that Joanna was so taken by during our trip. Yeah, Paolo acknowledged. Apparently, her family has a candy recipe, and Joanna came up with the brilliant idea of inserting the honey into the center of it. It's amazing. We would like you to try it. 
Paolo was intrigued. If he had been given a thousand guesses, he would not have guessed that that was why he was there. Needing to understand what could have driven Devlin and Joanna's family together, Paolo agreed. Enticing him to them, Devlin uncovered the silver tray that sat next to them on the counter. It lured Paolo forward. Watching Paolo take a piece and pop it into his mouth, Devlin saw his friend's face make the same contortions his had. This is amazing, Paolo admitted almost needing to catch his breath. Our plan is to open a candy store pop-up shop. But we need a way to capture the public's attention and let the world know that we're here. So our plan was to hire an artist and ask them to paint a masterpiece using the candy as paint. Paint a masterpiece. Paolo clarified. Devlin chuckled. It's not like we want to commission an artist to paint a pile of crap. Joanna interjected. And everything you paint is a masterpiece. So for you, it should be easy. Paolo stared at the two considering it. The offer had him intrigued. Still sucking on the piece in his mouth, he picked up another of the candies and stared at it. Although it was the color of amber, it was as clear as a diamond. I suppose it hardens pretty quickly. Paolo asked. You can see for yourself, Devlin explained. We have a melted batch back here waiting for you to give it a try. Let me see it. Devlin and Joanna led Paolo back into the kitchen. Bubbling on the stove were pots full of candy. Beside the stove were tubes of paint. Next to that were a selection of brushes. And leaning against the opposite wall were pulled canvases. Devlin had paid an artist to set things up just the way an artist might need them. Paolo looked on impressed. Without another word, Paolo picked up two paint tubes and squirted its contents into each of the pots of candy. Using a wooden stirrer, he blended them thoroughly. When he was happy with the color, he dipped a paintbrush into the brown concoction. Transporting it to the canvas, it dripped. But when he spread it on the taut material, it stuck. And how much will you pay me for this? Paolo asked getting to business. For this piece. $20,000, Devlin explained. And how long do I have? How long do you need? Paolo looked around at the supplies. Is this where I'll be working? If you want, yes, Devlin conceded. I'm going to need an assistant to make the candy. I can do that, Joanna said volunteering. I mean, if you're okay with that. Paolo looked back at Joanna. His face softened. That'll be fine. So does that mean that you'll do it? Devlin asked. I will accept this commission. But you need to know that for me, this is all business. Devlin felt a rush of excitement which he suppressed. Agreed. This is all just business. How about if I leave you two to it? That would be best, Paolo said coldly. For the next week, Devlin busied himself with all the details of starting a new business. There was endless paperwork. On top of that, he needed to rent furniture for the pop-up shop and equipment to make the candy in large quantities. They were on track to open up the shop in two weeks. And as long as there were no hiccups, it looked like they were going to meet their deadline. Meeting with Joanna for dinner, she kept him abreast on Paolo's progress. It looks amazing, she told him. When does he think it'll be done? It is kind of already done. He keeps adding little things to it. But honestly, I don't see any difference after he does. That's great. When can I see it? I have to say he's still pretty upset with you. 
and I don't know if I can blame him. You might have thought that you did what you did for the right reasons, but to him all you did was kill his dreams. Devlin couldn't argue against what Joanna was saying. She was right. As much as he wanted it, he didn't deserve Paolo's trust. In fact, it surprised Devlin that he was even talking to Joanna about it. So you two are good again. Joanna blushed tellingly. Yeah, we're good. Jealousy washed through Devlin. He wasn't sure who he was more envious of. Devlin accepted that he had done this to himself, though. Sure, he had the best of intentions. But the reality was what it was. And in the end, he was simply the man who had destroyed a brilliant artist's dreams. But I think you will be proud of me for something, Joanna began. What's that? I got him to do more than one piece. Really? Aha. He seems to really like working with the candy. So I made a deal with him that we would give him as much candy as he wants as long as we could use the finished paintings opening night as an advertisement for the candy store. That's brilliant. Devlin replied amazed. But I don't know why I'm surprised. You are simply an amazing woman, he said suddenly feeling very aroused. I agree, Joanna joked drawing a laugh out of Devlin. So when does he think he'll have the pieces done? In a week. That should be in time for our opening. In a week. Yeah. He's already been working on it for a few days. He has a few small pieces that are complete, and about six more that he wants to get done. Six pieces in a week. Yeah. He says he's been very inspired, she said with a telling smile. As the time approached for the store's opening, Devlin was feeling like the outsider. Joanna would tell him stories about them laughing and going out together at night, and all Devlin could do was listen and regret his behavior. Still moving forward with the business, though, Devlin arranged for one of the top art critics from New York to fly down for a private screening of the pieces. If he liked them, he would write an article about it in the New York Times. Not only would it catapult Paolo into the New York art scene, but such an article had the chance of going viral, since the pieces were all painted using melted candy. What do you mean that I can't accompany the critic? Devlin asked Joanna over the phone. I told you he's still very upset with you. But I'm hosting the critic. It would be impolite for me not to join him. You're going to have to figure something out. He's not budging on this. He said that if you force your way in, the deal's off. And since we never signed a contract, he'll take his pieces and go home. Well, that's not the way verbal agreements work, but I'll respect his request. I'm going to have to see them soon, though. You don't have to worry. They're good. I think they're his best work yet, and he agrees. It was killing Devlin not to be able to see Paolo's work. This was what all of what he had done had been leading up to. Soon Paolo would be entrenched into the art world thanks to him, and he wouldn't even be able to witness it. If this was his punishment, it was working. Because whenever Devlin thought about it all, his heart hurt. Escorting the critic to their shop, Devlin waited outside while the critic went in to take a look at Paolo's work. The pretentious little man was in there for over an hour. When he came out, he was bubbling with excitement. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. The man said shaking Devlin's hand with both of his. Someone like me waits a lifetime to discover someone like him. You will have to wait to read the article, but I don't mind telling you that my review will be good. Devlin looked back at the large windows in front of the store. 
As soon as Paolo had started working there, he covered them so that no one could see inside. Devlin was dying with curiosity. What could they be like? Two days before their opening, Joanna met Devlin for dinner and to tell him that the pieces were done. So I can see them. Devlin said more as a statement. I wouldn't push this if I were you. Maybe you can see them on opening night. For Devlin, this was the last straw. This is ridiculous. I'm the one paying for all this. I get that he's upset. But if I hadn't done what I did, there's no telling if he would have become the artist that he has. I'm tired of being treated like I'm the devil. Joanna reached across the table and put her hand on Devlin's. Her touch calmed him. He wanted so much to hold her again. We are so close, Devlin. Just a little while longer. I think that finishing his work has caused him to look at things a little differently. I think there's a possibility that you two may be able to work things out. You just have to be patient. I swear I'm doing everything I can to make things better. Devlin relented knowing that there was nothing that he could do, even if he wanted to. Okay. I'll trust you, Devlin said softly. Joanna looked across the table into Devlin's eyes. Thank you, she said, squeezing his hand. The two gazed into each other's eyes a while longer. There was no question, she was starting to feel about him the way he felt about her. He was considering inviting her back to his room when she received a text and pulled away. After she had stared at it for a moment too long, Devlin asked, Who is it? It's Molly. She wants me to come down to the hospice center. Is something wrong? She didn't say. It's probably just some insurance stuff that we've been dealing with. You want me to come with you? Devlin offered. No, that's fine. I'm sure it's nothing. I should go, she said, crossing her utensils and gathering her stuff. Getting up, she faced Devlin offering a conciliatory gesture. I'll talk to Paolo tomorrow. Maybe I can convince him to sit down with you to talk about everything. It's time you two did. And I think he might be open to it. I appreciate that. Joanna approached Devlin and leaned down. Offering him a kiss, she didn't aim for his cheek. Touching their two lips, Devlin got a taste of what could be. It was enough to make him hard. As she pulled her lips away, he held onto her hand. Joanna let him hold her for a second but was quickly off. Devlin finished dinner, hopped into his rental car, and headed back to his hotel. He thought about what Joanna had said. He liked the idea that Paolo was softening to reconciliation. It made him feel hopeful. It was while he was thinking about that that he fell asleep. It was only a few hours after that that he was awakened by a phone call. Hello. He said, not recognizing the number. Devlin, this is Molly. Is Joanna there? Devlin drew himself awake hearing the concern in Molly's voice. No. Why do you ask? Is something wrong? Devlin, our mother died. Beth died. But I don't understand. Joanna said that she was getting better. We thought she was, but maybe she was just feeling better. The doctor said that the cancer never stopped growing. I was sitting with her this evening when she said that she wasn't feeling well. And then before I could do anything about it, she closed her eyes and was gone, Molly said, no longer able to hold back her tears. I'm so sorry, Molly. How is Joanna dealing with it? That's just it. 
I told her to come to the hospice center so I could tell her in person. But as soon as I told her, she ran out. She hasn't come back. Devlin, I'm worried about her. She comes across as a strong girl, but she doesn't handle loss well. It was when she found out that mom was going into hospice care that she disappeared to the Bahamas. I don't know what she'll do now. Did you call Paolo to see if she's there? I don't have his number. Can you call him? Devlin was too embarrassed to admit that he didn't have his number either. I'll head over to his place and see. Don't worry, Molly, we'll find her. And Molly, I'm so sorry for your loss. Fighting through a torrent of tears, Molly thanked him. Ending the call, Devlin sprung out of bed and got dressed. And jogging to his car, he rushed over to Paolo's hotel. Although he didn't have his number, he knew exactly which room Paolo was staying in. Heading up and knocking on the door, he didn't know which one would upset him more, finding Joanna there in his arms or finding out Paolo didn't know where she was. When the door swung open, Devlin found a familiar face staring back at him. Paolo was standing there shirtless. It rocked Devlin to remember how beautiful he was. Not as surprised as Devlin was, Paolo stared sternly at his one-time friend. What are you doing here? Paolo demanded. Is Joanna here? Why? Did something happen? Her mother died. Beth is dead. Paolo asked stunned. I don't understand. We went to see her yesterday. She looked great. The doctor said that her cancer never stopped growing. Did you know her well? Joanna and I went to see her almost every night. We couldn't go tonight because she said that she was going to dinner with you. Is that how you found out? Were you two with her when she died? Devlin couldn't be sure, but he sensed jealousy in Paolo's voice. Not quite. We were having dinner, and she left because Molly had told her to come to the hospice center. It had already happened, but I guess she wanted to tell her in person because she was worried how Joanna would respond. She didn't handle the news well. She ran out and never came back. Molly called me to find out if either of us knew where she was. I haven't spoken to her since she left for dinner with you. Should we be worried? Apparently she has a history of not handling bad news well, Devlin said as he retrieved his phone and called Molly back. Hey Molly. I'm with Paolo. She's not here. I'm so worried. She's not at home and she's not answering her phone. I'm scared she's taken off again. What if she doesn't come back this time? Is that possible? Devlin asked feeling a knot in his stomach. Anything's possible when it comes to Joanna. Do you have any idea where she could be? Devlin pressed. I don't know. Maybe she's at the shop. If she's not there, then I don't know. Well, do what you need to do concerning your mother. I'll find Joanna. I promise. Thank you, Devlin. I don't want her to miss our mother's funeral. Do you think that could happen? With Joanna, anything's possible, Molly concluded before ending the call. What's going on? Has anyone found her? Paolo asked concern. Molly said that she isn't home but it's possible that she's at the shop. I'm heading there now. Then I'm coming with you. Devlin looked at Paolo, unsure of what to say. Of course Paolo wanted to join him. They were both very concerned about Joanna. But even in this moment, Devlin couldn't help but wish that Paolo had wanted to come just to be with him.
Devlin brushed away his thoughts knowing that there were more important things at hand. Of course, Devlin conceded before Paolo returned to his room to put on some clothes. The two men drove to the shop in silence. As concerned as Devlin was about Joanna, he couldn't help but imagine what Paolo was thinking about. Did he hate Devlin? Was being in the same car with him killing him? And once they got to the shop, Devlin was going to see his artwork. How did Paolo feel about that? Devlin pulled his car into the parking lot. Retrieving his keys, he walked to the door casually. Although he tried not to seem like it, his full attention was on Paolo as he trailed behind. Devlin half expected Paolo to try and stop him. He didn't. And when the door was open and he flicked on the lights, it was too late. Attempting to be considerate, Devlin didn't immediately scan the room for Paolo's art. Looking around, Devlin learned that there were a number of other things to focus on. When they had leased the place, the walls were all a dull mustard color. Now they were a purplish-white, and all throughout were streaks of color that closely resembled the island candy. That wasn't the only change. The space no longer looked like a coffee shop. The display cases that Devlin had ordered had been installed. They fit the space perfectly, and in them were a creative selection of candy. Their dream of a candy store was real. They truly were ready to open. I'll check the back, Devlin said, leaving Paolo at the door. Devlin entered the kitchen and scanned the space for Joanna. She wasn't there. Devlin had no idea where she could be, and he had no idea where they should search next. She's not here, Devlin said to Paolo when he re-entered the storefront. Where do we look now? Paolo asked. I don't know, he replied, taking out his phone to call Molly. Hello, Molly said, answering the phone. She wasn't at the shop. Think, do you happen to have any other ideas about where she could be? Molly remained quiet for a second. I don't. I don't know if I should be worried about her or not. Don't worry. We'll keep looking. And if we don't find her tonight, I'm sure she'll turn up in the morning. You don't know, Joanna. When she disappears, it takes a long time for her to come back. For a moment, Devlin considered what it would be like to never see Joanna again. He didn't like it. We'll keep looking. Get some rest. Do what you have to do. We'll find her and bring her back. Don't worry, Devlin concluded, ending the call. As confident as he sounded talking to Molly, Devlin turned and looked at Paolo with a worried look on his face. Do you have any idea where we can look next? The only places we've gone since I've arrived here is here the hospice center, and a few local restaurants for dinner. We could go to each of the restaurants, Paolo suggested. No. She wouldn't be there. Then what do you want to do? I don't know, Paolo. The two stood there almost paralyzed as they decided what to do next. Did you want some coffee? Paolo asked Devlin. Do you have some? We have a coffee maker in back. Sure. Devlin said as he followed the artist into the kitchen. Hazelnut or regular? Paolo asked, holding up the packages. It's your choice, Devlin told him. Paolo put the hazelnut coffee into the filter and poured two cups of water into the machine. As it brewed, the two men leaned awkwardly against the counter. The silence continued until Paolo broke it. I know that there are more important things going on, but what do you think of everything? The shop. It looks better than I expected. Paolo eyed him perturbed. Not the shop.
What do you think of my work? Your work? I didn't look at it. I figured that you didn't want me to see it. I didn't want you to see it before they were done. Now they're done. Devlin looked at Paolo's nervous face, trying to figure out what was going on. Earlier in the night, Joanna had told him that Paolo was still angry at him. Devlin didn't think that Paolo cared about what he thought at all. Had she been mistaken or had something changed? Aren't you interested in my work anymore? Paolo asked defensively. It's not that. All I've wanted since you started working was to see what you've created. The only reason I haven't snuck in when I knew you all wouldn't be here was out of respect for your wishes. That's also why I haven't looked at them tonight. Are you saying that you want me to? I mean you're here, Paolo said as if that answered every question. Devlin stood up and looked at Paolo as he took a step towards the kitchen door. Paolo looked nervous. His eyes were more vulnerable than Devlin had ever seen them. It made Devlin fall more in love with Paolo than he already was. Turning his focus towards the front of the shop, Devlin allowed his eyes to focus on the paintings on the walls. At first, Devlin didn't know what he was looking at. The paintings almost looked out of focus from where he stood. The closer he got to them, however, the more he was amazed by what he saw. Like the individual strokes of a Van Gogh painting, Paolo had used the viscosity of the candy to create the impression of rough seas and stormy skies. More than that, he used the transparency of the candy to layer the image in a way that created a 3D effect. It was phenomenal. And adding to that, the closer you got to the painting, the more incredible it smelled. The smell of it drew Devlin into the image even more. As Devlin moved from one painting to the next, he saw a theme. On one, he could pick out the image of skull and crossbones in the deepest layer of the candy. In another, there was an image that reminded him of his sailboat. Those were not the most intriguing, though. The one that almost brought Devlin to tears was a more abstract painting that looked like three bodies intertwined. The intimacy and lust that poured off the canvas were both heartbreaking and erotic. Each of the paintings was more surprising than the next. But there was no question. His incredible works were reflections on the time the three of them had spent together. Paolo had made Joanna and him a part of his greatest work of art. Devlin turned back to Paolo doing everything he could to fight back his tears. They are your best work yet, he said understating their brilliance. Paolo smiled relieved. And this one is the one that you commissioned, he said pointing at the large painting on the wall behind the candy display. Devlin stepped in front of it and stared. It looked like raw emotion. Pain, anger, confusion, all of it was obvious. But also included were streaks of hope. The painting was Paolo's spiraling emotions laid flat. Staring at it, Devlin felt like he was looking at Paolo's soul. It was beautiful and dark. It was everything that Devlin had come to love about Paolo, stretched across the three-foot canvas. It was as Devlin stared at this that the dam broke. Tears streamed down Devlin's face. He could barely breathe. His heart was beating a mile a minute, and he didn't know what he would do if he looked at Paolo. What do you think? Paolo asked him. Devlin gathered his thoughts and then turned to look at the beautiful man. Looking at him, it was like he was seeing him for the first time. Paolo's energy seemed to reach out from him like tentacles of light and grab him, dragging him closer. Rushing towards him, Devlin reached out his arms and grabbed Paolo. His partner reacted immediately. Each reaching for the other, they locked into a strong embrace, losing themselves in a kiss. 
Devlin's mind spun as their tongues intertwined and he pulled at the beautiful man. Clutching his shirt and shaggy hair, his heart thumped and his cock sprung hard. The passion between the two was electric. Pushing Paolo backward, they cleared through the tables and chairs. As they pressed against the wall, giving them nowhere else to go, Devlin pushed Paolo onto the makeshift bed tables, tearing at his clothes as he did. Ripping at his shirt, Paolo became bare-chested. Devlin needed to feel him. First gliding his hand over his toned chest and rippling abs, he let Paolo take off his shirt, allowing their two manly chests to press against one another. Devlin's breath hitched at the sensation. And when Devlin couldn't wait a second longer, he unbuttoned Paolo's jeans and pulled them off of his lover's lean body. Staring at the man he had thought about for so long, he slid between Paolo's legs and took his c**k into his hands. It was hard and pulsing. It was also warm. Rubbing it against his cheek, it smelled like salty fluids. Pressing it against his lips and circling the head with his tongue, it tasted like pure pleasure. Pushing one hand against Paolo's strong belly, Hi, this is the author again. Yep, more steamy things are happening. And if you'd like to get a version of this book with the steamy bits in, narrated by me, you can get it for free by clicking on a link in the description and signing up for a free trial. I suggest you check it out. It's really, really fun. Devlin collapsed on his lover's chest, catching his breath. He could have laid there forever. He pushed his fingers into Paolo's curly locks and rubbed his scalp. Laying there, he realized that this was all he had ever wanted. And it was in that moment that his mind flashed. What if she went looking for us again? Devlin said, breaking the silence. Who? Joanna. Yeah. What if she took off to look for us again? Devlin said, sitting up and releasing Paolo's folded legs. You mean like going to our hotels? No. I mean... What if she thought that she could go and find what we had in the Bahamas someplace else? Devlin said, finding confidence in what he was saying. I still don't know what you mean. Devlin got off of Paolo and moved to collect his clothes. Get dressed. I have an idea. Paolo did as he was told and then followed Devlin out. Getting into their car, Devlin typed something into his GPS. Three miles to Charleston Airport. Take a left onto Main Street, the computerized voice instructed. We're going to the airport, Paolo asked. I have an idea, Devlin retorted. Arriving at the airport within minutes, Devlin parked the car and the two ran into the departure terminal. Both of them scanned the many travelers, looking for the person who they could never feel complete without. Devlin was the one to spot her. She was seated blank-faced, staring at an empty check-in counter. Over here, Devlin yelled, drawing Paolo to him. When Paolo was standing shoulder to shoulder with him, they both looked at Joanna heartbroken. They slowly approached her, and it wasn't until they were within arm's reach that she turned and noticed them. Her eyes were lost in pain. My mother died, she said flatly. We know, Devlin replied, feeling the weight of what she had said. She was doing so much better. The candy was helping her. I don't understand what happened. The candy did help her. It allowed her to spend the last few weeks of her life with her daughters in the way that she would have wanted. There was nothing that could have been done to stop the cancer. But you gave her a gift that I know she was eternally grateful for. I'm sorry your mother died, Joanna. But you can't be sorry about the time that you were able to spend with her thanks to what you created. Joanna's face twisted as she listened to Devlin. 
I'm going to miss her so much, Devlin. She was everything to me. She didn't know that. I don't think I ever told her. And I always kept running away. She couldn't have known how much I loved her. Joanna, from the moment that I walked into her hospice room that first day, I could see that she knew. She was so proud of you. And before the end, you were able to fulfill her last great dream, to open a candy shop with her mother's candy. You did that, Devlin emphasized. She knew that you loved her. You never have to question that again. It was upon hearing that Joanna got up and threw her arms around Devlin. Hugging her back, soon they were both being hugged by Paolo. And together they bathed in each other's warmth and cried. Chapter 9 Joanna Joanna sat in the front pew with her sister during their mother's funeral. Paolo and Devlin sat directly behind her. Joanna knew that her two guys didn't know her mother for very long, but it meant the world to her to know that they were there if she needed their strength. It was a lovely ceremony. Most of her mother's friends from college and childhood were there. Afterward, both of her boys stood behind her as the parishioners offered Joanna their condolence. It was a rough day for her, but having the two of them there with her every step of the way made an impossible day possible. Knowing that it had been her mother's dream, the opening of the candy store was only delayed until after the funeral. From the day it opened, it was a sensation. The New York Times had written an article about Paolo's incredible work, and the entire piece hinged upon the amazing candy that he had used as paint. Believing that Paolo was the next great master, a number of New York's who's who ended up in attendance. Not only did Paolo sell all of his paintings for more money than he knew what to do with, they sold out of candy. Everyone had to chip in as they spent the next six hours making candy for the following day. The real success for Island Candy didn't happen that first day, however. It happened once word of mouth began to spread. Newspapers around the world picked up the New York Times story, and it wasn't long before the website was in back order for what turned out to be three months. To make things more efficient, Devlin suggested that they move their candy-making operation to the source of the honey. Neither Joanna nor Molly had a problem with that. Molly would remain in North Carolina, taking care of the business stateside, while Joanna watched over production in Exuma. Each morning Joanna got up, stood at the window admiring Exuma's incredible beach view, and then started her day making candy. It was a greater life than she could ever have imagined. But what made Joanna's life better still was who she was living it with. Every morning she woke up next to Devlin. When Paolo didn't have a show in some distant part of the world, he was there with them. Every so often they took Devlin's yacht out and sailed it under the pirate flag. They were becoming a bit of a legend. While visiting Nassau, she would hear stories about a sailboat that was sailed by three pirates. If they stopped you, they would rob you of all of your alcohol. Whenever Joanna heard it, it made her smile. How had Joanna ended up with everything she'd ever wanted in life? She wasn't sure. But with both Devlin and Paolo in her life and her bed, she wasn't about to question it. She loved her two boys as much as they loved each other and her. And when Joanna found out that their threesome was about to become four with their first pirate baby, Joanna knew that she was about to live her life happily ever after. The End This has been Island Candy by Alex Anders. I hope you enjoyed that story. If you'd like to listen to another of my menage romances, this time with the spicy bits included, which I recommend, and narrated by me, 
You can use the link in the description of this video and get it on Audible for free. How's that? By clicking on the links to Audible in the description and getting a free trial for a new account. After you get my book with a free trial, you can keep it even if you cancel your membership. But get this, if you do keep your account open for at least 62 days, Audible will pay me $75 as a referral fee. In other words, if you'd like to support me, the author, and help me keep posting my books here for free, the best possible thing you can do by a mile would be to sign up for a free account on Audible and use it to get my book first. As a reader of books, I'm a huge fan of Audible. For the past few years, I've only read audiobooks. And the best thing about Audible is that even when you only get one credit a month, you have access to a lot of other audiobooks that are exclusive to Audible and are included in your monthly fee. So please, use the link in the description to check out the rest of my Menage books and my other books on Audible. Otherwise, you can check out this channel for a few more of my books because you might like those too. Happy listening.